to the show. Thank you for joining us. This is Jaronism Friday. It's another show for you, but it's uh, not the lounge. We decided to change the name just for fun, just so it separates out this great conversation. Welcome back to DLive if you're watching on DLive, and I also heard that we might be streaming on the YouTubes. Uh, let me make sure that we are live here. Good. We've got a lot of listeners already. So let me just say, first of all, to everybody in the chat, do not freak out that these conversations are good for you. If you don't believe what I say, don't believe what uh, Austin says, you don't believe what anybody says, that's fine. You can have your own beliefs, but it's okay to listen and explore thoughts and discuss things. Uh, you're not going to uh, turn into a pillar of salt for, for discussing these things, at least I don't think. If you do, please send me some sort of message and let me know that that happened. I'd be anxious to know that. We are calling it Book of Enoch Fact Checked. We've got a few people here. Joining us for some reason is Karen B. Karen B. couldn't stay away from this great conversation. Karen, welcome to the show. Thank you, Jaron. Thank you for having me. Love it. Love the discussion you're having. Good. It's good. And we've got uh, Austin from Wits It Gets It and uh, Enoch Rules. Welcome to the show. (laughs) What's up, man? Glad to be here, man. Uh, Enoch is gravy. And we've got Globusters in the chat. Bob, this is the this is the kind of discussion that you despise, or you tell me not to have. If I if I had a dollar for every time Bob's told me like, you know, Jaron, you really shouldn't discuss. <laughs> a lot of people hate when you talk about that. It's like, yeah, I know, Bob. I know, I know, I know. But Bob will admit. If anybody will admit, Bob will admit that this was my favorite topic. I had some of the best conversations with. Um, uh, Truth is stranger than fiction. I, it's my favorite topic because I was raised. Christian, and let me give my two cents before um, and Bedridden Bear says I will understand after Enoch, alright? Yes, it just started Tinfoil Hat Bear. And I, and I guess, maybe you should say that people if they want to get a context for what's going on right now, they should watch the last show. To just That's true, it. that's true, yeah. If you watch the show that was on earlier, the regular Friday Lounge, we just ended a little bit earlier because I thought it was going in a... I didn't like staring at the screen saying F YouTube while we talked about something completely <laughs> off topic. So that was the F YouTube stream. At the end of that, we started to get into religion, which is my favorite topic again. And let me just put my two cents out there real quick, and then we'll move on from there. So what I was trying to say is that when I look at Book of Enoch, when I look at these old texts, they all seem like control mechanisms to me. And what I mean by that is that as long as you have people thinking that uh, some sort of terribleness will come to them if they are evil, Okay, so you have people thinking that. So imagine that we're a bunch of evil people and we get together and we say, hey, it's the five of us on this call right now. And we say we're evil and we want to do evil because we don't believe that there's even a creator and we don't believe in any of that. How can we do evil but have everyone else leave us alone while we do and they don't join us and they kind of let us be controlling. We control them. We own them. We become rich and powerful. How do we do that? Well, we create a story that tells them that there's a God that's going to punish them it's going to you know, rain wrath on them if they are bad. We tell them that the meek will inherit the earth, that eventually when they die for being a good person, they will get to live forever on earth. And this is the greatness. And we convince them of that. And throughout history, you've cha- you change the story a little bit. So Enoch's story is a little different than the Bible. The Bible's a little different. The whole story, though, is meant to keep you in fear, basically, that you better be a good person. And to leave the people who are doing evil alone, to not confront them, basically. Somebody will eventually take them out. And the whole time, you've got this evil cabal that grows and grows and grows. And sometimes it's overtaken. But you look at the 
you know, the, I don't know, the Egyptian um, pharaohs were, were kind of the same thing. You know, a lot of people think that, you know, they wrote hieroglyphics because that was the language of the Egyptians. It wasn't. The hieroglyphics was only spoken by the pharaohs. And so people looked at all these hieroglyphics and didn't even know what they were talking about. But it was a very control kind of thing. The whole thing is meant to keep people in slavery. And it's done fantastic. This is the reason why I don't think that they tax churches. Why? Because they want churches to exist. Churches exist and they make people complacent. And now you've got Christianity as the belief. Let me show real quick just one graphic and I'm going to get off my soapbox. But this one graphic, and again, people, you don't have to agree with me. Don't get upset at me. It's going to be okay. We're all going to get through this together. Um, this is a problem for me. But this picture here, why isn't it on the screen? All right. So this picture here shows every single action of the God in the Bible took place in that one little circle. Everything that ever happened in the Bible took place in that one little circle. So it seems like, you know, just a story that was told. And then as they traveled out and they found other continents and things like that, then the story was taken there. If you think about your grandparents, if you live in the United States, okay, if you think about your grandparents and their parents, uh, if you get too far back, you were required to believe in the Bible and to worship the God of the Bible and to worship Jesus. If you didn't, you were basically killed. So it shouldn't be a surprise to us now that the Bible is believed by a lot of people in the United States because our several grandparents ago were required to believe it. You didn't have a choice. You didn't have a choice not to believe it. And it's just gotten to be, uh, I believe, a, a mess of... Uh, and again, let me just tell you, I grew up religious, extremely religious, and went to Catholic school and went to a Jesuit Catholic high school. And then I became disillusioned with religion and said, this seems like lies to me. And then I became an atheist and I started to believe in evolution and I started to believe in all that. And then I realized that there was the same amount of lies over there, that they were both trying to get you into a belief system. And then I said, why would there be some group of people that want me in a belief system, no matter what that belief system was? And then I realized it's control. If you are a Red's rhetoric, if you are these people that are devoted to science, you are, in, you are under the control of of the elites and that's the people on the left it's just a lot of the people that are controlled there and if you are religious then i believe that you're under the control of the elites as well and do, do they play off each other yeah of course they can't tell you so when, when i hear austin say things like oh well why are they trying to hide it and why do they push this and why do they push that well it's because if you're the evil ones and i don't even believe that they you know a lot of people say well why do they worship satan satan must be real if the elite worshiped him yeah, but you don't know if they really believe in him or they just make it seem like they do. Because if they make it seem like they do and they do these, and again, here's the other part, is you don't know if you pray to God or you pray to Satan. If something happens, that may that may start you believing that that exists, right? So, I mean, if you pray to Satan and say, Satan, we, we, we are rich and powerful now, today we're rich and powerful, and we want to be rich and powerful tomorrow, and we're going to sacrifice this baby to you. And if we do, we hope that you keep us in power. And they sacrifice the baby and the next year they're in power. Then guess what? They're probably going to do it again. They're probably going to do it again. And for us outside, we see that and say, oh, they're worshiping Satan. And they must they must know Satan exists. And I don't think that anybody knows anything exists. So it's all, and I might have gone all over the place there. Anyway, what this video is about or what we're going to discuss is the book of Enoch. Because I've read it before. I heard a lot of people talking about it. And I said, let me go read this book. And when I read it, I thought it was ridiculous. And I haven't read it in a while, and I think a lot of us admit that we haven't. So, Rodrigo's here. Rodrigo, you've read it before, but not in a while? Yeah. Yeah, I don't... I've seen discussions about it, but I'm not so familiar about it. I'm... I'm for me, the... Um, 
you know, it's interesting to look at all these things as literature. Like you said, the confinement on the map, that's a very good illustration what I was trying to say before, that this comes from a specific region. And there's all these other places around the world with people in it at the same time. And, and they have their own stories, and we have to look at that. Well, and it's for like, me, what the is the best story of control, right? What is the best story to control people? It's definitely that circle. The story of the uh, Indians that were in North America, the Native Americans, is not a good story to control people. The, the, the story no. that we should be, that we should yeah you know, the, that's not a good story, story that there are different in, indigenous yeah, groups with different practices and that they respect nature with uh, with the idea that animals are persons or or, or people mm -hmm. you may call them as well that they, they have a whole completely different and this is actually found in many cultures many more cultures than we find the this kind of scientific materialism that we have but, you know, just to, to kick off the, the conversation, I would say, you know, that for me, the confirmation uh, that the verification that the cosmology we have inherited from the colonial sources are is completely manufactured doesn't come from the Bible. It comes from, and you may see it in the Bible as well, it's saying, you know, the Earth stationary as well. But it comes for me, at least through the stories of other people that have nothing to do with the Bible as well, that describing the world in, in similar fashion. Right in China, for instance, for me, that's a big one. China is a big one because it's not Egypt, it's not Babylon, it's not they have a different way of looking at the stars, different constellations, the Vedic uh, cosmology as well. So, and it's quite well developed, and we know it has nothing to do with the ball. So, um, but right. but you know, I'm I'm yeah, open to see what people have to say about this. We can take a look at some passages that might be interesting. And sorry, I cut you off, Iru. Yeah, Iru, your vote. Hello, everyone. Today Sorry, I will be sharing. An... <laughs> that was not. Oh man, that was a <laughs> taboo. Bad to... Sorry, I didn't. Yeah, <laughs> accidentally hit back. Uh, Iru, your your mic's a little quiet. You, you, can you turn it up at all? Or uh, no, no. That, oh, I better. was that's checking better. in You're the settings of the windows, but um, you're good now. You're no? good now. And, and good. I'm still low. No, you sound good now. Sounds good. Okay, Sorry. no, maybe I need to, you know, take my my mouth and put. No, don't do that. In front of the microphone. No, what I'm trying to say, because uh, I was a little quiet, because for me discussing this topic in, in English is a little difficult, uh, but in terms, in general terms, uh, like Rodrigo said, uh, the picture that you show us is a very storytelling, you know, because everything happened there, it's like Hollywood movies when everything happened in the United States, United States is the savior of the world in every single movie that they promote uh, around the world, you know, everything happened in United States. The Omnis attacked United States, the Nazis attacked United States, the, the virus attacked United States. Uh, it's the same type of things. And uh, if you look who we are behind, it's the same guys all the time. There, there is nothing new under the sun. And for example, with religion, particular with the Catholic or, or the Western religion, uh, it's the same families, the Farnese, the Borgia, the Medici, the, the ones who built up the Vatican, because the Vatican and all the religions associated with Vatican uh, was not, you know, the, 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 the hand of God coming through the clouds and saying, now I'm going to build the Vatican as the headquarters of my religion. Bloom! No, it was founded by families. They put together the books they want to put together. Maybe they took a lot of ideas around the world and they make like a final 
piece of art, you know, with a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Let's take. Well, I, I believe the ones who saw maybe the 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 the, the, the uh, how is called the this dog. Sorry, guys, uh, it's take out my head. The the documentary of the twin towers, the dollar, and the religions. Okay, the famous Zeitgeist. Zeitgeist. Yeah, yeah. Zeitgeist has a, for me I am not complete, you know, 100% on all the things that yeah, that there's, there's uh, a lot of errors. Set. A lot of errors in there, but yes, but in terms of the 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 part of the religion, I agree with that. I mean, for me it's different story around the world trying to control people in the sense of the religion itself. This idea of a savior, this idea of the prophets and all that kind of stuff not the cosmology part in fact they don't they you know go in that documentary they go into the cosmology but but uh, as heliocentric model that is for example the part that i don't like but you know just for resume the my opinion uh, it's just uh, a tool of control and everyone has uh, trying to put together the most efficient way to control people And the black novelty in uh, of it, the, the Italian family, I believe they they made it uh, more good than the other families around the world. Well, at least they control w complete the Western world, and even they the Jesuit uh, they infiltrate China, Japan, and you can see in in our modern times. Because yeah, I, I say that because we don't have how many people you have in the United States that pray for gods uh, or for uh, or they practice another religion. No one, practically, practically. Now they come with the new age and a, a lot of people maybe practice Hinduism or Buddhism, uh, particular Buddhism because they associate it with yoga and blah blah blah. But if you go to Japan, there is a lot of Christian. If you go to China, you have a lot of Christian too. So that is just like a tiny portion, but uh, you can see how effective the infiltration was by these uh, families uh, or these companies like the Shizu company. Yeah, I agree. Okay, we also have Austin with us. Austin is a little bit more uh, on the, the Enoch side, or he at least thinks there's some truth to it that we need to listen to or at least explore and uh we're, we're going to go through that a little bit and then we also have alex stein with us alex you with us i'm right here ready to get in the book of enoch and rob skiba said it's true so i know it's 100 percent true so anything you guys say to discredit that i'm uh, all wrong so good for you okay and maybe it is true but i i don't know and i don't I'm even know just kidding i don't know what to be true or not <laughs> I well i have no idea where to even start um with the book if he's not his, well know. this this is this is the thing right so it, i agree with all of y'all disavowing religion hate religion think it's stupid men of doc can use control people stupid sucks i do not i'm not in any way ever discussing or coming from a viewpoint of like majority of christians as in basically all of them i don't agree with right but What I'm saying is that this this was removed, and Enoch says the names of the people they say came down, right? And it says what they – it's interesting okay. at the least to look at the tricks they brought that it says, I would say. So 
But I mean, you and know, it's it, called that. That book came from the Ethiopian Church, right? Supposedly. Yeah, the I, Ethiopian I, uh, canon had that book in it. And yeah. supposedly Enoch, uh, he gives the book to Methuselah. I don't know if that uh, is the Methuselah. same name. Methuselah. 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 Yeah, the guy who lived for 1,000 years. Well, I know that he was the great-grandfather of Noah who had the ark, so he was able to keep it. it. And I know it sounds all crazy. People think the whole story is a fairy tale. All I'm saying is that the story is not what they said, and at the least you should you know, you get to hear the actual story. Then you can think it's BS, but to not even get to hear it. I think is lame. Um, so it gives you the context of what comes after that. And um, Enoch, okay. So, like I told y'all, Jude, the next to last book, right? Right before Revelation, it's a one single page. And it says, this, as the seventh from Adam prophesied, you know, as Enoch, the seventh from Adam prophesied, quotes it verbatim. And another point, this is just a point to say that, like, this points out no without argument that they have subverted what the actual script says and you can take from that what you want but Wait, hold on, hold the on. Sadducees press Yeshua or what people call Jesus and they're like trying to prove he's just a fraud and they're like trying to ask him questions he can't answer they say well Mo Moses says whenever um, a wife's husband dies the brother is to take the wife so what happens if that happens seven times right. who gets the wife in heaven Jesus and he said you know not the power of God nor the scriptures you know not the scriptures nor the power of God, for there is not marriage in heaven. You'll be like that of the angels. But nowhere in the scriptures before that was that address, but it wasn't Enoch. So even within their own paradigm of what quote-unquote Christians say they believe, the central figure actually references Enoch as scripture, and it's the next-to-last letter in the book that they have given us that has coincidentally 66 books in it. Um, and it's surfaced in Ethiopia and it tells you their names and then you can go through each name and they tell you what they and were in charge of deceiving people, humans, by giving them little pieces of knowledge. And, and it was all removed. Uh, and, and Enoch starts with the beginning of the world or was or what was before well, Enoch? What, uh, yeah, well, it's, a, it's a, the beginning of when the watchers come down is addressed but what is like what it says is and he took up his discourse and said enoch a righteous man whose eyes were opened by god who had the vision of the holy one and of heaven which he showed me from the words of the watchers and holy ones i heard everything and as i heard everything from them i also understood what i saw not for this generation do i expound but concerning one that is distant i speak and concerning the chosen i speak now and concerning them i take up my discourse so the preface. So, but if you if you wrote three. that, if you wrote that, you, it, it is always good it, because you're saying I'm not writing this it's for so, now. I'm writing so this for the perfect. future, right? It's so perfect. And why why wouldn't you do no, that? It's and a, in fact, I I don't know if I showed this uh, with you guys or my with the Spanish people, but uh, the, the same thing that you just say, it what it said, the guy Consolmanio in an interview uh, talking about that. Yeah, you showed that. The only absolute truth is going to be just poetry not science no religion no nothing because poetry you can adapt it as you as you want fair enough and and, and uh, i gonna i going to find that little minute of uh because yeah, maybe it's a good you. starting point because i believe that all the books that we read from western uh, civilization 
in terms of the religion, they never attempt to, they, they forget to mention all the other parts of the world, all other, you know, <laughs> people that live at the same time, you know, it's like, uh, like that, that is why I completely agree with uh, the image that you show, uh, Jen, and, you know, with but, that. But like to give cycle. context to what I'm saying, it says, it says, you know, uh, it's not for this generation to expound, but concerning one that does not speak. And then it says, the great holy one will come forth from his dwelling and the eternal God will tread from, from thence upon Mount Sinai and he will appear with his army. He will appear with his mighty host from the heaven of heavens and the watchers will fear and quake and those who are hiding in all the ends of the earth will sink. All the ends of the earth will be shaken and trembling and great fear will seize them, the watchers, unto the ends of the earth. So when you you do know the earth, it's a geostrict stationary plane, you uh, re-examine Enoch. Sure. It's at least, at the least, it's a very different story than what 99.9% .9 of those people who claim to be Christians believe. That's interesting at the least, right? I mean, like, but no one even knows what the actual story is. And it's in, it's right in front of them. All right, so I'm showing people just so they can see this is the book of Jude that you were talking about. I mean, I have so many problems. This is the King James Version. I think a lot of people go exactly by this. Masonic. Yeah. Let me ask this question first, just because, again, I grew up Catholic and then uh, married a, a Bible-believing Christian, so I have a lot of issues with different things. Let me ask this. Is Jesus' brother James and other brother Jude? Because this is a problem. I don't understand how we don't can't even figure out whether this guy had brothers or not. But according to Catholics, no. I was raised to believe Jesus had no brothers and sisters. Mary gave, had never had sex, never had another baby. It was just Jesus, the Immaculate Conception, whatever. Okay, I got that wrong, too. The Immaculate Conception was really Mary. But anyway, um, so this part here starts out Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James. So this, to me, tells me, no, that they weren't. But Christians believe that James and Jude were Jesus' brothers. If they were, then I don't know why this, you wouldn't say Jude, the servant of Jesus and brother of James. To them that are, well, he had a lot of other brothers too. Why would he not say brother of Jesus? Anyway, down here is where you're talking about. You said, so you're pointing out that Jude says, it mentions Enoch. And Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with 10,000 of his saints. So, okay, so Enoch prophesied that the Lord would come with 10,000 saints to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them for all their ungodly deeds, which they have ungodly committed, and all their hard speeches with ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These are murmurs, complainers, walking after their own lusts, and their own mouth speaketh great swelling words, having men's persons in admiration because of advantage. Uh, so explain to me what, what you're saying, what's yeah. going on here. Well, it's just interesting that this book's preface that was hidden from us is, I take this up with a in time generation basically that's my discourse is who's who i'm talking with and then when you actually find where it is in the the scriptures it's the next to last right before the final one but not one single quote-unquote mainstream christian even knows that puts that together has any idea that's a thing i think that's weird that that was somehow finessed you know because it was and then the Yeshua thing where he straight up says, well, you know not the scriptures nor the power of God because there is a marriage in heaven. That's literally not said anywhere in the scriptures. You have to go to Enoch to see where that's addressed. And the, the question for me is just, 
it may all be fake or whatever, but like, why did they have to take these things out and hide these things? That's super weird. And then when you go look at Enoch, it's well, it's the most damning. And when you know the Earth's geostationary stationary plane, it explains entrances of gates that they're at the ends of the Earth, that nothing's moving. Um, it explains that they will begin to worship what's in the sky. So uh, it's at the least very intriguing, right? Like, I don't know. I, personally, I stick with this, and people can agree disagree. If it's all just fake and a fairy tale. Um, there wouldn't have to be such a concerted effort to manipulate it and misrepresent what the actual story says because the story would work in and of itself. And um, yet that's exactly what happened. And and that is why for me, the Western civilization, and I repeat that a few times during the show, they took the best, the best of other uh, conquer part of the world and they put it uh, in that uh, Nicaea Council and uh, all this type of thing. Uh, yeah, I I I totally agree what you say, but yeah, they they bring the best, you know, along the story, uh, along the the story of the world of the human of or at least this new human race, because I uh, something that uh, all the time scratch my head trying to understand what before Babylonian and Sumerian uh, civilization, and nobody can answer that because supposedly there is there no transition. Smart, there is. Yeah, no, no but the Indus Valley, the Indus Valley civilization is older than both Egyptians. What, and how, how many? But, but how many? How many years? Oh, uh, by, by maybe twenty thousand. If you know, yeah, ten thousand, maybe. Yeah, ten thousand, maybe. Mainstream, all, all stuff in mainstream is uh, uh, sorry, archaeology goes back to around ten thousand, twelve thousand. And before that, <laughs> even in Chile, in we Chile. live in caverns. We live in caves. You know, uh, taking the women's by the hair. Uh, you know, right. No, it's not. It's not have any sense. So right. yeah, they try to tell us they were stupid, but they I weren't think. though, man. I don't think they were stupid, dude. I think exactly. they were smart. They were telling us what they did, dude. Like uh, Epic of Gilmesh is super old, right? Like Katie yeah, and yeah, the bet. Yeah. But yeah, what I'm I mean, trying to, to say to, is, I mean, what what they say just to put things into context, the so-called cave paintings that they claim to be around forty-five thousand years, no. which yes. Yes, that's mainstream archaeology. No, 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 no. Com- cave- yeah, yeah, I know that. that yeah, that, that, those those cave paintings that they have in, say, in France, and there's this, uh, there's, there's their films made by it. Werner Herzog made a film about one of them. It's kind of weird his narrative, but it's interesting to see how these cave paintings were made. It's quite astounding, and they're, you know, the the idea is that they're from forty six thousand years ago. Uh, and you know they're found under some rocks, you know. But but the thing is, whatever it is that the the claim the archaeologists make is that these paintings are very sophisticated, they're very modern uh, looking. But they're, but they're they, 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 what I'm trying so, to say is what I'm trying to say is that for me the uh, you know the Enoch book, the Queen, because we have the Bible came from a queen and from a king, so. <laughs> All these things are well, the best compilation of other histories that right. they've found. I'll tell you. Transformations. And, if you and, look uh, at I mean, them, they're very interesting, right? Like uh, Shemyaza taught enchantments and root cuttings. Azazel taught men to make swords, knives, shields, breastplates, and uh, fabrication of mirrors and the workmanship of bracelets and ornaments, the use of paint. Um, taught men to make swords and knives, etc. And then Amazeric taught all the sorcerers and dividers of roots. Armorers taught the solution of sorcery, taught the resolving of enchantments. Barakael, wait, 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 this one right here, right? Barakael uh, taught the observers of the stars, taught astrology. 
and then you look at Cocabel taught the science of the constellations, Ezekiel taught the knowledge of the clouds, Erechiel taught the signs of the earth, Shamazel taught the signs of the sun, Sariel taught the motion of the moon, taught the course of the moon, taught signs, taught astronomy. So it's it is very interesting, right? Like when you realize at the least this is a very old piece of literature that is seems to be quite relevant now and it claims that it like was going lose to be it. so but how yeah, is it being, the, I mean, like, like the vedic uh like the vedic story of the beginning of time and all the function and the of the sun the moon the chariots that it's the so same thing I right mean, it's, it's yeah yeah sure that's, that's what i was going to point to like for instance they're saying such and such this name did this and this art and that art this is taught by this god and that god and this angel that angel this watcher that whatever it is because you see this in a greek for instance vulcan taught the arts of you know for, forging with steel so there's in every every culture where there are these crafts they were taught by by some sort of spiritual beings and even ayahuasca plant when people take the ayahuasca how how did people find out in the jungle that such a one root out of millions goes together with this other plant and it has to be done in such a way if you ask them they say well the spirit of ayahuasca came to me and taught me that i should do this but the, the scientists don't accept this right? but if so, you look at all these so that and that's very real because it's happening right now so you can see people who are actually doing this now when it comes to these stories Uh, you know that such and such a god taught this and that what you see in those in those stories they tell you okay taught the signs of the sun what exactly are they what is this art where is uh the, sure sure Here, well, here's art. what i'm trying to say here's what, it does give quite a bit of a uh, description but what i'm trying to say is if you okay. re-examine all the categories and you look at them as uh categories of deception and then you apply them to the day it gets crazy It does. And it says like uh Kazdeja taught the children of men and all the wicked smitings of spirits and demons and the smitings of the embryo in the womb that it may pass away. Now, okay, obviously that agenda of deception has been conquered in 2020, right? And, and so at the least if you do look at it, if you look at it from that yes. perspective, it's pretty intriguing. It's like, like it's a, like it's a it's playbook. Like a, it's like a evil it's a it's a catalog of evil essentially that may resurface when, when things are bad. So, Which yeah. is a kind well, of the tools of deception that a bunch of people are going to fall for that are going to work. And for the last 2,000 years, it's just been pointless, and people who read it just get confused and don't really know what it means. And only today, only us, only we are special enough to know that it's talking about now. What, what do you think, somebody who read that? It, it's crazy it got removed, yeah. Back in the 1700s, the 1800s, they had a practice where if you had an unwanted child, you just drop it in a hole. You, you just drop it in a hole and they would take it and do whatever they wanted with it in the orphanages. And they had this whole idea of the changelings and all these other myths that uh, allowed them to get rid of an infant. Uh, so Guess I mean, what Godrail did. Sorry. Was, no, I'm, I'm just saying, the, the, I'm not, not contesting, I'm saying that uh, because it, when you're looking in the Vedic scriptures, there's a very similar narrative of this fallen angels, exactly the similar thing in the In the Greek mythology with Hesiod, we have a very similar story as well with Enceladus. It's kind of a devil that comes. It, it's very similar, and you see, it's a main one of the main figures of NASA's mythology, Enceladus. Uh, right. The, Do you think all these people just made up fake stuff? Do you think all of it's no, fake? No. This, this is what I'm saying. In the in the Vedic scriptures, the the way these characters come up, 
is that there are these atheist demons that control others through through symbols and want others to worship them and they come down and try to take control of the earth and they deceive people and they take several shapes they even take animal shapes and stuff they reincarnate because that's a different cosmology nice but there you go but they're, but they're doing but it's it is similar so you can you i know, agree I yeah yeah that does sound very similar yeah that kind of analysis for me is more attractive than just focusing solely sure. on one book yeah you know, i feel you i feel I, you i don't agree yeah. to, to make it clear i don't think that the 66 books that they give everyone is is the accurate compilation of definitive truth or anything like that yeah i, I in the same in the same way i don't i don't because i'm saying this it means i should not dismiss any of these pieces of literature that come from antiquity and they may have you know it's interesting even if it's all created there, there would be obviously reasons to to add to the story and to embellish it and it, it, you know that in the catholic church you have a tradition of many of these you know saint thomas of aquinas you know writing many many books and they create the corp. I was I was reading because I got curious because uh, Saint Ignatius of Loyola, this is the founder of the Jesuit order. Can you believe that the freaking John of God, John of God, his freaking center where he had people to where he was operating from is Are you called talking about Oprah's friend John of God. Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. That center, that center is called. Saint Ignatius of Loyola, the Jesuit guy who founded the freaking mm -hmm. Jesuit order. So I started oh, wow. to read what this guy was writing and the kind of stuff he was writing when he was writing and his meditations and his spiritual exercises. Yeah, I, I got only so far, but you can tell he's total, he's a, he's, what do you call it? He's like a fascist, I guess. He's a, he has a mandate that says that if he ever calls on anybody, they have to come right away, no matter what they're doing. There's all these things about snooping on other people, and, and it's bizarre when you start reading it. And the fact that he's the—they uh, called him a saint. You know, the the whole structure of of the Catholic Church when you start reading this stuff, you know, the whole thing has to be, you know, in a in a if we had justice, we would be able to dissolve it. You know, get these guys out. Say there's no more priests. It's just all bullshit. Step down. We take all your stuff. We're going to distribute it. Let's open his library and let's sell all these churches. And you guys go, you know, on retirement to Antarctica or something like this. You know what I'm saying? But I'm uh, sure around know. what time do y'all think that heliocentrism started to be like accepted mainstream? Way after the three, four hundred years because ago. Because I found, yeah, because I found some some um, or started to be spread models. Then. Yeah, they started talking about it, but the, the star maps that were published even over 100 years later had the Tycho Brahe model together with the Copernican model sometimes. When was it in, really being accepted as like, this is what the Earth is mainstream? What would y'all say? 1900? Right, right. So pushed. like late 1800s to 1900s. And then if you apply that to so that's when these people were supposed to get out. And now look at their new type of deception with all that stuff. <laughs> dude, I mean, if you do think about it, it's crazy. I mean, they... They're teaching about the constellations and the stars and sorcery and the moon. And if you think about how they've, there is a religion right now of heliocentrism, right? It's a belief system void of empirical evidence. Uh, it's built upon the doctrine of men. And they have told them these fantastical stories about what goes on in the sky. Mm hmm. And detached from truth. 
that kind of stories they tell. It's, yeah, but I mean, yeah, it's kind of the same as what you're talking about. Nice. I mean, a lot of the stuff that Enoch's talking about is fantastical stories of what goes on in the sky. Saying the name of these angels, saying what they each brought to man, um, which is just ridiculous. I mean, then you have to believe that an angel came down and said, okay, I'm going to teach men now how to use swords and went around teaching everybody how to use swords. Wouldn't there be some story in history that said some guy came from the sky and taught us how to how to kill people with swords there's no story yeah there are all kinds of stories like that all over the world every single one of the categories that's what made me start researching it and i and i i didn't just research just to like try to prove the bible or something i thought religion was all nonsense like 4200 of them like what a cool story bro you know but But i will say it it, it makes you think more than you think foreigner right like say uh you're in a group and then somebody who comes from a different group that has the metallurgy and the techniques for metallurgy, and they come over yeah. or something, they'll be, for you, they'll look very powerful. And you, you may right. eventually call them gods. It, it could very well be. But that just means that they had the time to develop this elsewhere, and maybe they brought it over. I mean, one of the things, for instance, you know that in Tutankhamun's tomb, they had uh, boomerangs, you know? <laughs> That the, the Egyptians are going much farther. I mean, something is odd about the, what the stories we're being told. I agree with, with everyone. Dude, they, they, the Enoch tells you, dude, that they they took the women as wives, right? They came down and they got to pick any that they wanted to. And you know that if you take that scriptural worldview, that women are technically inferior. Goes God, man, woman, child. Not that they're less than us, but just different, or whatever. And that's a hierarchy. And if they came down, like they picked any woman they wanted as wives, taught them spells right and um then they gave birth and they had these secrets i yeah, mean i don't, I don't know it seems crazy they taught my mom some of those spells yeah the main the main problem of this this kind of stories from the west is that they're so focused on men who who move all the right they they take all the actions they're, they're more important so lots of things are made for 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 the sake of man, and men are the leaders. Men are the Messiah. Men are even the killers. Well, it goes God, man, woman, yeah, child. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So it's very. Men's it does though. It does though. Objectively, bro, because like, what happens? How? Who protects the family? Who defends the family? Who provides for the family? I mean, it goes. Uh, it really depends on, on the the culture that you're on. Like I me, mean, there's. African cultures that women are warriors as well. As well, I mean, this is well known, and that where the women actually charge of the market, and where polyandry is actually the rule, and you know, there's so many variations in in, in human culture. But one thing that I would add, just to, <clears throat> and of, of course, you can argue as well using a Christian, looking at Christian stuff, that women are also deemed as sacred. You know, there's a virgin Mary, but you know that I mean, not not entering into the the. the you know, but there's not so much you get from the women in these stories. There's not a lot of women-centered, you know, there's no woman giving a speech. But when you look at the Vedas, you have that all the time. Like you have women <clears throat> are much more important in a way they're, uh, the, the way they describe themselves. They're powerful women. Uh, it's, and, and they're at the same, and the men respect them. If you, don't, if you mess with the women, you can't mess with it. It's like there's, it's, it's quite different. The, the there's this, the the notion that all these different ideas of what dharma is, the way, right way of acting depending on the situation. It's a really fascinating subject. The way it works, and how characters make their choices. But what you see there that you don't see in the Christian scriptures, maybe because there's just so much more Vedic scriptures and the the size of the Mahabharata. Like I said, it's two million words. 
you you get whole speeches by women that i mean people can call me whatever i do think dude, there's like men it goes god man woman child I, that's just what I, I mean that's what i think you know because they they bounce each other out right we're perfect for each other and women do things that we don't they're empathetic they're good for things we're born from a woman you know yes of course like of it. course but like it's a man's obligation to protect and provide and to take care of right and then the, the woman, the woman well. has I things mean, that we don't have the woman does that as well i mean that's that's just a cultural kind of veneer that, uh-huh. that people create as you know that's your role as a, as a man um i don't know i you know i i don't think men and women are exactly the same but i think i think that if you look at the cultural variation that we have documented you will see that the the role the roles that women take are not as you know uh, even if they want they want to take some some of those roles uh, you know I, i think we the the inferiority of women is has never been proven in, i mean if there's like five men and 30 women and something like serious pops off all the women are going to look for the man in the room it depends but it's because of, it's because the culture uh, has put women in that place for for hundreds of years in the colonial period they're confined to to their homes they couldn't do the activities that the men could do necessarily they had to break the rules to do that even for writing a book you had to pretend you're a man uh if you're a woman in some, some well i love women man and i don't think they should be oppressed so, and crazy like that but i think there's like a natural logos or order there's a natural order you should, see the size, you should see the size of the dutch women here man there's yeah, but, women they're but like they, okay, two but, meters high yeah but they couldn't they, defeat a man in a <clears> lifting <throat> competition ever It just never happened. They're never going to beat a man in a race. But, but, well, I'm saying, yeah, yeah, they could beat me. But I'm saying that you know, no, no woman <laughs> yeah. could. You know, yeah. There's, there's a reason a why. Force. We know that men. Sure. Men so strong. could a woman? Yeah. Could a woman step into that job? We're not saying that there's no woman who's fit for war. I mean, there probably is some women out there that are fit for war. But for the m- most part, a majority of them are not. And that's not cultural misappropriate. That's just, that's just biological fact. Yeah, if there's anybody who's ever fit for war, right? If there's ever something, right. and, unless you're doing defense, you don't want that to be happening all the time, right? That's no. part of the... And women, because they give right. birth, are much more nurturing. They're much more uh, loving. And so they're probably better fit to, you know, raise and render children and to rear children than a man. Now, exactly. it doesn't mean that no well, man can be good. And that, I mean, I was a single dad from the time I, my son was... Uh, you know, a year old. So, I mean, it doesn't mean, oh, I can't raise a child because I'm a man. No, but would it have been better for a, uh, a mother to do it? Uh, even I'll yeah, say, yeah, probably. Together. Yeah, it's going to be better yeah, with two people. So that's just people getting together and realizing how to best operate as a team, right? But yeah. so so let yeah. me get back to, to what um, what my problem is with all these old texts, and then we'll get into to Jude. But is I mean, not Jude, but um, Enoch. Isn't it true? I mean, we think that all these guys do is they they do wizardry, right? They're they're magicians. And what's the primary tool of any magician? It's misdirection. Spells. Well, it's yeah, misdirection, spells. right? It's you, know, you, you have people look at your left hand so they don't see what your right hand is doing. And so, you know, I just realized that a lot of what we're looking at is just that. It is purposeful misdirection. And at the same time, it can't be so obvious, and that's why you know, you've got pastors and you've got... But, I mean, to me, it's just... I mean, if you're talking about Enoch, what are we supposed to believe that... So he's naming all these evil... Uh, you know, So who gave him that information, Austin? I mean, do you think... Yeah, he was elect in the sight of God. He got a dream or a vision, and he showed God showed him from beginning to the end. 
and he actually um, negotiated okay, no, nobody, with God nobody in the history, on behalf of... Hold on. Nobody in the history of the world has ever gotten a dream and been able to name 4,500 spirits. Or, like, think of what you're saying there. So, so you, I named you, 20. There's 20 names. Okay, 20 and names. And there are over 10 each. So you, yeah. you, you think it's more, it's more believable rather than he made it up, because you said you don't think he made it up, even though Stephen King has made, you know, some 300 novels or whatever he's written, um, which are all made up. Uh, but you think it's more likely that he was actually given information in a dream or a vision and remembered it all, and that that's, well, that's God's way of no, communicating well, with no, people? But, well, no, yeah, fair enough, but you got to say that he was just luckily right about a lot of these things now and that they suppressed it just to trick you so they could bring it back out later and make you think it's real. That's what you'd have to say, you know, and I entertained that, but for me, the other side seems just as logical or probable, right? Like, I don't, yeah. But don't. You think these things are only happening now, or do you think these evils, they were there at the time as well? Yeah, there were evils because the the watchers came down, and um, Enoch was like a, he could he translator basically could speak many languages. He's like, God, let me go talk to the watchers or the Nephilim, and like you know, reason with them. He said they're not going to listen to you. He said, please. So he said, whatever. If you insist, Enoch, go ahead. He goes. They all make fun of him, laugh at him, ridicule him, never touch him. No, he's elect in the sight of God. So they they they're not interested because they're revered as gods. And then and then it gets to where then it's not enough, and they turn on the humans themselves. They start eating them, and that's where sacrifices came from, and, and drinking their blood. And then they turn onto the creatures, and there's hybrids that are revered as gods, and they have all the secrets. They they're big in stature, and they're renowned. And so that's what the actual story says. And if you look at that, you know. Okay, parallel so to everything let's else look at chapter three that people wrote. It's interesting. I just was flipping through the chapters. I'm at chapter three, just this one line here. Uh, observe and see how in the winter all the trees seem as though they had wintered and shed all their leaves, except 14 trees, which do not lose their foliage but retain the old foliage for from two to three years until new new comes. I would I would almost bet anything that this is incorrect. That if we went and looked now and we actually went out and studied that there would be way more than 14 trees in this world that don't lose their leaves during the winter. I would guarantee it. Now, if this was correct, then we have something huge. What? How would uh, Enoch know that? Right? But yeah, it's not. I don't know that it is wrong. Oh, I bet you. I don't know. I, I bet you see. anything. There's no way he would know. Well, no. Nah, if you look at like if it starts, you making sure the seeds aren't genetically modified or anything. I don't know. But when nah. well, I mean, see if that, we can just say that. I mean, you're just assuming it's wrong. Can, can, you can't do you that. You can hey, never hey, do real that. Quick, real quick, real quick. I need to say this. Hey, guys, guys, Rob. No, stop sharing. Jaren, send me the link so I can get Rob Skiba on. Send me the link real quick. That's all I'm trying to say. Oh, I just goodness. say, send me the link so Skype. Rob Skiba can get on. The Skype but, link? But for example, there are places in the south of the equator where you don't get any trees to lose any leaves in the winter because there's no winter. Okay. It's talking way, about the like trees it. that don't leave. It's or the trees in don't Brazil, lose leaves the in the winter. Don't lose leaves. No, no yeah. trees in Brazil will lose their leaves unless maybe some trees, but but the native trees, they, they, that's not what they do. That's why when I first came to the states and I saw that, I was like, holy, wow, this is really pretty. Because and uh, in Salt Lake City, that it's a huge change. Uh, okay, when so winter I have comes. that. I have that note. I'm going to research that because that would be huge to me. Hey. We're barely in chapter three. Yeah, I'm sending it to you right now. Hold on. Okay, yeah. And, well, no, no, Jaren, Jaren, you see that the username in the chat is what I just sent you. That's his username. For Skype? Oh, just add him to the call? Yes. Yeah. Let's see. Yeah. And I, I send you the uh, video from Guy Consolmanu. Consolmanu. If, oh, if you, you, you want to just share your screen and show it? It'd be easier. Oh, okay. Yeah. 
go ahead and get ready yeah, to share sorry, because one. i believe it's is related okay, uh, good, with like all it. this topic that we are talking about uh it's a tiny one it's only 51 seconds uh no more than that and uh let me just press the magic button uh here we are and supposedly now i'm sharing let me see here Share screen. Uh, All right, go ahead. Wait, I don't see anything on the screen. I just see black. Anybody else see anything? No, I do not see anything. Just Same. Okay. Just black. Okay, let me just reshare the screen, which is a little bit strange. All black. All black. Still black. Uh, now it's turn, try turning it on now. Oh, by the way, it looks like Rob Skiba joined. Rob, nice to talk yeah. to you again. Hey guys, how are you? Hey Rob. Hey guys. Rob, thank you for coming on. Hi. Rob, this is Alex Stein. Thank you, I appreciate it. I look hey. cool now. I'm just popping in, so I have hey, no ways to talk about. <laughs> so, well, talking about how Enoch Enoch is legit, and you're the man to discuss it. <laughs> oh boy. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, we just start, and and if people don't know, Rob, Steve, and I have had some great conversations before. People really liked it uh, because we're respectful of each other. We have different opinions of it, um, but I love Rob. If there's anybody who's made me want to be a Christian, it's Rob Skiba. You know, I mean, he's just everything a Christian should be. Uh, he's never told me, believe it or not, he's never told me I'm going to rot in hell for any of my beliefs, uh, which a lot of other people have told me, uh, Dean Odell and other such people. <laughs> but um, he's never called me the Antichrist like Dean Odell has. Um, but anyway, we've had no, some right? great conversations, and the good thing is that we can agree to disagree. I respect Rob a lot. It's really crazy. When we go to the Flat Earth Conference, somehow Rob and I always end up sitting at the same table, sitting next to each other, having these conversations. So I love having Rob on. Rob, the discussion was we were on the Friday Lounge where we were talking Flat Earth and how much we hate YouTube and YouTube censorship. That was all fine and dandy. And then somehow we got on to, and I still don't for the life of me know how, uh, we got on to Enoch. And um, then all of a sudden, you know, we've got Austin Witsit from Witsit Gitsa here. He's saying that uh, he thinks Enoch is legit. And, of course, I disagree for the most part just because I think that there's a lot of nonsense in there. And, again, I think it's a method of control, a whole... God's going to punish you. He's coming to get you. All these things will happen, and I just think none of those things have happened yet. Anyway, Iru, I still don't see your screen share. Um, so then we got onto Enoch, and then we started a new show where we called it Book of Enoch, and we were going to kind of go through the Book of Enoch. And now? Yes, now you're sharing. Now uh, okay. get, get rid of that. And so we've just been discussing that. We, st- we started by reading Chapter 3 real quick, and just to let you know what we just saw, it said that there were 14 trees— um, I'm sorry, it says, observe and see how in the winter all the trees seem as though they had withered and shed all their leaves except 14 trees. And I made the claim that I bet you anything that if we actually research that, that there's much more than 14 trees in this world that do not lose their leaves during the winter. And then Austin said, I'm wrong about that. And then you joined the call. So that's where we're at. Oh. But Eru is going to show oh. us something real quick. Go ahead. Tell me about what you think. Is that true statement even to this day? Uh, well, I would just like to respond to that argument. Um, I mean, if we were to accept the Book of Enoch for what it says, it's, that was written roughly 4,300 years ago. So the idea that there could be more than however many trees you just mentioned, I mean, how many species or breeds or dog are there? Over 300 breeds of dog allegedly came from a wolf. Well, I don't believe so, that, but okay. 
Well, but that's what science is telling us. Well, and yeah, okay. and yeah. having owned numerous breeds of dogs myself and understanding how dog breeding works, that makes perfect sense. So the idea that there could be over 300 breeds of dog from a wolf and the idea that there could be many different species of trees coming from however many you just mentioned, that doesn't, that's not a problem. It's not my mind. But that's okay. evolution, right? Or, or not? Well, hold on. Now I'm confused. That be Selective breeding. Okay, so you think wolf, right, that, dogs are the dogs same species? The same species right? Dogs are the same and species as wolves? Or no? I'm, I'm trying to listen to two people here. Sorry, I'll ask again. Did, are dogs the same Sorry. species as wolves? They are of the same kind. So however you define the word kind, okay. biblically speak, because you know Noah brought so many of each kind, right? And the wolf is understood by science and people who do dog breeding and stuff like that to be of the kind that they believe that all the dogs were bred from. And, and that you breeding can breed a dog so, with a wolf. You can the, you can actually do that. So yes, yeah, so I've had I've had wolves. I've had uh, dachshunds, greyhounds, collies, all kinds of dogs. And understanding how dog breeding works, I mean, they basically just start breeding until they get a certain characteristic, and then they find another offspring that has a similar characteristic. They breed those together until they get the the color, size, shape that they want, and then you end up with the whole breed. So, like that would be all canines, right? Correct. Okay. So then if they they're talking about 14 kind. trees, it could be something like, um, oh, trees it could be like Douglas, it could be like fir trees or, you know, and then all the fir trees that fall under fir trees or, Correct. you know what I mean? All deciduous trees. I just recently started gardening. So this is <laughs> pretty new to me. I, I'm, I'm calling myself black thumb because <laughs> I'm definitely don't have a green thumb, but I'm learning real quick about uh, crossbreeding and how that can affect your garden. You know, if, cross pollination and things like that. Mm -hmm. So there are some plants. There are some plants that can be cross pollinated, and you end up with hybrids. There are other plants that they just genetically can't cross pollinate. Mm -hmm. Right, but then also there's like what you were talking about, like the species. Like if it's all canine, you know how they they categorize everything with a Latin term, and then there's like the two names. There's so there's like the main. I forget what it is, but it's like the main name, and then there's the subspecies or the subcategory of it. Hey, I have to say something. I have to say something. Why are we talking about trees? We need to be talking about giants and how big their penises are, Rob. I want to know if these oh, giants are oh, like oh, thanks, that's that's true, uh, All right, size hold on. Let's let me get some order here. First, let's have Iru play his video. Iru, go ahead. I'm sharing your screen. You are on. Okay. Explain I'm what we're seeing again. This is uh, explain who this is one more time. This is Bright Consolmagno, the guy who is behind right now the Vatican Observatory, and he addressed the topic of the flatterer many times, but he's a Chesuit uh, scholar. He was one of the first uh, in our last uh, 10 years that uh, said, not said, but um, bring the evidence and wrote books about the Galileo never was uh, condemned or make uh, any kind of trial based on the science that he presents to the Vatican. In fact, Galileo was the first director of the first university in the world, which is uh, in in our days still operative and presented uh, the agenda of the weather, of the climate change and blah, blah, blah. So he has a lot of interview and 
a journalist. I don't uh, know exactly who was behind because I just downloaded this tiny answer that he gives to the journalist from, uh, you can find this on online, of course. But for me, was very interested the way that the Jesuit uh, responds the uh, question of the journalist and for me is related with this topic and I'm going to play this video and then if you want to okay. give an opinion, uh, that will be awesome. Up, oh, you have no sound here. Okay, let me. That's I'm gonna fix very quickly. Uh, supposedly, right now we have still no sound. Anybody else? Sound? No. Did you share with sound? Yes. No audio. No audio. Okay, let me just... Hold on, okay. Is that the... You sent me the video, I just have to play it from the browser? Yes, okay, exactly. It. Yeah, Sorry. it's just 51 seconds. Okay, let me try that. Let me fix this. And let me go here. And what's the context of the video? It's a cosmology um, type of interview. Uh, based on all the well, uh, the, if you hear the answer, the question of the journalist immediately, you're going to notice uh, what is the background of the interview. Oh, jeez. Okay, hold on. Let me bring it over here. I didn't know it was going to come. Why over. didn't God, when He inspired the writing of Scripture, mm -hmm. give a more truth? Why didn't God, when He inspired the writing of Scripture, mm -hmm. give a more truth scientific, truthful, literal? account of what Sharon, happened. Sharon, you're showing. Why, 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 why didn't, the, why didn't go... What? The audio is perfect. Sorry, the audio is fine, but you're not sharing the video, if that matters. I am sharing... Oh, you're just watching the YouTube. It's delayed. It'll be fine. Why didn't God, when he inspired the writing of Scripture, mm -hmm. give a more... Truth, Scientific? Truthful, literal account of what happened oh why, did, why, why didn't the why didn't god inspire the bible to say <laughs> in the beginning there was nothing except me and then i did this and then mm. over a billion years this happened and mm. then over another billion years this happened why did he why did he make it seem so fantastical not not that, that not that real creation isn't fantastical but <laughs> that description would have seemed fantastical to anyone up to 50 years ago and that description would seem primitive in a thousand years. There is no description other than poetry that could possibly be timeless. That's quite a good answer. I'll give you that. <laughs> Interesting. It's actually kind of a good answer. Yeah, but I think that dude's a clown, dude. What are you talking about? Billions of years, dude? Shut up, bro. The no, earth's not a magic spinning ball. Yes, the the earth is right. Science, the Bible is right. For science, that is the main narrative. Right. Well, science yeah. is that the, the journalists go with a, a mind set up based on the standard science. But the fact is, for me, the answer that the Jesuit gives is a good answer where you can fit whatever story you want to fit. It's the same thing that Jeran said, uh, I don't know, maybe 30 minutes before. I mean, uh, if you wrote the books in poetry, all the time is going to be adaptive with uh, with right. whatever because right. you can you are always not take it putting just... nothing strict right there's you know, nothing literally. there's nothing definitive de definitive exactly. it's always written in exactly. words that can be and... construed by man and taken and, and i've seen i've talked about it before i've seen yeah. a preacher 
my sister's brother-in-law, who's a preacher. He's got a huge church in Montana. I've watched him preach that tattoos are bad, and he used the Bible to show that they're bad, and our body's a temple, and all this stuff. Three years later, after he'd gotten a bunch of tattoos, he preached again why they're not bad, and why he was able to get to, but he's using the same scripture. So, did, I mean, but, right in front yeah. of my face, I saw it, and I said, this guy can make up whatever he wants. It doesn't matter. There's yeah, no but, truth there. So, if God was going to give Enoch exact and this is where we got on this subject, Rob, was that I was asking whether or not Enoch was just some genius or whether God actually came to him and gave him this information. Poetry. Because, right. Because, again, I mean, the thing that bothers me is nobody believes Jesus wrote the New Testament. Nobody believes that, right? So e- even the best Christian scholars believe that people who wrote those stories wrote them 90 years after they happened. I mean, or 70 years, if you want to give them the, 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 the very best I've heard is that maybe they, maybe in 70, so 40 years after they happened, right? If you want to go, that's ridiculous. Think about trying to write a that's story. Not, uh, that's not what I heard. What did you I hear? Those stories were writings wrote? way before that. Before 70 AD? Yeah, that's like oh, yeah. the mainstream. Hmm. Mark is, most people consider Mark to be one of the first, and Mark was a, uh, he was a follower. Um, he hung around and he was uh, probably somebody who wrote for Peter. Um, and that's dated typically about 50 AD. So that's 20 years after Christ. But you have to remember, none of these people were intending to publish books. That wasn't their mission. That wasn't their goal. In fact, even the books that we have today to read, we're eavesdropping in on personal conversations. Like two thirds of the New Testament are letters written by Paul to personal converts. Okay, like, so were they know, that or were they God inspired? Were they... Were they listening into conversations or were they actually dictated by the hand of God? Because I'll tell you, one thing means that it's divine and the other thing means it's not. Yeah, inspired is different from dictation. Now, I would say that the books of Moses may fall closer in line with the idea of dictation. Because if we believe the story of Moses, then he spent several times going up a mountain for 40 plus days to hang out with God, as it says, face to face as one speaks with a friend. So, you know, that I would say is a lot more akin to dictation others would be uh described as inspiration in other words they were inspired by the holy spirit to write what they wrote and you know in the case of paul he wasn't sitting there saying geez you know somebody tells me that i gotta write two-thirds of this thing called the new testament and sitting there in prison asking guards for parchment and pen you know he was he was writing letters to plant churches that he planted to deal with issues that they were having he was writing to disciples like Timothy or Titus to hey bro i know you're young but don't let that get to you man you know you know stuff like that so i mean we're eavesdropping in on personal conversations <clears throat> as far as them being inspired i can i have no problem believing that paul writing under the inspiration of the holy spirit was given godly advice to these people Do you think that still happens today? Does anybody write books that are inspired by God? <laughs> There's the million dollar question. That's going to get me. <laughs> it's going to get me crucified right away. Um, I don't believe inspiration ended. Now, there's a whole line of people out there who would consider that heresy. They would say that the canon is closed, and I would say, who authorized the canon in the first place? Right. You know, there, there's nothing in the canon that ever where God ever tells anybody to make a canon. So. Exactly. Don't you think that's crazy that um, that's crazy. So you would agree that there's been some of the, like a, a concerted effort for like an, a religious interpretation of this story that's been propagated onto the people that isn't actually the full story? Uh, say that again. I didn't quite follow that. Sorry. 
like um, the story that modern Christianity, quote unquote, interprets to be the story, if you will, the Bible. It um, the way that that they've infiltrated what most people think actually happened isn't the actual story. Well, I think that there has definitely been infiltration, and I can prove that. I mean, even in the Bible that we have today, for instance, how many Christians do you know celebrate or not celebrate, but worship on Sunday? Pretty much everybody, right? And they'll say, well, see, because it says the disciples met on the first day of the week. Well, like in the King James translation, for instance, it's kind enough to put words in italicized that, that weren't there, that the translators inserted. And so when you look at first day of the week, the word day is italicized. You're like, well, they had a word for day. Why would they, why would they, why would the translators need to insert that? And then you look in the Greek for first day of the week, and it's like five, four or five times it's, that phrase is used in the New Testament. And in every case, the Greek underlying the English translation is miaton sabiton. Well, sabiton is the Greek word for Sabbath. So I call my friend Peter, who grew up in Greece. He speaks Greek fluently. He has no dog in this hunt, doesn't even know why I'm asking the question. Call him up out of the blue. I say, hey, Peter, if I said miaton sabiton, what did you just hear? He said one time on Saturday. That's pretty huge. That's a big problem, Right. Because you have entire denominations of Christianity convinced the Sabbath has been done away with and they're meeting on Sunday because the Bible says so. Well, your English translation says so, but that's been clearly tampered with. So then does that mean that you would then say Jesus died on a Thursday? Uh, yeah, actually, I believe he was crucified on Wednesday. Wednesday. So it's all, I mean, it's all does it, messed up now. Does it make a big difference to... Yeah, good up, dude. Like, yeah, Good Friday is messed up because I mean, even if he died on a Thursday, if you take it back a day, then he still wasn't three days. Yeah, wasn't he, close. The, that's another example. Okay, so right. the Pharisees said, you know, prove that you are who you say you are. He said, you know what? The only the only sign you're going to get is the sign of the prophet Jonah, who was three days and three nights in the belly of the fish. So the Son of Man will also be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Well, how do you get three days and three nights between Friday and Sunday? You can't. Right. So th this is you know, the problem, and, and I remember we've had this conversation. I, I'm having all these memories now. I know it was years ago, Rob, when you and I talked. But really, the place where Rob and I got, because Rob does believe, like I do, that the Bible has been drastically, not drastically, I mean, that's my word, I'm sorry, that the Bible has been tampered with, it has been changed. And so my problem is when I realize that, I, I can no longer count on it as mm -hmm. my, um, you know, a lot of people think, oh, well, the Creator wouldn't have put us here without a playbook to go by or an instruction manual or something like that. And I said, well, once it's been tampered with, then I no longer feel comfortable really trusting any of it, except for the things that I can take from it and say, these are good. Like Jesus' two commandments, love God, love your neighbor. That's good. Um, you know, love your neighbor as yourself. Those things are good things. Uh, do under others as you would want done. Okay, those are great things. So I can follow those. But the problem is when you get to things like stories where Jesus walked on water or that he rose from the dead or these other stories where I start to say, well, how do we know those weren't tampered with? I mean, I grew up Catholic. I've said it a million times where I had to carry Jesus's you know, dead body on a cross down to the aisle. And I realized uh, that people bowed to that cross. And then you read the Bible and it says, well, you shouldn't worship idols. And I'm like, well, this the is Catholics like, inverted everything, Jaron. True. Very true. And this, you know, I feel I know I'm jaded for that reason. But what I'm saying is the, the part where Rob and I got to a different point is Rob believes it because he feels that he's had several interactions with that God. That it, 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 I'm probably putting words in your mouth. Um, well, things I, that I, tell I can, you. I can answer that. Yeah, please. Well, I mean, I believe it for a variety of reasons. First of all, I, I can point to experience, but you can't relate to that. 
those are my experiences. And so I would never I, take those I away think, from you because I have things that you, you know, the experiences have happened to me that I would feel very jaded if you came along and said, no, those things didn't happen. I'd be like, no, they actually did happen. So mm-hmm. I, I, I Jaren, get you that. Ha- have you never felt God, Jaren, like kind of praying or something that felt like extra Oh, absolutely. Or extra yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But that doesn't tell me that the Bible is true. Right. Yeah. So yeah, I was going to ask one thing. Hold just, on. Just, let me just finish. In fact, just, sorry, the sorry, fact sorry, that I've sorry. had those inspirations uh, are with a very loving, caring God. And so when I read the Old Testament and I read some of the things said, I think those are words written by men to scare other men. They're very, uh, in fact, the entire Old Testament to me is a threat that God's going to come and do all these things. And rarely does God come and do anything. He just keeps threatening, I'm going to do this and then I'm going to do this. And I don't really see those things coming. But, um, Go back to, to one other thing I wanted to ask just while I have a chance. So you were saying earlier that uh, Moses spoke face-to-face with— I mean, don't you think it's a contradiction when later Jesus says nobody's seen God's face? I mean, uh, isn't yeah, that a good point? So, uh, I mean, well, things like that are where I go, okay, well, obviously something's wrong here. Either nobody's the father. Seen- yes. Yeah, I mean, this gets into a huge—I mean, we'd have to do a whole series on this. Like, how do we understand God, right? Because uh, Moses it says right there, he meets with God face to face, and then Moses himself says, "Hey, let me see your face." Right, right. And God says, "Well, yeah, no one could do that and live." So, turn he around, hides him left right. of the rock, and you know, puts his hand over him and covers him, and then he's able to see. After he walks past, he's able to see the backside, <laughs> uh, God's back right. as he goes away from him. So, what's going on there? It, it is my opinion, and, and I'm not alone in this, but I believe that anytime we see human interaction with God, that they're actually having interaction with. What is determined? What is called in the scriptures the angel of the Lord, which many would say is a pre-incarnate Jesus or Yeshua. A physical? You think he has physical attributes? He's a. Well, if we're created in his likeness, right. in his image, then he's obviously humanoid in in form. But I believe when he's interacting with man, like in the case with Moses, that it was Jesus or Yeshua um, prior to his incarnation, you know, through Mary. Okay, one last question before, because I asked it earlier and you weren't here, and then you can go to Rodrigo. Um, I also had a qu- we were reading Jude out of the New Testament, and I was confused. Is the Christian belief that Jude and James are Jesus' brothers? There are people who believe that, yes. Okay, but it's kind of an unknown, right? Because, I mean, I was taught as a Catholic that Jesus had no brothers or sisters. In fact, I was taught right. that Mary never had another child. In fact, Mary never had intercourse in her entire life. Um, but right. I have heard Christians say, no, clearly James and Jude are his brothers. But then you read that first line or the first verse of Jude, and clearly it, Jude seems to be saying, I am a servant of Jesus and brother of James. doesn't really seem to well, lead there, to that. There are several Jameses. Uh, there, there is a James who definitely was a brother. Now, if you talk uh, like a physical brother, um, but if you talk to somebody like um, Dr. Syngenis, Right, I've had a lot right. of interesting conversations with him. He's like Captain Catholic. He is. He is very <laughs> and, much. I like him. And, He's a good guy. I, you know, I really do like him. I, yeah. I, honestly, you know, when nice I debated guy. him there at the Flat Earth Conference, you know, we had a little sparring match. But mm-hmm. uh, which you, know, outside you, you of destroyed, that, by the way. Just just to put oh, that out there, in you. case people haven't seen <laughs> that, you got to check out the uh, Rob Skiba versus Robertson Jenis uh, debate. Thank it was you. very good. But go ahead. Sorry. Thank you. But but I mean. I, I, off stage, you know, and just hanging out. He, he's a super cool guy. Mm-hmm. But he, we had like a marathon email uh, session there for quite a while where he was desperately trying to convert me. And I'm like, dude, do you even know who you're talking to? I mean, like, right. really? You're trying to convert me to Catholicism, which is the last thing that's ever going to happen. Oh, my goodness. Right. Um, 
But anyway, what his argument was, and I've heard this argument before. In fact, you'll see this on Catholic apologetics websites and stuff, that uh, Joseph had a, pri a previous wife and had children by that wife, and that wife had apparently died. And so then he took on uh, Mary afterwards, and Mary, according to that theology, you know, remained a perpetual virgin, which I just don't accept. I don't agree with it. Um, I think there's plenty of reason to, to doubt that, but... Okay. I just heard back. Um, yeah, and then Rodrigo, sorry, I interrupted you. Go ahead. Yeah, I was going to ask you, Rob, uh, on the, like a couple of things on the, you're saying Sabado, right? Sabbath is Saturday, and that's the same in Portuguese as well. Sabado, we call Saturday, that's our Saturday. And I was wondering, for, for one thing, you know, like, who came up with the calendar that defines the week as seven days? Is this something that comes from Enoch or not? It, uh, and, and I understand this is, difference between uh you know the, the how the catholics push it to sunday and saturday but aren't these arbitrary in terms of the the whole calendar being arbitrary how you count the days and you count the months and you count the weeks and so on and or is there something in enoch that, that you can point to and then the second question if you if you could or if you want that first or whatever you, you like would be to you know in in terms of the flat earth and the the regular bible that after the council of nicaea and what's in enoch for you are there differences do they confirm one another is how much else is there in enoch oh That's man crazy, well crazy uh i don't know if you guys are aware of this or not but zen garcia and i just finished literally uh, probably a hundred hours <laughs> worth of and that's not an exaggeration probably a hundred because we did 45 shows two hours a piece yeah so 90 90 plus hours uh, going through Enoch line by line. So, okay. I mean, there's a whole lot there <laughs> you guys could certainly check out. But to to answer that question in a very, very, very truncated uh, way, I would say Enoch definitely confirms Scripture, and Scripture confirms Enoch. You know, the canonized... You see, I hate I hate using these terms because, again, I don't, I don't believe there's any precedence for saying that there has to be a canon because there's nothing in the canon that says make a canon. That's all Catholic, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the selection of books it was all left to probably the early Christians who were just living the religion, and then somebody took over and decided to control it, correct? Well, there was a what you would consider a Jewish canon prior to the Catholic Church coming along, even prior to the first century. There was, in other words, a collection of written texts that they revered and, and considered to be inspired, Enoch being among them. Mm -hmm. um, and then when the Christians came along and started writing stuff, you know, the, the same thing occurred. And then something like 325 AD or whenever it was, I forget, they decided that, they, you know, they had a council meeting and said, you know, let's, I like this one. I don't like that one. And they started picking and choosing and saying, okay, this is locked. Boom. And, but even people vary on that because the, the, like King James originally shipped with 80 books, for instance, and it actually came with an edict saying you go to jail for a year for you remove the Apocrypha. Mm. Well, in the mid 1800s, they did. And, largely because of printing costs but um you know still i mean it's it's when you even get though it, the bible itself says in, in revelation right don't remove anything from this well but that 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 command is specific to the book of revelation see we put revelation at the end of a bible and then we read that and we think that's talking about the whole bible you know but the command was don't add to or subtract oh, gotcha. this book this book meaning revelation is there, is there alternative orders to the books of the bible is or is there one that is agreed upon completely that you can stand for or would you shuffle the books uh, uh, does that make any difference it, well it does make a difference if you want to maintain some consistency and understanding chronology 
-hmm. like the current layout that we have is not in chronological order. And there are people out there who have taken it upon themselves to rearrange the Bible in chronological order, you know, when mm -hmm. the book's written. Like, for instance, Job uh, predates Genesis. But in our current canon, you know, it's Job, Psalms, Proverbs, you know, it's way, you know, kind of in the middle of the Old Testament. You know, uh, you know, we and they put the book up, the five books of Moses first, but Job predates Moses. And, and Malachi you know, wasn't originally the end of the Old Testament anyway, was it? Well, Old Testament, New Testament, right? Who put those words in there? Right. You know, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, uh, you know, for people who say, well, there's 400 years of silence. I'm like, no, there wasn't. The only reason you're saying that is because you took the Apocrypha out. You know, 400 years between Malachi and Matthew is what they're referring to. It's like, well, if you put the Apocrypha back in, now there's not 400 years of silence there, right. you know. But, you know. Hey, and what do you think about how Enoch says, basically, this is, I take up my discourse with a distant generation or end time generation, and then the the canon that we do, we were given, Revelation, of course, is the end, and then right before that is Jude that references Enoch? Yeah. Well, uh, the first first few verses of the first chapter of the book of Enoch says it's not for this generation, but for a remote future generation that will live in a time of tribulation. So, you know, I've always looked at that and thought, wow, isn't that interesting? Because, you know, Enoch was largely ignored, really, until the Dead Sea Scrolls. And then there was something like six copies of the book of Enoch found in Cave 4 alone. So clearly the community of Qumran highly valued this text and they preserved it. And, you know, then you get R.H. Charles and Lawrence and other people started translating it into English. And now all of a sudden, you know, we have access to it. And you know, we're like, wow, you know, but this thing's been around forever. And that's the order of the Essenes, if I'm correct. Is that well, some people assume that assume that? OK, and it, they, they were slaughtered uh, or it, there's no indication of who actually kept it in the caves or is there? Well, like I said, many people assume it's the Essenes because they okay. lived in the area. But there's good reason to believe that after the time of the Maccabees, I mean, you really have to go back. There's a big history there. But you have to understand what was happening at the time of the Maccabees and the counterfeit priesthood that was installed after that and the accurate priesthood that went into hiding, you know, as a result of it. So I'm of the opinion that like the Zadok priesthood uh, were among the people who went into hiding and, you know, they were trying to keep track of their calendars and keep track of their texts and things of that nature and were hiding it. You know, because like John the Baptist, most of us, we read as Christians, we read the New Testament. John the Baptist is a freak. I mean, he's just long haired dude eating bugs out in the wilderness. What the heck? What's his, what's his deal? <laughs> like we have no clue what, what we unless you his deal. <laughs> yeah, what's his deal. And why were people going to him and getting baptized? Like, that, uh -huh. why did Jesus go to him? That doesn't make sense. Uh -huh. you realize, That's not explained. It's not explained at all very much. It's not in normal Christendom nor in the current canon. Uh-huh. When you go back to understanding what happened at Maccabees forward and what happened to the legitimate priesthood, you realize that his father was the legitimate high priest who was murdered, uh, which made him the next in line to be the legitimate high priest. So you had an installed high priest that was really a Roman puppet, and then you had the legitimate high priest, and the people understood the difference, you know. So they're going to the to the legitimate high priest, and meanwhile, you know, Jesus and his followers and everybody else, and John the Baptist gets his head cut off, you know, as a result of, you know, the political puppets that were, you know, set up thanks to the Romans. That's also extra biblical, though, isn't it? Well, extra biblical in the sense of it's no longer in the canon, but the Maccabees were in the canon, you know, originally. See, see, when we use words like extra biblical, that's that I, 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 it kind of triggers me, you know. Well, you know and I mean? this is what triggers me is that you know, a lot of these stories that people believe and talk about. I mean, if if the Bible has been changed today and books have been taken out and removed and things have been 
added. And, and then again, I mean, we get back into what Ira was talking about earlier. I mean, the big problem I have is the fact that we can just take words and say, oh, well, they don't exactly mean, I mean, then it could really mean anything. If we can just, I mean, cl- clearly I read the Bible and it tells me in, you know, in, uh, 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 sorry, I don't know if it's, I can't, uh, can't remember the exact book where it talks about, you know, the, the governors are put here by God. What book is that? Um, you know, oh, yeah, I have to look it up. I can't think of what, what uh, actually I'll look it up right now. I can find it right here. Um, cause sorry, I don't know what I was thinking here. Uh, in James, maybe it's in James. Um, Probably. Yeah, I think so. Oh, no, sorry. Maybe it's Romans. Romans. Um, it just seems like, you know, when it says that the, the the people in charge, the government, is put there by God, and if you go against your government, then you are going against God. Uh, that, to me, is it's so obvious that that's put there by the government. Mm-hmm. You know, so somebody sat behind a scribe at some point in history and told them, write this in there. And if, if you can prove that once, which I believe that one line tells me, because there's no way that George... W. Bush, and it, <clears throat> these guys were put there um, by God, and that they're doing God's work, and it, it's just there's just no way. Um, so if, if you can prove that, and obviously going against your government when they are tyrannical, and those are things that I think God would be in favor of. Not if you go against your government, and the government's there only for good, and uh, you know that's just not the case. So if yeah. you can prove that once, then to me, then then how could you ever say that anything, any part of it, is inspired i mean yeah. yeah you could say like i said earlier you can look at jesus's two two examples or two commandments and say that is inspired and that's where i agree with with you rob when you said inspiration has never changed i believe that you know there's moments in time that i've felt inspired by god and i've come up with some brilliant things to say or some bu- brilliant things to write down but no matter how good it is it doesn't give me the right to pass it out to everyone and say these are words of god why because i'm man I'm a human. I can make mistakes. Maybe that's not exactly what God wanted to say. Maybe I misheard him. Maybe I miss... uh... So unless we're talking about God taking the hand of people and actually physically writing for them in books, then I think you have to say that the books are all written by men. In which case, if that's true, then you can take any good writing and say, that's good, I should live my life that way. And you should take any bad writing um, and say, I don't agree with this. And so that's where I'm left with the Bible is, okay, I'll take the things that are good, Leave the things that are bad. I mean, it's, I mean, but the one thing we can both agree on, or we can all agree on at least, is that there is things in there that the Catholics have taken and spun on their head. I mean, how can the Bible itself say, don't call any man father? And then the Catholics come along and say, okay, everybody who teaches from this and the people that are at our highest rank will call them father. I mean, it's just those things, I, and I've just become disillusioned with it. But I guess where we're getting at with Enoch, and is Enoch mentioned anywhere else in the Bible? No, right? Just you. Well, Jude quotes from it, but we see in Genesis that Enoch walked with God. It was not for God took him, and I think there are probably other references. But the thing that that validates Enoch for me mm-hmm. are there are internal witnesses spread throughout the text. For instance, on the Day of Atonement, they're to cast lots, and you cast a lot. It either falls in favor for I, I the name of God, Yod Hey Vav Hey. I pronounce it as Yahuwah. Uh, so you cast lots, and it, it will either fall for Yahuwah. Or it will fall for Azazel. Now, your King James is going to tell you scapegoat. Um, but if you actually look into the, the Hebrew there, it's a proper it's a proper noun. It's a name, Azazel. And they would, if it landed on, if the lot was cast on the Day of Atonement for Azazel, the people would signify laying their sins upon the goat. 
they would lay hands on the goat and it signified like we recognize we're sinners and we're laying our hands on the goat. And then they tie a ribbon around the goat's head and they send it off into the wilderness to Azazel. Well, that ritual, I think it's in Leviticus 16 maybe, makes no sense at all unless you understand the context of the book of Enoch, which tells you point blank that all sin was ascribed to Azazel. And the archangel Raphael was to bind Azazel and bury him in a desert place called Dudiel. So clearly Moses writing, and, and this is goes into the dictation thing because thus saith the Lord, right? Um, we are to do this. You know, he spent time speaking with God face to face on the mountaintop. He comes down with all these rules and he tells people, thus says the Lord, we got to do this. Okay, so they're doing this ritual that has no precedence or any, any. Uh, there's no way anybody could understand what was happening there unless you had the prior context of understanding what's going on in the book of Enoch. Same thing with Genesis chapter 6. He mentions the Nephilim and gives no explanation for it, which presupposes that Moses knew what the Nephilim were and that his audience knew what the Nephilim were because everybody's like, oh, yeah, you know, when sons of God came down, made it with the daughters of men, they created Nephilim. Yeah, we got it. Yeah. Well, how do we think, how did they know that? <laughs> you know, they, they, these are just two examples of internal witnesses that you can find where, where they're validating what the book of Enoch said. Does that make sense? Uh, yes. No, I and I want to address something else that you were talking about as far as tampering with the scriptures. And and where I get the impression you just kind of throw your arms up and say, I can't trust it then. And, and I can appreciate that. I can understand that. I've had similar frustrations myself. Me, on the other hand, I, I didn't just do that. I didn't throw my hands up. I was like, I, it, it drove me to dig deeper to figure out what the truth is. For instance, like the Miatone Sabaton issue. And there are many, many, many more. But how can I do that? Well, he preserved his word in the Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek. We have so many ancient manuscripts, more than any other text that has ever existed. We have, you know, as far as uh, copies being made and replicated, uh, and replicated the same way, okay? When we look at the original language, I believe that the Bible is divinely inspired and written by man and authoritative in its original language. As soon as you get to translations, it, it, all bets are off, in my mind. Because then you run into all kinds of translator bias. For instance, newer but you think you that was appreciate I mean, this, but in newer translations of the Bible, they've changed the word firmament to expanse. Mm -hmm. What are they doing? They're they're applying their modern cosmological worldview to the text and the translation, like Danny Faulkner does all the time. Right. You can't do that. I mean, when I call my friend Peter again, my friend that speaks Greek fluently, no dog in the hunt. I ask him out of the blue, "Hey, Peter, what does stereoma mean?" He says, ah, oh, that's like a, you know, like a foundation of a building or something. Uh, something so, so something solid, yeah. Uh, so you mean that word could not be used to convey air, gas, or the vacuum or space? He's like, no. Why? I'm like, well, because that's the word used for firmament in Greek, right? Mm -hmm. So we see that there have, look in the King James and his relationship with Francis Bacon and Francis Bacon's relationship to the, to the editing of the King James Bible. When you talk about how things could have been twisted, you know, to like you were pointing out, support world leaders, you know, support the monarchy, right? The, the right of kingship and what have you. So, but we, the only way we know this is by going back to the original, going back to the ancient texts that have been preserved. And, and they pop up, you know, we find like the book of Isaiah, for instance, was extremely well preserved. And when they compare it to the more modern copies that they had, and I'm saying modern but it's looking back a thousand years from now, uh, and, they're, and they're the same, you know. And when it came to the Torah, they 
the early friend the early tribes treated it with such respect such that if you got to the book of deuteronomy and just finished the last word and you screwed up trash the whole thing and start over again you know that's how that's how much they valued and revered and respected and frankly were in fear you know, to make sure that they properly. you listen to the teachers dr uh chuck missler he's done a wonderful job of talking about the uh the bible codes and equal letter spacing els um and how like in genesis and exodus every uh i think it's every seventh letter it, it, it spells the torah in hebrew like and so like you count seven letters it'd be the tav and then the resh and the i think it's olive i think yeah, i remember you talking and, about that yeah so so that's in genesis and exodus and then in Leviticus, I forget the equal, it's not seven, I think it's something else, but whatever it was, it spells the, the name of God. And then Numbers in Deuteronomy, it's Torah spelled backwards. Well, so like, how do you write that much text with that being consistent, every seventh letter, spelling out those yeah, words? It sounds, in a way, it's similar to how poetry works with meter, and, and it could be a code, it could be... You know, whenever you, it's it's definitely you know whoever wrote it, it's a sign that there's a designer behind it. Right? A massive designer. Yeah, I wouldn't go as far as to say it's divine because I think men are capable of doing that. I mean, you could you could sit down, especially if that's all you had to do. I mean, these guys didn't have TV to watch, they didn't have YouTube channels. They basically could have spent day and night, day and night writing and trying to put that in that code in there. I don't think that's impossible. So, but I or guess what you're saying, God done it. <laughs> you know, so I mean, we could pick the the agnostic view that you've taken, or we could take the theological view that I've taken. E either one, right? Yeah, we it, have to acknowledge that this book is 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 very intricate. I just you know, think there's so many design. other ways God would communicate with people. Because what you're basically saying now is that for me to read the Bible in English is completely pretty much worthless. No, like, no, well, that's not the case at all. I mean, there are a lot of people for for you. That I I'm think sorry for proof you know, for proof I for have, proving it. A bit of a, a kindred spirit in the sense that you know when I first started watching your videos and stuff, I thought, yeah, I can relate to this guy. Like I think we probably think a lot the same way. Mm -hmm. If if you were to put aside your jadedness and agnosticism in this regard and say, you know what, I'm going to go in there and dig, because that's what I've done. Like I've had my moments of doubt. I've had my moments of you know wondering and trying to figure stuff out. And all that did is prompt me to dig deeper, harder to figure stuff out. And that's frankly why it took me over, what, a year and four or five months to finally come over to Flat Earth. I saw it in the Bible, like, within a week of watching Mark Sargent's videos, mm -hmm. you know. But I didn't want to believe it, you know. I just, I didn't want to accept it, you know. Uh, and so I had to dive deeper in, until it became solidified for me. But these, you know, many of these arguments can be resolved in the same way. Yeah, with with words. It isn't it interesting that they ta they take everything and then they twist it um, to, to as if they had to adapt it because the scriptures were wrong, but in actuality they were all originally accurate. And it's like the most historically accurate compilation. You know, it, it just a, it's a crazy thing. And I did the same thing as what he's saying, similar to I, I thought I gotta every time you dig deeper into it, you find out it always stands on its own and it's been tampered with by men. But you say it stands on its own. It stands on its own if you believe it. 
It does not stand on its own otherwise. I mean, you can't say somebody walked on water and rose from the dead and then say, well, the Bible stands on its own. What do you mean? It's never happened in the well, history you of the would world. Well, you would think, what I'm saying is you would think it would contradict itself. It'd be falsifiable. It, it, it makes tons of very specific claims about history. And, you know, as to the historicity of the scriptures, you know, it's it's supreme. It's It's, you know, astronomical relative to anything else. And you would, and then you find something new, a new discovery, and you were like, "Oh, from back in the day, this is going to disprove the Bible, right?" Making all these specific claims that this person rolled here thin, and then this happened, and everything we find, it just validates it more. I mean, it's it's definitely worth a look, you know. Well, yeah, there there have been people who have made all these statements before, you know, over the last couple thousand years, uh, and just like flat Earth, you know, how many of us got into flat Earth trying to debunk it, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Everybody. Everybody. But Rob, Rob, so what color were these uh, giants? Are they descendants of Shaquille? Is Shaquille O'Neal a descendant of these giants? <laughs> uh, well, actually, any any references that I've ever seen of giants, they were always pale skin and typically red hair. So Wow, I didn't realize that. I, I would have figured they would have a dark uh, skin, you know, brown skin. Nope, just the opposite. Almost all, at least that I've read, anything that I've looked into. And so, Rob, everything all... that you've seen, does it tell you that we are in the end times? I mean, this is what – do you think Jesus is coming back in your lifetime? You know, that's a very interesting question because I'm having uh, kind of a long-running debate right now. If you've looked on my Facebook page, there's – I'm talking like four and 500 comment type of debates you know, uh, about this issue because there's a, a growing movement um, of people – who are embracing preterism, uh, amillennialism, the idea that all this stuff that we read that we, we consider prophetic texts were fulfilled in 70 AD with the destruction of the temple. I'm not in that camp. I, I believe that there's, I'm what you would call premillennialist or somebody who believes that we're before the millennial reign of Christ and that there are events that are prophetic that are described that we can look around and we would you know, uh, observe to see if we are in quote unquote signs of the times. I'm of the opinion that there are a lot of signs happening right now that just so happen to fit very well with a lot of the stuff that we're reading about, you know, in the prophetic text. And so the debate that I'm having with people right now is the amillennialist preterist guys are saying, no, no, you know, you're a heretic. This stuff already happened 70, you know, AD, you, you know, you're stupid. You don't understand and all the ad hominem attacks and stuff like that. I'm like, well, yeah, but what about this? What about this? What about this? What about this? You know, if you go that route, the book of Revelation is complete gibberish. You know, uh, I'm like, when did a mountain fall out of the sky and kill, you know, one third of the animals? You know? right. When did uh, the bottomless pit open and 200 million chimeric centaur creatures come out stinging men for five months? When were the four angels released in the Euphrates River and killing one third of mankind? When did that happen? I don't see that in 78. <laughs> My goodness. You know, quite, uh, quite scary, too. Well, I mean, that's what I just described is Revelation chapter nine. You know, these are. For me, these are future prophetic events that have yet to happen. Um, you think they would happen literally? Sorry? Yeah. Yes. He asked if you thought they'd happen literally. Well, that's the that's the debate I'm having right now. Um, uh, Brian Gadawa calls it hyper-literalism. And, you know, th- this has become quite the, quite the thing lately, especially since 2015, you know, when I started doing all the stuff with flat earth, biblical cosmology, everybody started accusing me of taking the Bible too literally. Yet when I grew up, everybody that I sat under told me I should take the Bible literally. You know, now I'm like, what is this, the Mandela effect? Because everybody told me to take it literally, and now that I'm doing yeah, it... You grew, up in, you grew up in a... Your parents were... You, you were a missionary for many years, right? That's Right. Yeah. Yeah. 
now I, I say take it literally with the caveat of understanding. Of course, there are times when it speaks in allegorical and metaphorical and symbolic terms. But my position is when it's doing so, it's obvious. For instance, hey, there's this weird freaky beast with seven heads. Check that out, John. Hey, wow, what's that? Well, the angel says, I'm glad you asked. Well, the seven heads represent this. So the symbol is mm -hmm. explained. And you clearly know, some of it is, is it. do you agree that some of it is um, celestial? For instance, oh, yeah. okay. This so. is, well, this is where I go after guys like Danny Faulkner and others who in creation ministries claim to take the Bible literally and, you know, use it as their source for truth. I'm like, okay, what do you do with Isaiah, Yeshua, Peter, and John telling you all the stars are going to fall to earth? All of them. Mm -hmm. Now, that works really well in the cosmology that you and I believe. But in his cosmology, we got a big problem of Beetlejuice is out of our way. <laughs> right. Rob, the firmament, is it uh, the firmament, the foundation they're described in, in ways that are sort of allegorical? I mean, they, I mean, the firm, firmament, at least in the Latin, we get this, this the, the, its firmness, right? Its uh, solidity is emphasized. And the foundation is the immobility that's emphasized. Is that correct? And there are different things, but... I mean, there's actual substance that's not described. So in a way, it is, in that case, sort of allegorical, but there, you have no way around it because how are you going to describe something so big? Yeah, right? it, it's big and solid. As far I mean, it's described like sapphire and there, there are other uh, ah. words that are used to describe its color, you know, and that it's like a molten looking glass, you know, um, brazen metal, uh, a sea of glass. You know, we have these expressions for it mm -hmm. uh, there's nothing that you know says this is the chemical compound right. you know. so different, that's a different language we invented that language in modern you science. would think it'd be wrong about some of these things right every time we go look at it and and then i i found it interesting like the initial reaction is like oh that's scary right well how convenient they crafted this narrative where oh geez gonna come take you away before things get crazy but revelation and if you is, believe that but, hold on revelation is wrong Revelation hasn't happened. So you can't just say, isn't it crazy they say these things and they all come true? Because, Rob, I guess when you're talking about Revelation, do you think these things are going to happen? And I'm looking right now at Revelation chapter 13 when it's talking about a beast coming up out of the earth and he had two horns and uh, he exercised the power of the first. I mean, are these things going to happen soon? And if so, why were these things written in here and people were forced to read them, which basically put them in fear for thousands of years? What would be the possible reason that you would give prophecy like this to where every human being that has ever read Revelation has stood in awe and been like, that's scary. And pretty much all of humans, and I would guess all of Christians for all time, have thought they lived in the end times. I would dare say no Christian ever thought, well, we're fine now. The end times are much farther in the future. Don't you think that every you get a Christian, prophetic glimpse into the climax of a spiritual what war? What good did bro? that do my grandparents? What, what good did that do them? What good did it do my great-grandparents to have read Revelation? Well, did they, did they fall for the 1909 Schofield interpretation where Jesus is going to come save you before everything gets bad? Because I don't know. That's how a lot thought, of people They thought it. Jesus would come in their lifetime, much like my mother did. Or, my, they my think mother, before, before it gets bad, you know? My mother, yeah, I think, Rob, my mother told me that Jesus would come in. I got a question for Rob. What's the correlation of the Book of Enoch and the description of the flat earth or stationary earth compared to Genesis? Oh, it's perfect. I mean, it's a perfect compliment. Uh, Genesis doesn't give you a lot. Enoch gives you an extremely elaborated version of it. Um, and especially chapters 72 through like 
83 when it talks about the the course of the heavenly luminaries and for that i would i would point you guys to zen garcia's work he's like really done a masterful work on that uh unpacking it but it certainly expands significantly expands on what genesis says and complements it but as far as revelation goes um yeah it's true that i think every generation since the time it was written thought it was going to happen in their generation and part of that I, th I think is that it certainly if you take it at face value makes you want to live right and be on the right page you know uh it's like your friends say well you know if you do this you're going to be grounded right it's kind of like santa claus it's gonna be is that like santa claus <laughs> you have to behave or you don't get a gift at the end oh i mean if you if you're going to say that you're a follower of god or christ doesn't that presuppose you're going to want to do what he says yeah, I mean, if God's real, I mean, yeah. yeah. Well, He's got rules, right? And exactly. Are all for our benefit. Right. Yeah, um, yeah, religions are like that, right? It's about the, some of the moral rules and the idea of God. And, yeah. Yeah, but I believe I do yeah. those. I do those. I do those right things, and I try to be a good person because I believe that there is a Creator and that I'm put here for a reason, mm -hmm. and that reason can't possibly be to be bad and to you know to not do for others. I mean, that's one thing I think is goes without saying right so well, do, you believe, I, I think you do you believe that evil exists that what evil. do i believe evil people exist absolutely yeah. well, what, what's inspiring what, do you believe there's an entity uh, well, let's call him satan do you believe that there's a, a satan out there that is the ultimate bad to the ultimate good of god no a, you know a physical being a a real being that no, I don't think so. Will get rebelled? No, I don't think so. I just haven't seen any examples of that. Now, can people believe that they're? Yeah, and like I've told people before, I mean, I could sit around my room and draw a pentagram around me, and start asking for Satan to enter my world and my life, and yeah, I would probably be overtaken by some feeling like that. I mean, it's just like that's and, not just a feeling. You, well, you, <laughs> stuff happens, dude. Right, but I mean, same thing with women who have lifted up cars to save their babies, right? Um, humans well, are well. Humans are, are capable of amazing things, amazing things. And so, uh, are you capable of of bringing an evil spirit inside you and and becoming an evil? Yeah, absolutely. But is there well, a Satan that, dancing around? And I mean, we have to. What think is about, that evil spirit that you brought inside you? What is it? The evil nature of man. I mean, the opposite of God. The opposite of the life giving spirit. The opposite of the of good, bad. Right. So nothing came in you, it was already in you? Sure, yeah. We all have evil in us, whether we uh, manifest that or not. In fact, the, the, the kind of the, um, the reason that we'll be rewarded after, the reason that we may be given another gift, is because of how you treated this gift of life. You treat this gift of life with respect and honor, and you treat everyone around you with that same kind of um, respect and love, uh, then I think that you, you know, the highest truth is basically the fact that God is present in all things, in all beings, you know, I mean, in very many multiple forms. So I don't think there's another, it's not like a physical evil that comes along. The, the worship is to worship all the things around us, respect love, respect life, respect liberty. Um, and the opposite of that is anybody who seeks evil. I forgot who said it. Well, kind of like what Rob had said earlier, it's the same for me, right? Like I have anecdotal experiences which are not going to be as valuable to you, of course. But like 
there there is a metaphysical man and there are things within that metaphysical dude like there are energies within the metaphysical it's very real and i would never encourage anyone to go seek no. them out to validate them i would rather I you, yeah. you not do that you know no matter what so because I, I actually have some experiences that are real man and, and so you know then i'm on that fence you know what do i say then don't go try it you know yeah, and I actually yeah. used to read, like, you know, uh, Tommaso Campanella's writings, and one of the things he said is he believes in God because when he was in jail for 27 years, he summoned demons. And once he found them and knew that they were real, then that convinced him that God was real. And I don't recommend anybody doing that. No. <laughs> I, I don't think it's smart no. to do. I, I don't either, but I think it's a legitimate um, understanding. Yeah, like, there are, there there are is, spiritual beings for sure. <laughs> absolutely. I've experienced many things. And again, I can't debate experiences, you know, other than to no express them in words. But like when you actually confront these things and you're face to face with them and you, you feel them and you experience them, you go, OK, there's something going on here that's well. Oh, yeah. past. I've, I've heard, you know, I remember a lot of your stories of the, the bed that you were in with the shadow character or something, your friend, with, you know, that whole story. Yeah. And I remember a lot of that. But I'm but that you're not saying that that was the devil, Satan. Not the devil, Satan. Right, but um, you but you believe there the, is a devil, Satan, that is around. That is, what's he doing right now? I believe that there. See, I'm going to use the word Lucifer, but that word is made up, completely okay. made up. Um, and this is another one of those Bible translation things. Isaiah 14 is the place where Lucifer is mentioned, but that was a marginal note that Jerome wrote in the margin, you know, meaning light being. Hmm. That, that later got moved from the margin of the Vulgate into the English translation, and now we consider that the proper name of Satan. That's that's a myth. That's fiction. Um, what was the original in the Greek or in the in the Hebrew? It was in Latin at that time. Uh, when no, I mean before Jerome, Jerome was translating this, right? Uh, well, I can look it up. Isaiah 14. But I'm not going to give you an example. Like uh, y'all heard of a Ouija board. Right, yes. you would think, oh, that's stupid, well, that's fake. Yeah, don't it isn't it. fake, man. It isn't fake. Okay, and I would encourage someone to go try and prove that. I'm telling you though, it isn't fake. So you can think what you want, but you know, I lived it, I experienced it, and had videotape of it and all kinds of stuff. Replayed it back, got the crazy feeling again. Had to delete it. Everyone experienced it, like five witnesses. I'm not. What did it say? I, what did it say on your Ouija says. board? What did it say? You got all that lit up. What did you figure out on the Ouija board? Well, uh, <laughs> it just, it, it was moving, and we ended up having to move out of, the girl wanted us to move out of the dorms, and we went to the bathroom, and the women's bathroom, the girls' bathroom, and the women's dorm, or whatever, and we were just asking random questions and kept moving. Me in the center, I played with like 350. We thought it was crazy. Um, it was pretty wild. And then it stopped moving when I was asking it, like, is it good or bad or whatever? I had been drinking. It was all stupid. I don't encourage, I discourage all of this. Were you, you know, smoking weed too, or just drinking? No, I was just drinking okay. beer, and I was watching some people fake it on YouTube, and then I was like, wow, this is stupid. And I watched some dudes say, don't do it, it's real. I'm like, this dude's a clown, I'm gonna do it. And I, I made my own anyway. There was a, I ended up saying, I'll just say it. I was like, um, you know, what's wrong with this bitch or something like that? What's up with this bitch? I said that. Okay. And when I said that, um, I got this crazy feeling that something was behind me, but all of us in the room heard this, like, uh, I guess you would say growl. <laughs> seriously, seriously. We all looked out the window and the tree was completely still. 
and uh, we all freaked out and like ran out of the bathroom. And I, uh, the girl I was talking to at the time videotapes that, and we played it back. You could hear it again. It's super crazy. I could feel the presence of this thing right whenever I said that. So hey, man, do you know? Sounds like Aleister Crowley's Babylon cult a little bit. Like, did y'all have sex after mm-hmm. with anybody? Did anybody have any sex now? I like constantly freaked out, constantly prayed. We went to Walmart where we knew there were a bunch of lights. We just kept praying. I was praying every stop sign and everything. Played it back to see after we calmed down and we knew we weren't tripping. We played it back and it was crazy. I freaked out, deleted. It, so I don't care if anyone ever believes me. Kept praying. It was it was a whole ordeal, man. So I'm yeah. just saying, don't like, dude. Don't try. Don't just presume, right? That things aren't real. There's a metaphysical reality, and there's a limit of our finite, carnal mind. Um, and so you can be easily misguided. It's the limit of what our body can perceive. We know this very well that we are limited to certain perceptions. So there's more out there. For sure. Okay, <laughs> let me tell you my truth. I have a really kind of a weird story with this. When my friend died, Clark Gable, I knew about the flat Earth. I knew God existed, and like I felt like I could feel him. So I looked up ways to talk to him. This is so fucked up. I've never admit this. I hope I don't go to hell for this, Rob. And I put out a candle, and you put like a uh, on one piece of paper, yes or no. And you suppose you can talk to somebody in the you know afterlife, and I felt like I talked to my friend. So that was weird, and I hope I'm not going to hell for that, Rob. Uh, no, that's not going to send you to hell. But um, <laughs> I was, I was looking up. Uh, I wouldn't recommend continuing doing that. But <laughs> um, stop that right now, would you? <laughs> uh, that's it. I'm done. That is done with that. But it was weird, dude. It was weird, and I did it semi recently, and we felt like we were talking, bro. That fucking that 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 uh, uh, the flame of that candle was going to the right answers. Yeah, I've seen too many weird things about all that. Uh, but, but anyway, the the word Lucifer came from the he, um, the Hebrew word hel. Halel, it's H-E-L-E-L, which just means shining one or star of the morning, often associated with Venus. But anyway, that that word got inserted into the text. But I do believe that there is uh, uh, an anointed cherub that was a rebellious angel that uh, became the arch enemy of God that is in charge of, let's say, one third of angels who went with him in some sort of rebellion. And demons are the disembodied spirits of dead Nephilim. Enoch tells you that point blank. I think it's chapter 15, maybe somewhere in there. Uh, when an angel mates with a human and you create an angel-human hybrid called a Nephilim and you kill it, its body, its 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 spirit goes out and becomes a disembodied spirit known as a demon. So there's a difference between demons and fallen angels. And <clears throat> fallen angels, and as far as Satan, I think that they they don't necessarily mess around with us so much. I think they're busy doing other things. Uh, you know, we, we're, we don't warrant their attention as much, but I think the principalities powers and spiritual wickedness over high places, you know, where you got like, um, in the book of Daniel, it talks about, um, uh, the angel trying to get to, to Daniel and he was held up because of the Prince of Persia, uh, the principality over Persia and Michael, the archangel had to go in battle. To, so it goes for the seats of power. Yes, that there there are over overpowers and authorities over the world. So I don't I don't think that there are people that are well. There's this idea of what you call the divine council. Um, Dr. Michael Heiser uh, has done his doctoral thesis was on the the divine council idea that there were seventy angels that were in sort of this council. Now, not that God needs their advice or needs 
their approval of anything, but we see all through scripture that he likes to interact with his creation. So I have no problem believing that he created an angel hierarchy that, you know, forms some sort of council, uh, very similar to the Sanhedrin that the, that the Jews had, um, and even the Catholic Church uh, emulated the same idea. But that at the Tower of Babel, when the languages were confused, the 600,000 people or so that were on the earth at that time, the, they were divided up into 70 different people groups with 70 different languages, each with a higher angel over them. Uh, so because he says, let us go down and confound their language. And when you read earlier translations of Genesis chapter 11, I just did a show with uh, Zen Garcia this uh two days ago on this, actually, Wednesday night, talking about us, is that I think that, that that's where you start seeing more of the angelic level of control, you know, where you have like a principality over an entire people group, hmm. you know, and where you would have, you know, whatever Satan's doing, you know, he, he he's at the top of the chain, you know, on the bad guy list. So he's got his minions below him, you know, and their servants below them, and then all the way down the bottom, would be people influenced by demons, in my opinion. What What do you think, Rob, of Q and what's going on with that, with that, that kind of stuff? Whether yeah, Q. what do you think of that? What do you think of the that kind of or at least uh, the, what's going on with? Is it is it Christian? No, it's definitely not. Um, there are a lot it's of the opposite. Yeah, there are a lot of Christians who are believing in it, but it's definitely not Christian when you get into it. They're all about Saint Germain, and I did a ton of research on Saint Germain back in the late '90s. I was writing a movie script called The Omega Conspiracy back then, and I had done a lot of research on the person of, of Saint Germain. It's the ascended and, master or whatever of the Theosophists or something. Yeah, that, in New Age circles, he's an ascended master. You know, he's, oh, he's one of these like Archon type guys. Um, very, very New Agey. But I believe that that guy existed. You know what he is. You know what? What the, was he just a human or was he something else? I, I don't know. But I, I can see lots of evidence that this individual existed in history. And according to the narrative, he supposedly set aside a whole lot of money because he had been around for like thousands of years or whatever and put it in various trust funds that are mature now. And so everybody's waiting for Nasara Jasara and the Great Reset and everything and all that. That's all part of the Q narrative. Um, you know, it's getting ready to save the world, you know. And, and for me, there's a lot of red flags that go up when I when I look at that whole deal. Now, as far as the Q narrative with Trump goes, if that, frankly, it's the only thing that makes sense to me. Um, I, I did research for my first book, Babylon Rising. Uh, back in 2012, I started becoming very jaded with the entire political system, realizing the whole thing is completely rigged, at least on the presidential level, certainly. Um, realizing that every one of our presidents, including Trump, are related to each other and to one guy, King John Lackland, the signer of the Magna Carta and the creator of the Lord Mayor Parade that honors the Nephilim giants of Gog and Magog. <laughs> uh, so I'm like, all right, there's no way we have presidents. Is this a historical person that you, you found out all this about this guy, their uh, ancestor? Yeah, yeah, King John Lackland? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and you could just you just do some Google searches on all of our presidents are related, and you'll find tons of information on it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, at that point, you have to say, what are statistical odds if we have presidents allegedly of the people, for the people, by the people? What would the statistical odds be that they just all happen to be cousins <laughs> related to one guy, right? 
So you're like, no, I, I don't think so. Uh, yeah, so I agree. I agree. With Q, so, like, okay, so the narrative so Jermaine on, is going to come out again. Said. Well, the, the narrative on Q, uh, uh, on the Q narrative about Trump, is that during the Obama administration, supposedly high-ranking military officials, and I could believe this part, having bit, served in the military and seen the things that I've seen, I, I could imagine the possibility that there were high-ranking military officials that said, you know, enough's enough. I mean, we got to end all this stuff, and we could do it through a military coup and just take over the government. Or maybe we can get somebody that we can use to be sort of our puppet. We can prop him up and, and make change, facilitate change through the system legitimately, and Trump fit the bill. And so according to the Q narrative, it was the White Hats, the high-ranking military people that in, literally installed Trump. Um, I can believe that. I, I can believe. I think Trump. it's like a psyop, bro. I think it, that's a psyop, and that Trump is a Jesuit puppet that was put that into the be. play, craft as the hero, and a bunch of stuff's going to appear to come true. People are going to fall for it. It's going to be the replacement system that comes in. They're going to put the new infrastructure under some like heroic veil of getting out the corruption. And yeah. then it ties into what you said, right? Nasara Gasara, the dude that wrote that wrote a book, or that proposed that wrote a book that's draining the swamp. Right, monetary and fiscal policy reform. Like, what are the odds of that in the late '90s? So it seems like it's all kind of set up for us to embrace the uh, replacement, right? Hegelian dialectic. Correct. Uh, that that you summarize it quite well. That's that would be my take on it. I mean, there there are aspects of the Q narrative that, frankly, I want to be true, draining the swamp and you know rescuing all these children that are in, you know, all this pedophilia and all this stuff, all that stuff. I want to be true. Um, but there's so much about it that I just don't trust for all the reasons you just described. I don't trust Trump, uh, you know, uh, and, and the whole Nassar Jassar thing. No, I, I don't agree with it. And, and it scares me that so many Christians actually are in support of all of this. But it's not Christian. I agree. And then, and then what I was trying to tell them is like, what's so crazy about all of this as a macro to me is the concerted effort they constantly put forth to manipulate the story and change it and make it not true with all these incentives, right? Like this physical state of Israel importance that uh, before things get bad, they're going to come and get, you know, Jesus is going to come and save you. You're good. And um, that the literal description of the earth is wrong. And, and the Bible is actually just not being literal where it clearly is all throughout it and, and tainting the validity of it, taking out the preface of Enoch that gives you context for the entire Old testament for you to even really understand and it to be right in front of everyone's faces in the canon telling you that it's real and it's saying it's for now and it just it's pretty crazy to I mean, ignore I mean, it you know to me I, I mean i feel like it's something we gotta we gotta take we gotta look at this i was just reading yeah, just, in the uh, uh, a, a series about 11 hours worth of teaching that's airing right now actually the, the take on the world conference uh was supposed to be live right now uh actually happening but because of covid you know, we had to do it virtually so everybody submitted presentations uh on video and i just did 11 hours worth of you know i did four presentations talking about all this and it's, it's actually airing right now on robbie davidson's channel just real quick i was just reading nice. this chapter 40 just things with enoch why is this the first i've ever heard of this angel fanuel and, yeah. he, and he is set over the repentance unto hope to those who inherit eternal life. I mean, that's that's completely isn't that blasphemous? That's Jesus is the there, only one. Was, so, but no, I think the the way I would interpret that is that those who accept Christ and 
you know, fall into that category of the, the redeemed, he's sort of like their guardian angel, if you will. He's the one that watches over those in that position. Not that he's in charge of it in the sense of he's the one giving the redemption, more that he's overseeing those who already are. Does that make sense? Gotcha. I just was reading that thought. I've never heard that in my life. But I haven't read through this all. That's why I'm reading it kind of as we Yeah, he's talk. one of the uh, four angels that I think, uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think he's one of the four angels that are standing on the four corners. Fanuel, but that's that name is not in the Bible, right? Because I've never heard that before, and I have read the Bible. No, times. it's not. Okay. Um, all right, Eru left, everyone, so say goodbye to Eru. Sorry, Eru. guess we're going too long for him. And, later and Rob, sorry, what do you think about how they, they removed all the apocryphal texts? So what do you think about this? This is something I've been thinking about lately. So it says the mark of a man and his number is 666, and then we know that Solomon um, got 666 talents of gold, which is, of course, incremental measurement, and then... Um, he has the seal of Solomon, and then they want to rebuild Solomon's temple. The wisdom of Solomon was removed. You get a whole different perspective of Solomon in that, as as opposed to what you have in the canon. What do you think about that? Oh yeah, I've written, I wrote about that on a blog called uh, "Concerned with Saturn" uh, back in 2011 about the whole idea that uh, Solomon's temple. I mean, I always wondered like why. You know, this is like a big deal, right? I mean, the Temple of Solomon in the Bible is like huge. But why do the Illuminati and Freemasons and all, why do these people love th that so much? And I never really understood it until I started really diving into that and, and looking into it and seeing that it was built with uh, 666 talents of gold brought in every year. And, you know, uh, and Solomon uh, apparently had some kind of like ring that he could like a ring of power, you know, kind of like on uh, Lord of the Rings. That he could tower, tower seven was the Solomon Brothers building. The Solomon Brothers building, yeah. You know that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that was. Yeah. Um, I forgot. He had the you... ring, yeah, and then Lord of the Rings trips you out when you realize that, right? He had this ring, he had this power of these demons. He was like a sorcerer, and they like they like worship him basically. Is that, I, I don't know. I'm trying to figure it out. I'm thinking because there's a seal of Solomon. Yeah, they they were subjected to him. Is a better way of looking at it. And Nephilim helped him build it. Uh, that's in First Kings chapter nine. It tells you uh, the Amorites, the Perizzites, Hivites, Jebusites, Hittites. These are all the ites that were or the Nephilim throughout the Old Testament were the ones that build the thing. And I'm like, what the heck made this thing holy then? And the conclusion I came to is that David wanted to build the temple, but God said, "Listen, you've been a man of war, and I don't want a man of war, you know, building my house, you know." So your son can do it. So, okay. So Solomon still following in the ways of his father, King David took up the task and started doing it. Um, and at that time he was still, he was still a good dude. He was still following the ways. Uh, and he prays this amazing prayer of dedication and I'm paraphrasing of course, but it's like the God looked down and said, you know what, dude, I, I can appreciate that. That's awesome, man. Good job. Tell you what, I'll put my name on this thing you've built so long as it's conditional you walk in my ways as your father david did and blah 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 blah. you know do the right thing but if you don't then i'm going to take my name off of this thing and of course we see throughout the the rest of the story solomon didn't he went astray you know got like a thousand wives and concubines and everything and started worshiping other gods and you know all kinds of stuff happened with him uh so I, i'm of the opinion that the only thing that made that structure holy was when god put his name on it and it was only on it so long as solomon was obedient but as soon as he he was not obedient. Yeah. Uh, and that's why I 
I believe that the the Freemasons and Illuminati and everybody else, you know, they love it so much because it's more on the disobedience side. Do it again. Exactly. Yeah. Very well said, oh, man. Do you, you one one last question with that? Sorry, dude. Just with the the idea of the Seal of Solomon, the correlation to the Mark of the Beast, and then like the uh, the reemergence of Nimrod type character. Do you think that those type are the uh, the beast like being a spirit, right? And it just kind of comes back in this final form where um, that is a the market's talking about or am i reaching well, because and I, I have all, i think it's super weird they're making it basically normalized to buy sell and trade in modern society right like some type of mark an identifier to do that and then they're scanning people's forehead when they come in and then i'm looking for the idea of the mark and there's a still saw and, and his number is right and then misrepresented as it's like some 666 you got to wear of course it's not like that and i just find it very intriguing i'm wondering if we should be on the lookout for that or if there's any truth to still still solomon which is basically like the pentagram within a circle yeah uh you mentioned several things there um the uh, regarding the mark of the beast I, I just literally uploaded a video three days ago called 2020 vaccines and the mark of the beast expanded uh, so I would point people to that if they're interested in looking at it. Um, do I think the vaccine and everything right now is the actual mark of the beast? Not necessarily. No, I see there's way too many things that still need to take place, in my opinion, before that is released. But it's certainly a perfect example of a trial run. All right. I agree. I agree. I was going to I was going to ask you, Rob, are there any Nephilim that have uh, like redeeming qualities whatsoever or they were basically... Uh, supposed to be exterminated. Yeah, um, Mamre, Aner, and Eshkol were three Amorite giants that actually partnered up with Abraham. Uh, you know the movie 300 with Gerard Butler? Uh, forget that. Go read Genesis 14. And you see that Abraham, after there's the, 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 the Genesis 14 war, I call it, you had five armies worth of giants fighting against four armies of giants. And the four kings' armies, they, they beat the five. And they took Abraham's nephew Lot and his family as spoils of war. And Abraham's like, eh, no, I don't think so. And he recruited Mamre, Aner, and Eshkol and 315 other guys. And they went and kicked the butt of Keter Latimar, who was like the general patent of Nimrod in that army. Nimrod was, at that time was known as Am Amraphel, which means the, the dark sayer, sayer of darkness. Uh, so, you know, looking at that, it appears that there was certainly they were confederate with you know with um abraham and we also see uh, uriah the hittite who was in the story more righteous than david you know that's the story of bathsheba where david you know uh takes his wife and everything uriah the hittite well i mean the hittites were part of those people that were assigned you know utter destruction Nephilim. being Nephilim. so i do see i do see in the post-flood world that they were that there were, and I would say probably even to, to this day still are, redeemable Nephilim. Uh -huh. and, and there's a, a friend of mine, uh, Danny Duvall, he put it the best way I've ever heard. He said, wherever the spirit of man and a, with a heart of, wherever the spirit of man and a heart of repentance are present, salvation is possible. And I'm like, yeah, I can go with that. So uh, it's not about their blood type. You know, it's, it's, it's not about their genetics. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Rob, what's the difference between the Nephilims uh, and the 33, uh, the third of the angels that uh, God casted out of heaven? Well, the, the, we a lot of times we say fallen angel. People think it's another breed of angel. You know, you know what I mean? It's like, well, you have the good angels and the fallen angels. Well, no, fallen angels were good angels that rebelled. You know, they're not they're not a separate breed. You know what I mean? 
And I'm reading so, here they were led astray by Jaquan. Yes. Chapter 72 names 21 angels, fallen angels in uh, chapter 72. And so uh, and I look five, at ten, I look I it names twenty one angels and I say well if Satan was in charge of those twenty one angels then you have twenty two, and with that in mind next time you watch a movie by Paramount Pictures, watch the opening logo, you'll see stars falling from heaven, skimming over some water and forming a ring over a mountaintop. There's twenty two stars. <laughs> twenty two stars. Yep. Yeah, dude, that's crazy, man. Yeah. Wow. Right there. So they they totally paying homage to to this particular story here, and they are identified with the fallen angels. I can't say that for certain, but it's an interesting coincidence. <laughs> you know, you know. But yeah, and again, uh, I mean, the why problem is I evolution is... believed by everybody, in your opinion? Because people are gullible, and you you put stuff in the classroom, just like putting a globe in the classroom. You know, you, you go you, your authority figures, your parents that you. Hopefully, you feel like you can trust. Put you in this institution with other authority figures that you feel like you can trust, and they start telling you you came from monkeys. So you're like, "Well, okay, I must have came from monkeys." <laughs> you know. Yeah, and what about dinos? What's your take on dinosaurs? Uh, yeah, you know, I know Dubai and others are trying to say dinosaurs didn't exist. Look, I, I have personal friends that dig these things up. Uh, and no. Yeah, but couldn't that be a whale bone? I mean, what the hell? No, I mean, that's that's the thing, you, know? I dig, you can dig up a lot of shy. I'm not saying, you know, I don't believe they really exist. I think they're dragons or something. That's my. Well, the, the word dinosaur wasn't invented until the 1800s. Right. It just means terrible lizard. Um, and there's animals that grow, and and if we didn't kill them or we didn't, if we left them alone, would get extremely huge. Alligators, things like that. that. Yeah, animals. Well, Rob, you don't think fossil fuels, you don't think our gasoline is, is, no, is uh, bones, dinosaurs. He doesn't believe in 67. Toyota up with uh, pterodactyl no. He's like, but he's like me. No, I believe, believe in Earth creates oil. I think the Earth is that's a lubricant to, that the Earth itself creates. I don't believe the, the evolution narrative that oil is the decayed bodies of dinosaurs. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. Yeah, I agree. Just made up. You know, definition of fossil fuels non-renewable. They control it. Dinosaurs were swooped. Really, the narrative came when the Vatican swooped in and wanted to take bigger bones and tell us these fairy tales about dinosaurs. Do you agree with that? Well, my take on dinosaurs is, I think, I mean, Scripture talks about uh, behemoth and leviathan, and if you read in Job the description of behemoth, his tail moves like a cedar tree, and the, the force of his strength is in his loins and his belly, and you know the, the descriptions that are there to me. Fit an atosaurus well, you know. Right, uh, I feel you. Rob, do you think Trump is owned by Israel? Because his stepson Jared, I mean, you know, his son-in-law Jared Kushner. How how tight do you think he is? Because he's a fake Christian, don't you think? I, yeah, as far I, I don't know his heart, so I can't tell for cer certainly if he's fake Christian. But when he at, was asked, "Have you ever asked for forgiveness?" He says, "No." Well, for me, that disqualifies you from being a Christian. <laughs> you know, yeah, it didn't mean any forgiveness. Verse. Yeah, he asked her to say a Bible verse. He's like, don't ask me about the Bible. That's a real famous interview. You need to look up asking Trump about the Bible. It's great. But he stood, yeah, in, I, he stood in front of the church holding the Bible. Like, he, he must believe yeah. in it. He must love it. Yeah, yeah every, he held that Bible. Every political leader finds Jesus on the campaign trail. You Imagine know, I didn't know he was possible. You know, they always see him. <laughs> yeah. you got to appeal yeah. to your base. you got to appeal to that base. Exactly. Yeah. Well, well, Rob, as a Christian, how do you fit into the, the, the battle between Israel and Palestine? How do we fit in as Christians into that battle? 
I've I've had a long public record of, of saying that 1948 was a counterfeit, and and that thing over there we're calling it that, that is being called Israel is a counterfeit. Um, Based. When you read Jeremiah chapter 23, 30, 31, read the entire book of Hosea, read Ezekiel 37, read uh, Isaiah 65, 66. These are all the passages that tell you how end time Israel is going to uh, be gathered together. And none of it, none of it fits 1948. And uh, people always who support that Israel will always quote Isaiah 66, 8. Can a nation be born in a day? And they'll say, yep, May 14th, 1948. And I'm like, well... Yeah, but four verses later, it says peace will flow like a river from that Israel. We've seen anything but peace since 1948. <laughs> oh hey, Rob, I'd like hey, to get your was, opinion. It's no, well, real quick, let me last question. Last question, Rob. I believe the mass are an occultic ritual that these social engineers are inducting us into the new world order. I'd like to get your opinion on the mass. We haven't talked about that, I don't think. Yeah, I, I'm I'm in agreement that all of that is an agenda to dehumanize us and you know all kinds of things for sure. Um, you know, that said, I'm not going to go psycho on somebody that is wearing a mask. You know, um, as a good right to freedom. As you know? a good Christian, I would guess that you wear a mask, Rob. Am I wrong? Sorry. As a good Christian, my my guess would be that you wear a mask when you go to stores. Is that uh, correct? Am I yeah, wrong? No. <laughs> no. You don't. Okay. Uh, okay. No. Uh, in, in fact, I've tried. I've been trying to find all kinds of ways to mock all that. You know, like good, I, okay. I took a. A, a mask and cut a big hole in it so my mouth so I'm still wearing a mask but you can see my mouth and my nose through it and you know stuff because they uh, seem to I had a, I had a video people. go viral with over 5 million views combined of me wearing a stupid Zorro mask that's how I pathetic saw, we are <laughs> I, I saw your videos on that <laughs> I saw those now long before COVID um, I moved to Texas in 2003 uh, prior to that I lived in Massachusetts for over 30 years so whatever the the plant life is around here that starts to uh, shed or do whatever it does, pollinate and do whatever it does in the spring and fall really jacks up my sinuses. So long before COVID, I was wearing masks just so I could breathe without sneezing my brains out, you know. Uh, and, and then when, you know, people in our community, uh, you know, meaning well with the stuff that we're talking about here, started going crazy on me for doing that. I'm like, listen, guys, I was doing this long before COVID, you know, I was masks on airplanes long before COVID just because everly, whenever I got onto a plane there was always somebody sitting next to me or behind me or in front of me sneezing coughing or hacking their brains out you know and then well, I the think the most the most important thing about the mask is if you're wearing it in fear if you really think it's protecting you from a virus I think that's where this hocus pocus works on you the most so if you're not wearing it in fear I think it's okay to sometimes wear it if you have to yeah correct but we got to be careful not to you know villainize everybody and that's wearing a mask. I mean, some people, I mean, they have their job or to do whatever they have to. Right, that's it's what like, I told okay, people. Well, I said back when I was a store manager of a drugstore, I mean, if I was still there, I would be the one enforcing the mask on my employees and on yeah. customers. And if people came in and were giving me shit about it, uh, even if I didn't believe in it, that would be my livelihood. Thank goodness I was able yeah. to get out of that. Yeah. Uh, real quick, how, I'm reading more chapters. How, how tall is 3,000 L's? Do we know that? Uh, Dr. A. Island in her book, uh, uh, The Complete Books of Enoch, she translates it as uh, 300 cubits. And I've read other scholars that do the same. So m my understanding that there's an L that we have as a unit of measurement today that's different from the L that perhaps was a Hebrew L or something back in that day. I don't know. But Wait, uh, 300, that I, 300 cubits, isn't that, as, isn't that as big as the ark? It is. It's exactly the same length as the ark. That's 450 feet. Now, 
we read that and we think that's ridiculous. That's insane. 150 foot tall person. We think it's absurd, but the Greeks didn't. And, and many other cultures didn't either. The Titans, in fact, if you watch Wrath of the Titans or even some of the Percy Jackson movies where they're trying to raise Kronos from the dead, they depict yeah. him as a 450 footer. You know? Wait, but you know? a 400 a 450 footer could have stories. a 450 footer could have sex with a with a human. Well, if they grow, if he's Chinese, if he's Asian, maybe. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude, oh, So my my take on on growth is I would defer, I would I would reference people to the liger. Um, the liger is. Uh, a blending of a male lion with a female tiger and what they determined was that the um, male uh, tiger and the female lion have growth inhibitor just like you and I I've got a, a code in my genetics that says Rob stops growing at 5 foot 11 at 16 years of age that's mm-hmm. where I capped out boom you know um, and but when you mate a male and female tiger that coat is not present because it's in the opposite sex, you know? So if, if you do a, a tigon is a male tiger and a female lion, uh, yeah, a male tiger and a female lion that grows to be the same size as a typical lion or tiger, but a liger just keeps growing until it dies. Cause it doesn't have a growth inhibitor gene telling it to stop. Right. So I would say that the giant human probably were along the same lines that they had a normal growth period within which yeah, uh, they were probably of comparable size to continue to mate with women, well into their twenties, probably. So, so I guess uh, I have every chapter I read, but Enoch, I'm having problems with it. So, Austin, would you say that um, you said all these angels came and taught all these humans all these bad things? So far, in the last five minutes, I've read that the angel brought pen and paper, uh, the angel brought knives and shields and breastplates. So is your belief that if these angels never came, that hu- human beings are so dumb mm. that they would never invent those things? We no, would. no, no. I, I'm not saying that they're bad in them themselves. What I'm saying, what I said was that they gave them knowledge that they were supposed to attain on their own, and they did so deceptively. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and what did they teach them to write? And what did they teach them to do with the metals? You know, like Azazel clearly taught them weapons of warfare. Okay, but what you're saying no, that no, if he, if he didn't do Cain, that, if he wouldn't, if he Cain, didn't do that, humans are are humans dumb enough that they would have never come to that? Well, perhaps they would have, but you know, the, this text is telling us that a head start on. But I mean, we saw that that Cain killed Abel with a rock, you know. So you know, men have figured out how to use whatever right. they want. That's kind of what weapon. I mean. So they would have eventually learned to use shields and knives and swords and guns and bombs. And, and Yeah, but they came down and intervened, and they were like, here's some tips, homies, you know, where we got the secrets, you know, here's how you perform abortion cut roots. Yeah. But humans would have learned to do that anyway. War. That's Wait, what I'm war. saying. To believe that angels came and taught humans something that they would have never figured out is, is ridiculous. But, you mean, but you're, you're inserting that into the text. Nobody's arguing that. That's a straw man argument. What, it's saying that they came down and taught them all these things. The working of, oh. of bracelets and ornaments and the use of antimony, which I don't even know what that is, uh, beautifying the eyelids, so putting on makeup. So it's it's basically blaming the angels for all these things, right? Wasn't there well, a cloud one, too? Sorry? Was, wasn't there a person that talked about the clouds, an angel that specifically uh, talked about the clouds? Is that correct? The, the knowledge of the clouds. That, that, yeah. Dude, Rob, right, let me pitch you what I was trying to tell them, right? It's kind of what he's saying, too. It's like they it's like they came back, maybe, because they got out of the bondage. I don't know how you feel about the bondage, 70, 70, 40, 900 years. They came out. And if you look at their categories applied to how the world's deceived today, 
it's very intriguing because you know they're over the stars over the moon's motion over the clouds and it's it's pretty wild well yeah i put forward the idea that enoch said that those angels when they're judged would be judged for 70 generations and if we use Psalm 90, verse 10 to define generation, 70 years, 80 if by strength. But if we go with 70, it's 4,900 years. And that judgment, at least according to the research that, that I've been able to determine, uh, was in 3000 BC. 4,900 years forward takes you to the beginning of the 20th century. Well, if you look at what those angels taught men to do, and you look at the massive explosion of technology and the Industrial Revolution and everything that followed from the mid-1800s to today— it's exactly what they taught the same things you know exponentially getting worse right you know from world war one and the warfare that took place there and the trench wars and the gas and everything that took place there world war ii and the horrors of that and then the weaponry and stuff that we have today and it's something like 26 well i know this is probably contentious but uh with this crowd but 20 i think it's 2600 nuclear bombs and yes i do believe that nuclear bombs exist uh, I know plenty of people. No are. way, no way, Shyop. I don't. I don't necessarily believe it does. Well, the only thing I do know is the story they gave us was sketchy. They yes. say that we dropped them on Japan. That story is sketchy. That's all I'm saying because really, they knew Russian troops. A million of them were invading on the ground from the north, and they were like, "I'm." Uh, they they notified them they were back by the treaty. So once they started invading, they surrendered on the ninth. We supposedly bombed them on the seventh, the ninth, but the but the Russians notified them on the eighth and were coming on the ninth. So that's why they surrendered, and they reported it as a fire bombing and it was illegal to report it as an american citizen except for one dude who got the official narrative and by penalty of even death for treason and for all that compiled i'm like ah they're lying about that it scares people and i'm not saying that they can't make some crazy bombs i'm just saying they lied about japan in my opinion yeah i'm not gonna i'm not gonna argue that uh but i will <laughs> testify nuclear bombs exist nuclear weapons exist yeah, in, in my class in eighth grade social studies, they told us they have enough nuclear bombs to blow the world up a hundred times. And I believe that's called trauma-based mind control because they, I don't believe they have the capability to do that. And everybody would have them. Then, and then all of Iran would have weapons of mass destruction, in my opinion, if it was that. If it was that you know? Well, and Tesla said he disintegrated an atom with like a million volts more than once. He told everyone around him, the science, so-called scientists say that there's going to be a huge explosion when I do this again. and nothing happened and no one left. Uh, let's uh, we sell all of our old tech and military to all, to all these other countries, and we don't sell any of the nuclear stuff. If it was real, we'd sell it to them, but it's fake. It's like it's like freaking North Korea, dude. They're always going to get nuclear. I mean, I see. I'm sure they have some sort of nuclear fission, but bombs that can blow the world up a hundred times over. No, I don't believe that. Dude. Is, is Azazel Satan? Some people think so. I don't, um, because he's locked up. He's bound in Dudiel. Right. I'm reading um, that, and that's the that's the. Uh, uh, but it the does, ritual I told you it about does clearly about say the, that uh, to a, to him ascribe all sin, which I mean, all I'm trying to prove here and trying to say is that I mean, I know we can explain with words anything away, but to me, it, just for reading it for what it is, it doesn't look like to me that Enoch can in any way be said to be uh, divine. I mean, it's you know, it's, first of all, it's talking here about Azazel to him ascribe all sin. I thought all sin should be ascribed to Adam. Adam's the one that fell. So I mean, it doesn't go with the Bible. And even if you, then you have to believe Azazel is actually Satan. All right. Well, now we have. So that's what I'm saying. It's like a stretch for everything. Everything I've said is like a stretch. Well, yeah, we could do this. We could do that. Um, but there's nothing here that is like, oh, this is definitely from God. I mean, at least I don't see anything. I mean, it just seems to be. In fact, the Bible is written a lot better than than. It's a lot different, wouldn't you say? The Bible's written much different than this whole entire book, Enoch? 
Oh, it is definitely written in a in a much different style. But again, this if if we are to accept, yeah, but the I mean, there's no there's no Bible, there's no real. Um, let me see if I can. There's no book in the Bible that's as off the rest of the books as Enoch is the entire books of the Bible. No, I wouldn't say that. I'm, oh, I, really? I would say that Enoch's off. Uh, and again, that's why you know it's definitely look. a different style, and it's it's so different in style that you, it's not even close. I don't think to any book I've ever read in the Bible. It seems to be all over the place. It, I mean, the way it's it, written it, is much different. That's all I'm saying. Some of the verbiage is very similar to some of the prophetic texts that you'd read. Well, even Revelation uh, or Ezekiel. Well, yeah, but they, <laughs> the of Ezekiel. Yeah, yeah, I got you. But they also would have had this work when they wrote those things. They would have known about it. They would have read it. Right. I mean, there's no way. I mean, whoever wrote uh, Revelation definitely had read Enoch. Right? I believe so. Yeah, I, okay. yeah, I believe so. So, so well, your, your premise you, then is that ask... Enoch is fraudulent, therefore Revelation is fraudulent. Is that your is that your takeaway? No, I think you know I think everything has been changed. But I mean, when we started this conversation, it was because, um, and I remember reading Enoch w- way long ago and just kind of setting it aside i think there's some interesting things in there i think why it's so interesting and why it sticks out and why genesis sticks out to me and things like that is because these things were written by people long ago and people who looked at the world for what it is and kind of said different you know just made a story about it that's what i think genesis is i mean um i don't think it's a literal description of the creation of the world and that's just my opinion i think it's written in a poetic kind of way same thing with this this seems to me as poetic it's not meant to be exact when it says you know the 14 trees or that these angels came what he was saying is that these things are true he was saying that these angels actually came and that these many angels are in charge and and, and so i wanted to go read it and when i'm reading it, I, I just don't see anything that tells me oh it, it definitely matches the bible definitely must be true should be included well um, well dude what's reoccurring with enoch is that it tells you these things that aren't contradictory to the scriptures but they're contradictory to the doctrine that have infiltrated what people think the scriptures are how they interpret them they never even interpret them for themselves but it actually gives you all of these pointers and context and like contextual clues that are so valuable and it's reoccurring i'm gonna have to go back and look didn't i just see so first of all i thought the the thing that i heard and again this could be wrong i thought it never rained until after um the flood didn't it not rain on Earth until after the flood? But I see. Correct. But I uh, saw. Genesis but, talks about that. Okay, but um, Enoch talks about rain. Enoch, Enoch is talking about the rain. So clearly, it was written after. When it, so it's not like he yeah. wrote it before. E, yeah, Enoch. It's actually most scholars will tell you this that it's it's divided up into several different several different books. In fact, a lot of a lot of the translations will actually show. Um, the, See, like the, the parable I feel of like uh, we can make anything no. we can make anything true if we are able to it's do that. Compiled. Take these. It's, com- it's what? It's compiled. Most scholars will tell you that what we call first Enoch is a compilation. So it certainly wasn't written before. So there could be some that was and some that wasn't. But it's still before. all inspired by God, and God's the one that put it in this order and wants me to read this. And, uh, oh. and it's, it's a, it's a, comp- it's it's a compilation, and it could be several authors then. That's what people would say. That some of it, like uh, some of the stuff about Noah, was right. I was reading after, some of that stuff because, because well, Enoch would have been raptured, taken out, uh, something like uh, seventy-eight years, I think, before Noah was born. Because Enoch's the one that supposedly walked with God. 
walk with God was not for God took him, Genesis says. Do you have Google Google Earth uh, up on your computer, Jaron? Yeah. Um, open, open it up and I will... Google Earth, the, the, the application, Google Earth? Yeah. Rob, I was going to ask you if you have uh, any views on the world's fairs that happen in the United States in the turn of the century and some other countries as well, uh, as it being, as some people claim, like a burning off something that was there before in San Francisco and Chicago, for instance. Have you looked into this? No, I haven't looked into that. Do you think that the uh, that the they took the women as wives and they bore children, men of old, men of renown, and they ended up uh, turning on to the beasts and the creatures, and, and thus hybrids that they've told us were mythological may have been much more literal when they showed representations of hierarchies in I ancient just, civilizations? I just read that two chapters ago, I think. Uh, let me go back. You're talking about, uh, maybe, I don't know how many chapters it was ago. Uh, the first one I started with would be here. You're talking about this part here. Uh, and the others with them took unto themselves wives. Each chose for himself one. They began to go in and unto them and defile themselves with them. And they taught them charms and enchantment. I mean, the weird thing about that is, again, if you believe that they were 450 foot tall, and that's... Again, no, I mean, no, no. Those are the fallen... Ain't the, fa the watchers come down and take right. the women as wives. Yeah, the, the angels come down. And they, in many places throughout Scripture, we see when angels show up, they look in, in every way are, are like men. In fact, Paul tells you that you oh, could be entered. Oh, so the babies, the, the babies became the 450-foot. Gotcha. Okay. I was yes. That. yes. I'm hey, Rob, what do you think about um, fossilized mountains that are in the shape of humans? You know, I asked you about this the first time we met. Yeah. I'm intrigued by that. Um, you know, I'm highly skeptical about a lot of it because I know what I can do in Photoshop and 3D software. Um, so, you know, images online, you know, I'm auto automatically skeptical. Uh, about it. You want this That's open, Rob? It. You can see my screen? Uh, I can see. No. Oh, you can't I see it. Let can't. me share. Hold on. No. Sorry, I thought we were I'm, sharing. I'm typing coordinates in the in the Skype chat for you. Uh, so, out of curiosity, so do you think that the hybrids that were depicted may have been literal as opposed to the way they were told to us to be mythological? I believe, well, if you're talking about like animal-human hybrids, like centaurs and minotaur and satyrs and stuff, um, the last 120 years leading up to the flood, we see in Genesis 6-3 that God gives a warning saying, hey, listen, you guys better knock it off. <clears throat> in Genesis 6-12, we see that all flesh will be corrupted. Well, Genesis 6-12 is expanded in Jubilees um, 7-24 and Joshua uh, 4 I'd have to look up the exact addresses. <clears throat> um, and in both cases, it tells you point blank that how that happened was as a result of blending species. The men began to blend, blend species together. Oh, wow. Okay, because I've always thought that it's saying, so they ended up, you know, having sex with the birds and the creatures and the beasts. No, no it was genetic engineering. It, and that's what, you know, Jesus said in the last days would be like the days of Noah. The days of Noah are different from the days of Jared. The days of Jared where angels came down and made it with women. The days of Noah is when men began to blend species together. Gotcha. So do you think that they were like the Egyptians, for example, they have all kinds of hybrid depictions yes. of these pharaohs. you think they were literally worshiping those, what they depicted? Yeah, I think so. I think they were creating these things and, you know, uh, many of them started treating them as gods, probably. 
Okay, yeah, I agree. Especially if I they agree. lived for long periods of time. If we take the the accounts of how long people were living back then. Doesn't, doesn't um, now I'm trying to remember, and I could be wrong. Doesn't Genesis say somewhere though that there were giants before that happened? Genesis six four says there were giants in the earth in those days and also afterwards. Right. But the the context there was the genes the giants were in the earth in those days. What days? The days of Jared, oh, okay. and also after that, after what? The days of Jared, oh. meaning that there were giants before and after the days of Jared. But the giants that came from the fallen angels, there was angels, there was giants before that. No, no. Uh, all those Rob, is, the is humans there any... were bigger. You know, just normal people were bigger. Mm-hmm. You know, too. But um, these are over and above that, certainly. Okay, so Rob, we're, we're looking at this. Marijuana what are, what are you in showing the Bible of smoking marijuana? Uh, yeah, some people think so. Um, Oh, okay, Jaren, you got that up. Yeah. Yeah, if you zoom out. Zoom out. Yeah, zoom, zoom out some more. A little more. You see how that, that whole mountain range is, is a darker color? Right here? Yeah, well, right where the, the tag is that I gave you? Yes. See, it's it, that's like black compared to everything else? Yes. Mm-hmm. That's Mount Sinai. Mm-hmm. That's where... You know, according to the story, God came down in flaming fire, you know, and, and did all the stuff that we read about in Exodus. And in the area to the right of your pin there, there's a, a large clearing there. If you zoom in and you can see various um, uh, photographs that people have taken. See that whole area to the right? That's where the Israelites would have been encamped. And th- there's actually an altar to the golden calf. No, uh-huh. it, Remains of it is there. Are you talking uh, about pictures this far over, or wait yeah, until more come up? Maybe those ones right there. Maybe you'll have to click around in there. Okay. It's been a while since I looked at that, but yeah, that's it right there. Golden um, calf altar. That's got you. Calf altar. <clears throat> but I mean, you can actually read the book of Exodus, read what happened, and then spend time starting from you know Mount Sinai right there and track the Israelites and it's all it's documented in stone so to speak yeah and I and I don't disagree with that I, whether or not God was leading them in a cloud and whether or not um, you know God was speaking them or leading that's the part that I, I you know I can't say that I, I'm not I'm not disputing the history uh, so so why are those mountains different color then I don't know but I mean just to say that this is because God burned them. So you're saying that uh, I can't I can't find any mountains of that color anywhere else? Perhaps you could, but is it a coincidence that just so have oh stay stay where you are, zoom Sorry. out again. Oops. Zoom out again. Okay. Some more. Okay, to the left, see the Gulf of Aqaba? Yes. To, to the left. Uh that's where the Israelites crossed the Red Sea. Mm-hmm. And underneath that there's like a land bridge that's is is more shallow down here than the rest. The, no, no, right, oh. pretty much right under where it says Gulf of Aqaba. Okay. Under the water, there's like a, uh, they did like, I don't know, sonar scans or whatever. <clears throat> and found that there's like a, a land bridge there. And there's also to the to the right, uh, you see the little spur of land? Yeah, I mean, again, I, I understand that. But what my thing is, is that even if they crossed the sea and all these things, I mean, and it could have been written about or told about that God did that. It doesn't mean that that happened. Right? If I was walking well, uh, with my family... Huh? I mean, or it does mean that it did happen. 
Or you could you could look at the the darkness off the mountain and then come up with a story that he was burned. I mean, but yeah, but Exodus okay. is so well documented. I mean, there, there's a patterns of evidence in the Exodus. It's a great documentary. The actual places. That's what you're talking about. The place names are mentioned. You know, they exist and the features exist. Well, and yeah, it just never gets proven wrong. It seems weird that when you guys think that it would eventually be proven wrong by what we find. No, because the stories that you would tell would have some truth to them. The, the part that would be lies would be the part that our God is helping us, God is doing this. It's just like a lot of the stories in the Old Testament is like, oh, we, we God, you know, God's on our side. We need to go defeat this other um, people. And then they go over and they kill the, the Hittites or whatever. And then they tell their people, well, God was on our side. Well, the part of that that we don't know is true is whether or not God helped them destroy other people. It could be that that was used to... I mean, imagine if you have a big army back in those days and you tell everybody God's on our side and he's going to get us through this. I mean, there's no line in the Bible that says nobody died from the side that God's side was on. No, they went and had a war. And... Well, what if they're having a war with giants and then God intervenes and helps them out? That's a great story. I don't think you can... You can never prove it. Well, that. it's just crazy that that story wasn't even told, though. You know what I mean? So like, we weren't... So why I is grew God... up and no one would answer my question. I said, there are giants, men of old and men of... What does that mean? So, so they tried is... to tell me somehow that it wasn't saying yeah. what it so said. So why is God but, giving you know, up... The, the, but why is God giving up on thing, everyone else? You know, for, for another piece of similar stuff, in the, the, the Battle of Kurukshetra, which is the great war of the Mahabharata, I mean, there are all kinds of giants. <laughs> There's giants everywhere. It's a good uh, point. There's a whole different races of giants, even different kinds, and some are nice as well. That's why I asked about the Nephilim, whether or not they were redeemable, because you see this in the Mahabharata, some were. Well, uh, so, here, so, here's the uh, problem with it, when but I There's see, a different kind of demon, though. I don't know if people can um, see. Can people see that? Picture? Yeah, the split rocket horrible. Right. So, I mean, mm. you're going to tell me that that's proof of the Bible, but I would tell you that they wrote the Bible based on that rock. How could you prove either way? You're just going to say one thing. Neither one of us can necessarily claim to be right about that. I mean, to me, it seems like yes, yeah, dude's wandering around the wilderness, sees a rock like that, and invents an entire story because of it. <laughs> sure, the story is simple: that God split that rock. I mean, we can't just say that that's proof that God did anything. I mean, that's ridiculous to think that. To me, it seems like the new the New Testament insists like a, a whole great deal on what it calls faith and truth, right? But it, it never really shows us any answer to that. How do we know that the gospel story is true? Well, because it confirms the prophecies of the Old Testament. But how do we know that the Old Testament prophecies are true? Well, because they're confirmed by the gospel story. But, well, that's evidence. That's, it's well, just, just the back most historically accurate compilation that exists. And so what you do is you go out and try and test it. Whenever sure, it makes a plethora of claims like it does, it absolutely. should be easily that's, falsifiable. Same way with the heliocentric model, right? It is we falsifiable. Have falsified that, but you can't do it with the It is falsifiable the, the because where, where is God doing any of these things today? Where is God leading any people in a cloud today? Where is God appearing in fire today? Where is God talking to anybody on a hill today? None of this stuff is happening. So you're saying that those things happen based on you're saying the history is correct. I'm not arguing with the history of the Bible. I'm arguing with the interactions of God. I know a lot of people, they would call me more of a deist, right? My thing is, is that there's, there's no proof to me that God is here doing things. It makes more sense to me that we're in a world of free will, that we were created and put here, and it's a testing ground. It's an absolute testing ground. Many people become evil and filled with the desire for power, and they try and afflict the ones that are weak. And they've written a story where they tell you the meek will inherit the earth. Why? So that all of us sit around and we try and be good people. And when we're good people, what do we do? We let the evil run wild on us. And so this is a great ploy by whoever's in charge to keep people believing that Jesus is going to come back. I mean, 
I understand. But that's not what it even says. It says expose the darkness. It says let hold evil steadfast be steadfast and prove all things. Yeah, it says let evil be evil. Yeah, it doesn't say anything. I mean, that doesn't prove all things. Doesn't tell me that it says not to let the well, evil ones be wicked. It says expose the darkness to light. Yeah, yeah and meek isn't format. <laughs> meek does not mean you know just sit around and you know let evil rule. It's wow. actually the word means strength under control. Okay, well, so the, so what, so when are we going to inherit the earth? When when is this? When is it's just to me? I, I keep looking back and again. Well, I talked Yeshua about it before. comes back, bro, and then there's like, and then they lied about that too. I'm saying, why they lie about everything if it's all a fairy tale? They told us that we go to heaven, this magical place, but really, the scriptures say there's singular judgment day that Yeshua comes down and that he reigns on earth. Forever now, and earth becomes new. So why were we lied about what the story really says? That's, well, I mean, that's got to at one point raise a red flag for someone, right? Like, well, the whole idea they're, of heaven, they're trying to the, lie whole, about it. the whole idea of heaven should raise a red flag to anybody. Heaven just doesn't work. It doesn't work in any kind of reality that you can imagine. It, there's no way that if my mo mom went to hell, that I would go to heaven and be happy there. There's no way. And then people say, oh, but Jaron, you wouldn't remember her. Oh, but then that's not me. It's <laughs> the dumbest thing I've ever heard. So there's so many problems with the idea of heaven that you wouldn't. Again, I've asked people before, if I went to heaven and I am I allowed to look at a girl's rear end or am I not allowed to do that? What would it, and if I'm not well, allowed to do that with your carnal mind well, as opposed to heaven, but earth becomes that if it, you have to actually. So then I am changed. It says, right? Right? It says my, earth becomes heaven. My your spirit. Like, you don't have a penis God in heaven. Your, your penis doesn't go with you to the afterlife. <laughs> Your penis stays on earth. Oh, you lose your penis and you lose all. You lose your penis in heaven, yeah. From what I've read, from my, um, <laughs> my research. What yeah. what books are you reading? Yeah. Oh my smokes! I gotta They're get weird. They're books. very weird books. I'd rather not mention them for legal purposes. <laughs> yeah, I don't think you. Want well, to. what's your take on that, Rob? Because this, so I've heard some people say that um, you get to keep having children, and then after the millennial reign, Satan has his one little, you know, attempt to try and. Uh, take over and he gets swatted down. But what millennial? Time. What millennial reign? We've already gone two thousand. We've already gone two millennium now. So you're talking about the next one? It'll happen. No, in he 3, has, no, no, no. He hasn't come back, man. He comes oh. back, and starts it. Well, yeah. I mean, if if you're a premillennialist like I am, a futurist that believes that these prophetic things have not happened yet, then we are still waiting for that millennial reign to happen. But the the bigger question might be, does anybody go to heaven anyway? Right. That's what I'm basically. That's saying. what I'm saying. I don't think so. I think that's another lie. What I'm reading is heaven comes here. <laughs> you know, exactly, bro. Well, yeah. opens up like a football stadium, you know, and this 1,500 mile by 1,500 mile wide city comes down. Everything's here. Everything ends up here, which doesn't work. Yes. And then people <laughs> people live in and a city. And everyone can see them at the same time. How does that happen on a globe? They can't. Yeah. We know that. Rob, what do you think about Project Bluebeam and them, you know, uh, uh, forecasting, you know, Muhammad coming down or Jesus coming down? Do you think they'll do that or the fake alien yeah, invasion? That's, that's a perfect setup. And this is what I've been trying to tell people is that even people like uh, Dr. Stephen Greer, who whatever you think about him, I don't really care, you know, what, what people's opinions are of him. Just listen to what he's saying is he is he himself like he's Captain Disclosure, right? You know, Disclosure Project. He himself for years now has been saying, listen, guys, we have the ability to fake all this. And we have been. Mm -hmm. The governments of the world have been faking all this stuff. You know, 
And, and so, you know, w with the cosmological worldview that we now subscribe to, we know that aliens don't exist in the way that, you know, they do. The way the way the way they believe the aliens exist. Even so Greer, right? Greer has his own kind of alien. <laughs> Have you guys seen this? I was going to show this today, but I forgot. But it's totally off subject, kind of. But I was at space.com today, and I saw this that uh, uh, ULA debuted the 3D projection. It says United Launch Alliance debuts first ever 3D projection of Delta for rocket. What? And I was like, wait a second. And now they're going to reveal the method, right? Which is the, and so they have this whole 3D projection mapping. And I'm like, well, then that's just I'm what you're doing all the time. It? <laughs> it's just so funny that they're able. So they're just like showing this. Look, at we can 3D project onto this thing and make it look like a rocket. <laughs> and you're like, yeah, that's what we've been saying the whole time. So right. know, talk about uh, well, you know d doing stars and wonders in the sky. Oh, yeah, well, I'm sure it's coming. Now I don't know well, if they'll be able to do that because I, I don't picture how they could do that across the whole world. So I mean, how do you make Mohammed come down? And I mean, you know, if you put something in the well, sky in above California, well, very few people would be able to see that. Maybe uh, all of California. I don't know how much more would be able to see. You can't see that far because of the atmosphere. We we know that. We know that you can't see over three four hundred miles very very easily. We know that. Yeah, our personal... multiple drones. Well, sure. It makes me why they want to put that many satellites up, right? Yeah, well, I've had that question too. Yeah, what's going on with the uh, constant satellite after satellite after satellite? And, and then again, I think that could be some sort of magnetic tethering or electrical tethering, where those things are just going around. Well, what about the what about those Tesla rockets that land reverse cowgirl on the? I mean, <laughs> how is that even possible? Why do people believe that? Reverse cowgirl. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know, man. I, I do think that it's gotten too easy for them to be able to fake. I mean, if we look at the story of Constantine, right, supposedly sees a sign in the sky, right, and this sign conquer. Well, how convenient would it be for the governments of the world to put whatever your god of choice is up in the sky, you know? Um, and and sadly, because you know a lot of Christians are taught this pre-trib rapture nonsense, they're gonna they're gonna believe it, you know. Yeah, exactly. What do you think about this also tying that idea into the ascension of Isaiah? I think it is where the Antichrist figure is said to take credit for moving the sun and the moon. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't well, that a crazy it, idea? If we accept the story of Joshua commanding the sun to stand still and Hezekiah having the sun go backwards, mm. you know, in the cosmological worldview that that we share here on this call, that's not such a big deal. You know, we, we got something that's roughly, what, 35, 40 miles across up there, you know. What chapter uh, what, what chapter talks about the two witnesses that were? Uh, chapter 11, Revela Revelation 11, 11, I think. All right, thanks. I was just looking for something. Go ahead. Um, you were talking about uh, the, uh, the sun and moon. Yeah. I mean, if, we, if we were to accept the story of Joshua, command the sun still, still, stand still, or Hezekiah moving it backwards, and this thing's only about, what, 40 miles across or whatever, then maybe it could be that this character would have the ability to do the same thing Joshua did. Right. That's pretty crazy to think about. And, and so you can easily see how someone would get caught up in that and be like, whoa, this guy's got some type of deified superhero power or whatever. And then, and then also I think another apocryphal mention of how the image will be well circulated throughout the world prior to him revealing himself. And I'm thinking, is there any correlation between what they've depicted as, quote-unquote, Jesus and these giant statues? Is that image maybe what it's talking about, or... You know, uh, 
somebody proposed something to me that made me think about the image of the beast a bit differently where where the, the, there's been life given to the image of the beast and i wondered and this is just pure speculation okay but i'm wondering if that might that that verbiage might apply to the creation of a clone in other words a clone is what it's the genetic image of whatever is being cloned right and if that genetic image is then infused with the spiritual entity that empowers it, then it could be talking about a clone. You know, many people before the advent of this science would have thought maybe it's a statue or, you know, something of that nature. But I'm thinking there might be another way of looking at that. I don't know, again, just speculation. Well, I definitely think um, there's some very interesting correlations with, like, uh, those who claim to be Jews in the end, but in fact, synagogue of Satan, and then they say that their Moshiach's coming on stuff and take over the world. And then you look at the idea of actually some of your work back in the day I saw where you were discussing, like, the idea of Nimrod and suffering a mortal head wound and appearing to come back, and how it seems like these little, I call them gravelers, these people, the powers that shouldn't be, and how esoterically they kind of, like, seem to revere that idea of bringing back Nimrod and they believe in kind of the Egyptian depiction of Osiris and stuff. And, um, the way I see it is like, they really want the, the Nimrod 2.0. Would you agree? Uh, I mean, the secret societies are all about that. I mean, just read through their writings, you know, Manly P hall and others are talking all about that. Yeah. Genesis, Genesis chapter 11, verse nine inverted nine 11. Yeah. The tower of Babel. Yeah. So this part here of Revelation, the two witnesses, the twelve hundred and sixty days. What, what is your, what is your opinion of that? Because I mean, these are the kind of things where I read these prophecies, and this is where I'm like, okay, this is just meant to forever be, kind of cryptic and poetic. It, this, in my mind, it'll never happen, and that's why I find you know if these things must happen before Jesus comes back, I'm like, well, these things are never going to happen because to me. What do you think those 1,203 score days, right? 1,260, was that what that would be? That's three and a half years. Okay, three and a half years. So this has not started, right? There is no two witnesses here yet as far as we know. They've never been here. Yet. In my opinion, I right. mean, there are people who certainly would disagree with me, but I I, right. I don't believe that this has happened yet. And so, I believe it is two individuals, two people. Okay, so two people. Right, will, I certainly agree. Okay, so let's, yep. keep, let's keep going with it. So two people will come uh, clothed in sackcloth. And we don't know what that means. Maybe they're not wearing fancy clothes. Um, there'll be two candlesticks. They're standing before God of the earth. Um, so now, if any man will hurt them, fire proceedeth out of the mouth. So we're not, that's not a literal fire, right? Or do you literally think that humans will be here or people will be here that can breathe fire out of their mouth and kill enemies? You ever been to the circus? Yeah, okay, people can breathe fire. This is what I'm saying. This is such a stretch. Okay, so now we have circus circus people coming with sticks of g- gasoline. Okay, let's go on. Um, fire proceeded out of their mouth and def- de- devoureth enemies, and if any man will hurt them, he must in this manner be killed. Okay, even though... Okay, so if any man hurt them, then these people can breathe fire and devour their enemies, and if any man will hurt them, he must die in this manner be killed. Okay. Uh, these have powers to shut heaven, that it rain not. So these humans now will have the power on earth to turn off rain. It's insane to me. That, no, no, why would God grant any human being that power? It's just ridiculous. And have power over waters to turn them to blood. So God is going to give to humans his, his witnesses the power to turn waters into blood and smite the earth. Yeah, so now people bloods. know to take heed and listen, right? Because it's legit. 
that's what he did with Moses. Moses, that's the first of the, you know, let my people go, right? Okay. I, mean, I, I, I cannot see this possibly happening and how anybody would be sold is, enough. People will look at these revelation texts and, and scriptures like this and mock it, and yet they'll have no problem believing X-Men. <laughs> and in, and in embracing the stuff in X Men, and it's not I, so much I, I I'm, I'm mocking. It's just I, 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 these things. I think at a certain point, I'm not mocking anything. I'm not mocking. At a certain point, I'm drawing the line with what I consider reality and something that God would have expected me to pay heed to. And I don't read this and say any God wanted me to pay heed to this. Why? Because it doesn't match. Well, my this life doesn't happen, man. But if this starts to happen, like it you know, won't start to happen. This is the thing, right? You're gonna have to make everyone has to make their own decision. But I know people that if Revelation started to happen bam 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 like just so blatantly in front of your face that it's true they would just still say well the elites the evil ones wrote that script they want us to think this is going to happen because this is what they want to do and they're just tricking all of us and so then you're left with nothing right because there is actually always that other alternative which is that it's prophetic was written before the, the beforehand and now it's actually becoming accurate I just, I just um, it doesn't match my life. If you don't life. entertain both of them, then... It's not entertaining. It's just it doesn't it match my life. I, and when they shall finish their testimony, the beast that ascendeth out of the bottomless pit will make war against them. So at what point I'm going to be in my bed in my normal life, and I'm going to have to wake up, and there's going to be some sort of beast going... I mean, this is going to be on the news. Here's this beast. It's the, making war. The, the beast is human being. The, the word is therion. And I called my friend Peter again, my, my resident Greek expert. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I said, Peter, if I called you a therion, what did you just hear? He said, well, that would be like you... That'd be like you called me a werewolf. I'm like, really? The beast? Said, yeah, it's not. It's not the kind of word that you would use for like a beast, a bird, and a cow, or a horse, or something like that. It's something. It's a corrupted being. Okay, so the and corrupted if, being re- comes out. Of, so, so then Satan will appear on Earth. You'll get to take the form of a human. Well, I, it's my opinion that the beast is Nimrod. That he's a is a resurrected um, abomination. Frankenstein. The st- Mary Shelley's Frankenstein was actually a stylized story of this very thing. So he'll be she he'll, he'll be born again here. He will. Well, it's whether or not he will be actually resurrected. His physical body. His body was presumably exhumed from the desert sands of Iraq in 2003 um, as Gilgamesh. Right. I mean, don't uh, they realize that so none Nimrod of this is Gilgamesh? Nimrod is Gilgamesh. Correct. Yeah, man of many names. Man of many names. Yeah, Osiris, Gilgamesh, Apollo. I mean, the, the sad part about all this is that none of this needs to happen for people to worship God. All God needs to do is show himself and say, here I am. Nobody's saying it does. This is just a – John is a, given a vision of what's going to happen in the last days. Right. And so – Which is a final battle. I, I don't want to go on a, on a, on a, out on a limb and say every Christian, but I will tell you that a vast majority of Christians that I've spoken to in my life believe that Jesus is going to come back in their lifetime. Including, and this is why it's even more of a bother for me, including my mother, who told me that constantly. My mother died in November. So I'm just telling you that Jesus did not return in her lifetime. And my grandparents, who taught her Christianity and Catholicism, also believed that Jesus would return in their lifetime. Guess what? Eh, wrong. Before them, their grandparents, and before them. And we can go back for 2,000 years and realize that every person has felt that Jesus is going to come back in their lifetime. Why would that story be of benefit to God to tell people? Why would you tell people that
that Jesus is going to come back and save them and he's going to defeat all the enemies if that's never going to happen. Now, you might tell well, me... If, ideally to prevent it from happening, bro, but somehow we live fast forward to 2020 what? and everyone's actually wearing an identifier to buy, sell, and trade. Even though atheist people have heard of the mark of the beast and know they would never take it, it's actually being nor- normalized What am I, what am I wearing so, on I my head? I do agree with you. That was one of my critiques. Is everyone, every preacher ever, forever has said, this. oh, he's coming back right now. We're living in the end times. You know. And Christians and are, always and they've already, said it. And they've always picked dates, right? The guy that picked May something, something, 19... You know, these guys have always picked dates. Um, the only one I guess that you should really pay attention to is uh, Isaac Newton. You know that good guy. I think he predicted 2066. So, you know, we haven't got, yeah. quite got there yet. But um, so when I'm reading these things, and, I'm, and just so you know, and then we'll see the nations will see their dead bodies three and a half. Don't you think if this was happening that everybody would immediately believe? Like, well, yeah, say what? And if <laughs> that's the point. Okay, so that's what I'm saying. So if you're telling everybody this is going to happen, but it doesn't happen in anybody's lifetime, why would it be written and read about and and talked about and discussed and preached about for all these generations if it really only matters to people in the future? And I, well, I, I mean, none of us know when these things are going to happen. So, but why sure, would you people thought going back like during that? the persecutions of, of, of Nero and Domitian, let's say, and this would be the amillennialist preterist point of view is like have you ever they would say that these things are all symbolic everything's i'm taking it more literal they would say it's all symbolic and that it was all applicable and they make an interesting case i'll say for some of their arguments not all of them um for these things being fulfilled after you read the historical accounts like josephus talking about the destruction of the temple in 70 a.d and everything that took place back then and they would say well this symbolized this and they would do their best to make a case for it um I'm of the opinion, no, that most of this stuff has not happened yet, and it's going to happen. Does it have to happen on my watch? I don't know. So, do, do you think so? Do you there think are symbolisms smart? that have been coded into it, or do you think most of the things have to be taken completely literally, or have you parsed uh, that? Yeah, the problem with the symbolism idea is when a character doesn't show up to explain it, where's the cipher? Right. How do you do it? To, and who gives you the right problem. to do it? Like, you know, who makes you the authority to say, well, this symbolizes this. Like, this is Brian Godawa's friend of mine. He's a hardcore preterist now. And I'm like, okay, dude, Revelation chapter 9, bottomless pits opened, 200 million chimeric horsemen. (laughs) What Uh the heck is that symbolizing? You're going to tell me these are (laughs) wrong. I'm going to say you're smoking crap. Like, dude, seriously. Or for me, and they ascended up to heaven. They ascended up to heaven in a cloud, and their enemies beheld them. Uh, it can't be symbolism. You have to be talking about a literal person that yeah, ascended to into heaven in a cloud, and then their enemies all beheld them. Or this means nothing. Like, it's complete gibberish. Right. If it's not. So, I mean, the, my whole problem is, and again, you call me jaded or whatever, it's just I've gotten to the point where I've decided it's gibberish because it doesn't match my life. And to spend my life worried about these things is what happened to my mom and what happened to my grandparents. And they got nowhere with yeah, that that's the fault of people programming them to fear that way and and i would i've been in that same environment dude i've been in the same environment especially in the preacher rapture camp people who think the preacher rapture he, jesus is gonna come any second right any second now he's gonna come any second did you, and, did you kind of grow up with that like oh god yeah you yeah, know yeah and mm-hmm. it, what that does for people you know especially as a kid if, if you're taught tomorrow's the end of the world then you're like, then why do right. I need to go to school? Right. It's like the, it's <laughs> yeah. like the boy. It's like the boy who cried wolf. And this is kind of my whole yeah, well, point: is I don't understand why God would authorize this or inspire this text. With what good has it done mankind at all? 
Yeah, yeah but that's was... the that what what you, the stuff you're lamenting is man's fault, not God's fault. The fact that what, none of the things done... that were written in here have come true, and it has caused man many hours of strife and worry and study and and think of the amount of people who have in some way tried to decode Revelation, either in oh, books, what? in writings, <laughs> in speeches, in presentations. Yeah, but in the worry sermons. part, right? Like, like, why are you worrying? What are you worrying about? See, some people do worry worried. because of what the story says, and they don't actually believe the story, and so they need a new fairy tale story crafted for them by the people that actually invert everything about it to make them feel that nothing bad was going to happen. But the fact is you're not worried about it because you know that God is real and he protects you. But they don't want to tell you that part. They want to act like it doesn't exist. And in fact, in those times, if you are to stand up for Yeshua and sacrifice your life for it, you get a special recognition in what people call heaven. So I don't see why people worry other than it's been sold a certain way. I just right, see, so I, I see so much damage. I mean, trillions of you could really trillions of hours of wasted time of prophecy reading and, and trying to figure out what it means and to decipher it and to see if it's symbolic or real all because people think that God wrote it. And to me, it's just, it's, it's people spinning their wheels. Like it doesn't even if this came true, why would we need to decipher it? If this happened, we would see it right in front of us. If any of this stuff happened, it would be obvious. Well, yeah. when it happens, now you know what it is, dude. You know, like if you never read it, how would you even know about it? He's he's warning everyone. You can't say we didn't why? have adequate okay. warning. Like you're saying, it's been here forever. Hold on a second. So when it does happen, hold on a second. That together, maybe is right? important to me and you if we're here for it. What did it matter for the billions of people who lived before us? Well, they just live before us, and everything has this timing that's beyond our comprehension. So but the fact is, the preface warning did exist. But why would they read it? What would it matter to them? What did it matter to my grandmother or my mother that they read Revelation and thought Jesus was going to come back in their time? My mom really kind of thought that let the evil be evil. Jaron, you don't need to worry about people that are lying. You don't need to worry about NASA lying. You don't need to worry about because Jesus will, will in the end make it all right. And he's coming and he's coming in my lifetime and he's going to uh, give us all eternal life in heaven and to me that, that well, is a no lot man of... knows the day or hour man you know we don't know when <laughs> that's a that's what i'm saying that's exactly what you would write in there it's just like when well, jesus says wars well, must happen you, famines man. must happen nations must go against nations guess what those things have been happening every year since yeah. jesus was here every single there's not yep. been one year that has passed since jesus died that those things have not happened Nation against nation, famine, pestilence, war, strife. And Jesus says, don't worry about those things. Those things must happen before I come. So everybody well, is, is just... the beauty of it, though, to be fair, to give it the other side. The beauty of it is it's very intricate with its predictions. And so when these things begin to supposedly happen, Wait, if they don't me... happen exactly like they were predicted, then it's falsifiable. Like the, Okay, so we've already got there. With Israel, then three and a half years, it's gone back, but it's a seven-year treaty that's announced. There's a mark. You can't buy, sell, or trade. Right? Like, there's a whole very specific outline what of mark? predictions. Because people said at first it was the, it was the barcode, because the barcode has 666 in it. So that passed. That's clearly not what they were talking about. And no, like because I, it's not on their wrist or their forehead. So that doesn't even fit the parameters of. So the what prompts. is on my wrist and my forehead today? Nothing, man. It has, you, okay. That's the point. When there is something that you have to take as a mark. So now, do, now you think can't about. Take it. Okay, so now think about the billions of people who lived before you and I, 
who have read this and tried to decipher what is the mark of the beast? Is this the mark of the beast? Is that the it mark can, of the beast? Even if you can't buy or sell? Card or your social security number. Yeah, right? they've said it the whole time. Yeah, but what people, people, you're talking about doctrine of men and the, theoretics, right? But we know what the prophecy itself says is that there's right, a Right, but here's the difference. I'm saying those people have been confused by men. You say those people have been led astray and confused by God. That, that's no, the no, they've been confused by men, by men's doctrine. That's how mean? I was confused. That's why I hated Christianity. What do you mean God wrote this? God, yeah. why did God write this and have my grandmother read it if it meant nothing in her lifetime? What, why would you possibly do that to human beings? What could possibly be the reason to make my grandmother think that there would be a mark of a beast and a number of a man and it's going to happen and she should worry about it? And she went through her whole life probably worried about it, just like people did in 1700 and 1777. I guarantee you in the year 1666, everybody thought the world was going to end. And it, it creates strife over what? Why would that be God's intent? Why would that be his... That wasn't his intent. But he... You, you, you presuppose that God did... He, he put this out there so people would do all these bad things. No, I, I think that it would have to be put out there so we read it, correct? Yeah, so he, if he wants to tell us how... Declare the end from the beginning, tell us how it's going to end, like give us a, you know, a, what's going to happen. Like my wife, she she always wants to find out the end of the movie before it's over. Right. My, I like the journey. <laughs> okay. Like we're watching Lost, you know, the TV series Lost, and and you know people are dying off and lost, and she's freaking out. She's going to look at look up the other seasons to see if this character is still on the box. <laughs> you know, like I right. I just I want to watch the story play out. You know, right? Um, but I, so I just... So we get a story that tells us how it's going to end and what to look for and what to be on guard for. In the meantime, it, what it should compel you to do is not get in fear, but get you to try to live right. Okay. You know, if you, if you knew that God's coming back like tomorrow. But think of all the people who have been looking out for, like you said, what to look for, what to look out for. All those people throughout all of history so far have looked out for and been heeding, waiting for something that never came, correct? Yeah, but that's the thing that's beyond it, it, us, man. There's things in there, like for me, okay, I'll just tell you where I am where I come from on this, is most people tend to ignore Matthew uh, 24, uh, 37, I think it okay, is. Okay, hold where on, Jesus real quick, is, let me just, I just want to make sure that you're on the same page as me here. Would you say that what we're looking at here, this uh, chapter 11, 11 verse 2 through 13, has been useless to every person that has died so far? Yes. There's no other way you can say it hasn't been useless. There's no use in anybody reading these things and thinking that there'll be these two witnesses and guessing who the witnesses might be. And well, it's explaining it's giving you a macro holistic context of what happens in the end, so you understand the whole story. What? Yeah, just because okay. it hasn't happened yet doesn't mean it's useless. It's just it's uh, information you file away and go, okay, this is going to happen someday. But most people I mean, don't file that away and think <laughs> it's going to happen someday. Most people think it's going to happen in their lifetimes. Like I said, if you ask but Christians— But that's, that's a personal thing, right? Like that's sure. what he's saying. It's like that's what men have done. That's what humans have done. And humans always do that. They're arrogant. They always want to think everything's about them. And also we see that with pseudoscience. So why not, that's masquerades right? of science nowadays. They want to actively know well, everything. So but real they don't, prophecy, but that's not sequitur to the information, right? Real prophecy would be 3,000 years from the date of Jesus is death this will happen and that will happen and this will happen i mean well that's started to say is jesus said in matthew 24 37 that as it was in the days of noah so shall it be in the coming of the son of man um, and, and right, but I there, see how that can be an open-ended that's an open-ended prophecy how, wait, how wait. would you ever know listen, it's the time of Noah? listen listen what would that should prompt you to ask the question what differentiates the days of noah from any other time in human history okay because, yes, there's been wars and famines and rumors of wars and earthquakes and all the lists that, you know, because okay. the disciples came to Jesus, hey, what's it going to be like? And he says, well, there's going to be this, that. And most of the things he says 
There has always been. You know, yes, they're going to happen in increasing frequency. Sure, I get that. But but the he puts that one phrase in there as it was in the days of Noah for a reason. So that begs the question, what's going on in the days of Noah? What differentiates the days of Noah from any other time in human history? And we have to keep in mind he lived 950 years, according to the text, 600 years before the flood and 350 years after the flood. And a whole lot of crazy stuff was happening in both of those time periods. But the Is major, it, even though major, even though didn't didn't God just say when I mean, we read it in Enoch that people would only live 120 years? I thought I just read that. But anyway, go ahead. Noah lived well, 900 years. That, that, no, 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 no. That was that, after the fact. I read yeah, it. In, I that, read it in Enoch. That became, that became the cap eventually. Okay. Uh, we, they, they went down from 969 years with Methuselah down to Moses lived 120, and so far, very few, if any, you know, get get beyond that. So the, there's a, I mean, in the in the older in the older version, when you have all the names and all the ages and all the genealogies, uh, you have you could say you have more detail to run with than when you compare it Revelations, correct? I don't where, understand. Where it's kind of well, for instance, like they see these two witnesses that be clothed clothed in sackcloth and. You know, we know who these are, and like they talk about a city, the city. Yeah. Okay. You know, the bodies on the streets, True. and then people rejoicing over them. But it, it's it all kind of seems like a bad trip of you know, something. <laughs> yeah. I I don't know, but I mean, would there be any any possibility that you would say that you, you would say, okay, I you could put cut this off from what you're, you're saying okay this do you actually put this book in this position or no, you, because, you, no, you actually say it's going to happen in the yeah, future they but... have to say that that's the problem they have to say it, rodrigo because if they dare say no this is not correct then they then they are in the position where they can't say any of the bible is correct that's the problem well what i'm saying is can you just do this is what i did i tried to disprove the bible man. Okay, i tried to disprove th- it what we're reading right so, here is disproven that's what right? i did with oh, the globe earth stuff, too dude what I've been what trying to say, and I haven't been yeah, able to finish, days of Noah were differentiated from every other time in human history by the fact of genetic manipulation, genetic tampering, genetic modification. As That's, far as you know now, right? Uh, as, as far as we know from any kind of recorded history, the genetic it was the, gene, the act of genetically modifying organisms that started 120 years before the flood of Noah was the reason for the flood in the first place. Genesis 6:12 said, earth and all flesh had become corrupted. How did all flesh become corrupted? Joshua 4:18 and Jubilee 7:24 tell you in great detail. What did they say? What happened? That men began to blend species together. And that's only been possible and it has only started to happen in our generation. But it says in those words kind of thing. It's, or is it, does it describe how they do it? Like, does it does, say... It, does it tell, you know, he took a test tube and did this you know right that. but there's anything but that's, a, that's, like a, that's a, a key point the fact that they do that right like that's what he's saying Today. is the distinction of that era is that they were doing that now we're just now starting to act like we're going to try to do that again well yeah there's a description in the mahabharata where from a lump that was in a woman's belly for two years uh, that she was supposed to give birth to a hundred sons that lump came out and then uh, one of these sages came on it I said okay because she said you said that i was going to have 100 sons and you can never utter a falsehood and he said yeah this is true and then he get he gets the lump and puts in a hundred different vials with ghee they say which is a kind of butter and then he says well let them stay there and your sons are going to pop out of these <laughs> these vessels that that happens there and then they, so, they, i was like test tube baby do you 
Do you agree that it means it literal when it says Noah was like the pure one left? You mean like pure genetics that hadn't been tampered with? Yeah, it says Noah was righteous in his generations. That that word used there is tamin. It's the same word in Hebrew that's used to describe the pure red heifer without spot or blemish. It's a it's a word used for genetic purity. So he was genetically pure. Right. Uh, it's, a ratio, it's a kind of description of his stock. Yeah, his, kind of... I mean, the word used there indicates that he was genetically pure. And so Wherever were so were the wives of with. his the wives of his sons must have been as well. Uh, well, my thesis says that they weren't. Uh, in uh, it, it says that uh, Noah married Naama, who was the daughter of Enoch, and we know Enoch was r so righteous God took him. So he, you know, it stands to reason his wife was pure. So uh, I look at that, and it's a reasonable assumption, I believe that Noah and his wife both were genetically pure, therefore his three sons had to be pure. But we'll note that the wives don't show up until Genesis 6, 18, which comes after 12, and 12 said earth and all flesh had become corrupted. Mm -hmm. So if that's the case, then the three wives, at least in my mind, are suspect. Because um, we'll notice also that none of their siblings or parents or any other relatives made it onto the ark either. Right, so then you everybody's know. corrupted, even today. No. No, 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 because if you do a genetic Punnett square on that, if you have a 100% pure male, even if you have a 50-50%, you know, 50% corrupted female, you still have a 50-50 chance of producing a 100% normal child. Mm, I don't know what does that, that mean? What What is genetic corruption things, for you? What do you, what do you, what do you mean by this? Like, how, how do I know if I'm genetically corrupted or not? Well, it's whatever, whatever was modified, whatever they were doing in gen, you know, Josh 418, mm -hmm. Manipulated, like, that's... Yeah, how I believe that DNA is the book of life that Scripture talks about, your name being written in the book of life, and that our bodies were created in the image and likeness of God, and, you know, he created everything, etc. Those are the, the original kinds that he encoded in DNA for each whatever, species, animal, whatever you want to call it, uh, creation. But when men started getting in there and messing that, genetic code up then you end up with the corruption of all flesh so uh, and, and that's so like the genetically modified mosquitoes that they're releasing in florida is that kind of a sign then it could be yeah in my mind this is the beginning so, so in my mind i would say prior to i don't know maybe 20 years ago we couldn't take uh we couldn't think we were in the last days. Let me put it that way, according to Matthew 24, 37. So despite the fact that my parents are the same as Jaren's, Jaren's parents, grandparents, they, all of them. My mom, I just had a conversation with my mom the other day. She said, you know, I've always believed she's coming back in my lifetime. And she's looking at the signs of the times and everything that's going on in the world today. And, you know, for her, she thinks any day now, you know. Um, mm. I don't think any generation prior to the current one that we're living in right now could say that they were as the days of Noah because we've only had the ability to scientifically do what we're doing to genetically modify organisms the way we are for a few decades now. So Yeah, very intriguing, dude. So so um, do you combine that with the idea of taking the genetics of this body of Gilgamesh they supposedly found in the desert mm. um, to trying to basically recreate him? Do they use the same yeah. thing to try and bring him back? Yeah, that, that, that's what I was talking about, the image of the beast, and I begin to wonder. Again, this is speculation. It's not thus days of the Lord. There's no scripture that says this. But when 
when I read the scripture that does say that the, that they give life to the image of the beast, I began to wonder if that couldn't be a description of taking either the carcass that was pulled out of the desert in 2003, that was supposedly, according to the accounts, in a remarkable state of preservation, or taking the genetic material from it and then creating a clone. I don't know. Uh, but it certainly seems plausible that we can see a literal fulfillment of those scriptures today that could not have been possible prior to the advent of the science like CRISPR technology and things like that. Right. Isn't that crazy too, to think about the idea of how all of a sudden we're super interested in Afghanistan, the middle East, and then supposedly they found this and there's a scripture or something to the effect, if I'm not mistaken, that's like, they'll say, look over here in the desert, but do not look. Right. Um, look, look over here. I found him or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, if he says, uh, "Behold, he's in the desert. Don't go there." You know, "Behold, he's in the secret chambers. Don't believe him." And yeah, the yeah, secret chamber, the secret chamber of Osiris found in 1999, mm. and then you, the carcass pulled out of the desert in 2003. And the first thing our troops did, okay, April 2003, they find the body of Gilgamesh. Then we set up the mil our troops went in there, set up the military occupation phase, built the largest embassy anywhere of like 53,000 people or something like that. Crazy. First thing our troops did was raid the museum of Baghdad mm -hmm. and something like 150,000 items were stolen. Most of them uh -huh. were, yeah, they went straight for the Babylonian stuff. Yeah. But the 3000 <laughs> items that were never recovered, mm -hmm. those items you know, they're on the docket, you know, and they, when they're taking inventory, the ones mm -hmm. that were missing were cuneiform tablets dealing with yeah. resurrection in the afterlife. Dealing with what? Resurrection in the afterlife. Hmm. Mm. Wow. So, that's probably just a coincidence. Talk you know, right? yeah, about some crazy. So, can you, can, Rob, can you give me in your in your opinion? Because everything I've ever heard from any Catholic or priest, and uh, people, you know, fail to realize that I worked with priests for years and years, and and knew them as friends, and talked to them, and, and I couldn't get any good answers out of them. And uh, you know, my wife's family, Bible believing Christian, couldn't get good answers out of them. W what do you think is According to your research and Bible study, what happens when we die? So as far as the people that have already died, um, you know, whether or not they are sleeping or whether they're in another place now. And mm -hmm. what do you think happens uh, as far as there being a heaven? Um, or like you said, you think that there'll be a city that will come down uh, on Earth, 1500 miles square or whatever. And then what will happen there? There'll be a... Uh, you know, a bunch of people that are good servants of the Lord that will be living in that city, and will they be able to have more children, and will they be married? You know, that kind of thought. W what happens to people when they get yeah. there? You, you asked a lot of questions there. Sorry. Um, <laughs> I know, I was just kept going. Okay, so really, yeah. The, yeah, summary, just what happens to people when they die? What happened to those that are dead already, and what's going to happen to us? In your mind. My, you, my, my you know. views are, you know, in my mind, let me just say my views are changing. Mm -hmm. Um you know, since 2000, well, 2010, but certainly ramping up in 2015, you know, I've had a lot of paradigm shifts like many of us have you know, as far as right. how we think we understand things. Um, and, and this is one of them. Um, I interviewed a guy named Lex Meyer who wrote a book called Immortal. And he has a much different take than many people in Christianity does. And I'm leaning, I'm not saying I'm fully committed, but I'd say I'm leaning in his direction. And, and actually I believe for a long time that like, when I die, that whenever the resurrection is, we're all going to get resurrected at the same time. Okay. So, you know, somebody who died hundreds of years ago, we're both going to wake up at the same time. Right. So, so that we're not in the same place. There's nobody, like, whoever died hundreds of years ago, 
I don't know that they're in a place consciously aware of anything. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Uh, again, I'm not 100% on this because the, the story of Lazarus and the rich man kind of trips me up in that regard. And I question Lex on it too, because the story of Lazarus and the rich man uh, that Jesus told, I mean, you, you got a dude in torment and another dude in what was called Abraham's bosom or paradise, where this idea that Hades had three compartments, right? You had this paradise and there's a great chasm separating people in paradise from the other place of torment. And below that was Tartarus, the prison of the gods. Um, but my understanding is when Jesus died, he, he, he liberated all that. What does that look like? What does that mean? I don't know. <laughs> Frankly, I don't really know. Some would say that's what they call the first fruits of the resurrection. That, when we see the story that Mary sees Jesus in the morning, you know, after he's risen from the dead and he says, don't touch me because I haven't yet ascended to my father. Then later on, he's like, yeah, go ahead, put your finger in the, you know, the holes, whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so at some point between the time that he met with his disciples or between the time he rose from the dead and the time he met with his disciples, he went to heaven and then came back. Mm-hmm. Then he's walking through walls and doing all kinds of stuff. So, and he's not, uh, not really recognized for some reason either. Well, and yeah, that's true. On the road to Emmaus, these two guys, they don't really recognize them. There could be various reasons for that. but And one of the disciples, right, didn't recognize him either, I thought, in the... In the well, Tom di- doubted. Yeah. You know, he, he didn't believe. and you know, the, the, Oh, he didn't recognize him at the shore when he was fishing. Right. Well, yeah, that from a distance, that was Peter, and they see this dude on the shore, and he says, yeah, cast your nets on the other side, whatever. Um, so so there's all that. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm of the opinion that those compartments were probably liberated. Something happened that changed all that. Um, so I don't know that, you know, grandma died and went to the same place the rich man or, or the, or the Lazarus went. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I couldn't say. Um, I, when you read revelation chapter 20, it says that that's the first resurrection. I mean, how many first resurrections can you have? Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. And this is the problem I have with pre-trib rapture people is they believe that there's two second comings. It comes once kind of secretly in the clouds and zaps everybody up like Superman. And then he comes back and wipes everybody out in Armageddon. I'm like, well, there's only two second comings. I mean, there's how many, how many, there's only one second coming. How can, how many times can you twice, right? Uh, how many last Trumps are there? He's going to come at the last Trump. You know, you can't say he's going to come at the last Trump, and then there's going to be seven trumpet judgment, and then a judgment when he com- trumpet when he comes back. You know, how can you say last Trump with eight more Trumps? I mean, the whole pre-trib rapture thing is a big mess. If you just let it say what it says that th- there's a first resurrection, well, that happens after everything. And so, if that's the case, and that seems to be the understanding that the first century people had uh, of death, like from when Lazarus was dead, and and he's like, yeah, you know, he's going to live. And then, well, yeah, I know he'll live in the resurrection, but, you know, and Jesus intentionally waited four days, you know, since he had died before he rose him from the dead. So I don't know, man. I, where do people go? I, I think we go to sleep. I agree. I think the same thing personally in that we're all resurrected at the same time. There's a resurrection and that there's a singular judgment day. I think that's another one of the things you can add to the long list of things that they manipulated and basically inverted. Hmm. Yeah, for me, it's a totally different thing from what I studied, uh, what I see is what it seems to be the case. There's lots of studies now coming out uh, on on this, on different ways that people have looked into spiritual beings. And it seems to be that we survive uh, and we we retain consciousness, but we but our bodies are in a different in a different realm. And, it, and in some cases, we might be locked into if we 
if we haven't resolved issues on 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 the earth, we might be locked here, and yeah, it's so not ask, a good thing. I was gonna and, ask and, and I believe I believe you actually come back. So I mean, I'm in that camp. <laughs> yeah, and a lot of people do think that maybe you know there's some stories of that. But Rob, you have no no reincarnation at all. No, no. Um, uh, you know, as a videographer, it's like have camera, we'll travel. You know, I used to get hired a lot to do right. all kinds of different things. And one time I got hired to videotape, uh, it was a new age seminar and it was all about uh, reincarnation and past lives and stuff like that. And, and they were the primary thesis that the speakers that I was there to record were talking about deja vu being proof of past life. No, no, no. But and, I, I, you know, I, we all went out to eat one day, uh, you know, that same day for lunch and they were all talking amongst themselves and they looked over at me and they said, okay, you know, you're kind of an outsider here. We're interested in your take on it. What do you think about this? I said, well, personally, I think it's all a load of crap. <laughs> and they said, they said, well, why? I said, well, you're saying deja vu is proof of past life. And yet I deja vu about things that didn't exist prior to my birth. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know? I, don't, I don't think deja vu is, is what I was thinking in terms of the why thing for I me think is that I just, way. But... I really wish I could go and investigate it, but I've seen so many stories of you know young children who remember things. And again, it could be, again, we we're lied to on yeah, so many levels. There's a, there's a book called When Biology and Reincarnation Intersect. It's by a prof, an American guy that you find all these children that have memories from dying in a particular circumstance in some other village in different places in India and other places. And where they also have a mark on their bodies where they they suffer the injury injury and they remember people. Yeah, like anytime the Catholic Church does something, you just go look at the exact opposite. Right, so well, these aren't Catholic things. Purgatory, <laughs> saying no, people I just, that you gotta come pay for this. Like, there's crazy stories, and again, purgatory. could it be completely fake? Yeah, but there's stories of children who have told their parents at the age of two or three a certain person's name, or call, said, "I have a sister, and this is their name." And the parents are like, "What is this kid talking about?" They do a little research, they find this person by that name, and the child even knows a secret that only that sister knows. Like. You many know, many such cases. Yeah, yeah, such a now again, could those all be lies? Yeah, I'm certainly not saying I believe them all. I just wish I could research that because I think it would be so unbelievable to find out that yeah, sometimes uh, we do for whatever reason have to. Uh, the other know, the other things even plan. I know even from indigenous cultures when you have an anthropology that has nothing to do with this. The, the anthropology does not even study religion or anything. They just uh, interview someone in Africa about their life story in an Aboriginal community in the Kung. And 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 you hear you know this woman is telling her story is one of the first actual books that actually tells the story of a woman like this, and her whole life and then she says yeah when once I was very sick, in my my hut because he's a nomadic uh, hunter gatherers, and my brother showed up in spirit he had died, and he showed up and he said you need to be healed from this and the way you get healed is that you go to the to the elders and ask them to sing this song that has been forgotten from that is this particular song they will remember and they'll sing for you and you get healed and she she tells a story and that's what happened she talked to the elders they sang this song and she got healed <laughs> but it, it, it's just you know it has nothing to do it's not a religious study it's like somebody coming to her and say tell me stories about spirits did you see it right. and you know, she maybe she could have invented it, but it comes in a context where it's completely, you know, not the purpose of the person asking the question at all. It just comes out as a story, something she remembers that, that was important for her because you would remember that, right? If you see the ghost of your brother saying, or, or it was kind of in a dream, she was kind of half asleep and then she clearly saw him. So I, I know people 
in, in my family, for instance, that believe that they receive certain kinds of communications with their parents and dead people and so on. In, in Brazil, it's really quite common. So I don't know. Maybe I'm ensnared in my own culture that it is something there ah. that, but, you know, I... You never know. Whatever. A I'm not a fan of the talking to the... I don't know. Because I, I personally have experience where I it's, do say it's I told you guys like you, where yeah, I think there are not, physical... But, there are but dude, when instances. you're drinking and you're using a Ouija board, is very different than when you're, you're you're praying for yourself, when you're thinking somebody that you really love, that you, you have memories with, and all of a sudden that person uh, makes a presence known and says something in your mind. And, and it's very different than using a Ouija board to, to make sure, a Fair enough, it. fair enough. It's it's very different. Uh, so, well, uh, there's something real there. So I don't dispute that part. We're not. I don't have any contention with that, right? It's just I don't know, man. They, you know, they try to tell us these these things, and anytime the mainstream pushes these narratives, you gotta look at it twice, man. And and I'm and when I bring up the Catholic Church, I mean it like literally. A good way is to look at the exact conversion because I think that's why they talk about Peter. He's infamous for denying Christ, and they took everything and literally sent it backwards. It's actually Luciferianism, right? If you will, it's actually the inversion, and they they're telling you about this little setting of the afterlife. We got to figure things out, uh, but maybe just yeah, go to rest like, so everyone is, wakes up. This is really up. not what I'm just told you. The story I told you is not cultish has nothing to do with any kind of cult or new age belief or anything whatsoever it's like a an anthropologist collecting a life story it, it really has nothing yeah, to do with that but i, I but, but but you've got a point because i was saying in the beginning you know jean de Deus was this big uh, jean of god right he was this big uh, person in brazil who was a healer or whatever and he was selling he was involved in the worst kind of things that, that, that we know of. And he was uh, one of these spiritualists, right? Who's claiming that he's doing all these things. Well, that happens all the time. And, and that, and that is a, there was a huge blow for a lot of people there. But it is, you know... Well, you, just look at the priests of the Catholic Church and see what happens. I mean, these people have taken advantage of people who are, you know... Uh, trust them and it's just you know i mean you can look at any any organization is going to have a situation like that i mean look at the boy scouts same thing happened to them but, you know people need to be weary when you've got guys saying i want to be in charge of these you know 13 boys yeah. and i mean we need to you know or the priest saying i want to spend it's my kind life of with summer that. camp culture right. where you you give you you i mean you let your boy go in this freaking summer camp you don't know what's going on there I mean, at the least, it's interesting, right? Like it says that we go to rest, and everyone wakes up at the same. Everyone's risen at the same time. There's a singular judgment day. Everyone was taught the opposite of that. Everyone was taught different than that. It just seems weird. It's just like this reoccurring theme that keeps getting brushed off. And for me, when I finally boiled down, I was like, I'm gonna be honest with myself, detached from this predisposition of religion from my family, and thus my disgust for it, basically. And when I looked at it, that right there, that reoccurring theme continued to happen. Yeah, there's, but a there's a very for undeniable, that, right? indisputable, concerted effort to manipulate what it actually says, what it actually tells you is going to happen or is Absolutely. going on, and I'll does happen, and they lie about it. I'll agree with that. They lie all day. I mean, they, they told people, they told you flat out, just be good in this life and you go to heaven. That's what they told people. They just left it at that. And nobody really wants to explore, well, how would heaven work? How, how exactly could this? I mean, I, I still struggle with that one. I would love to to know, and that's why I think maybe um, you know, there's another plane of existence after this one i've often thought well could it be somewhere where you know like right now we have no memories of anything that happened in the past uh and we're kind of on a testing ground and i think in in the next um emanation if you will or the next uh, creation 
uh, we get to try with a little more knowledge of what happened the previous time. And only those who pass the test move on. Um, those who don't sleep forever. I don't really believe in a hell because I think uh, eternal damnation is, is not really... Um, I don't think it's that's what's needed for somebody who had a bad life. You could they just go to sleep and they never wake up again, and that's that's punishment enough, I think. Because those who do appreciate life and do love liberty and do love God and do love the creation and recognize that and know that this is a creation. I mean, God, signs of God are all around us. It, it, there's no way you have to really turn your back on those signs of creation. Um, to, and yeah, I think it's obvious. I mean, like any, every fruit, every tree, I mean, every fruit Absolutely. we can eat. I mean, how many are there? It's incredible. Right. You know, natural selection made, uh, you know, banana or, or a passion fruit or something like this or apple or whatever. I mean, it just doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, oh, it's so unbelievable. Yeah, there's so uh, many evidence. It's of just, uh, yeah. So, there's, I mean, and, and, and just so more. people know, I mean, I love Rob. Rob and I have had some you know, great conversations, and you're always very cordial to me, Rob, and, and uh, you never get upset when I get <laughs> on my high horse <laughs> about a subject. I really appreciate that because, uh, again, a lot of people would just get beyond frustrated with what I've said. And mm -hmm. I think Rob's a great person to run these things by because he's really the kind of Christian that I think sh people should be. I mean, you should have... A foundation and stand on it and he kind of does that and the book is his foundation and he believes that it is inspired um but mm -hmm. I, I thought it was and, interesting and rob, rob has looked across many different kinds of, and he's went he's gone into the hebrew and the greek king it's not it's not yeah oh he's gone deeper than anybody i know and, and yeah it's not that easy of a, of a thing what he's he's done in the no, so it's many been years his life's work i mean that's right you know, i mean if there's yeah. anybody i'm going to go to and ask questions to and run things by um, because I think there's also, you know, and the other thing is when Rob said earlier that he, uh, his opinions are changing. You know, I grew up with a lot of Catholic priests that were not at all like that. Um, that their opinions do not ever change, basically, because they believe in the Holy Fathers from the beginning. And, I mean, you know, these guys don't even believe in the Bible for whatever reason. And I think it's because <laughs> they basically know that it was changed by them, or you know, around 300 and... Um, so they, you know, they t when you say, "Oh, was the creation story real?" Well, not really. You know, it's more. So I mean, I grew up with that, um, which was weird. And then I, because I wanted the Bible, I want the Bible. I really do want the Bible to be true, because it makes sense to me that we would have some sort of book. But then again, just like I talked about, I, I read Revelation, I read other books, and I'm just like, I, I maybe I, I feel a fool in the fact that I had family that believed it and if and they believed it wholeheartedly and i don't know what it did for them now again will they be rewarded in some way i hope so and um but i, I really don't think it comes down to i don't know I, I don't want to say that i don't know what it comes down to but i do think it's important god would care more about you being a good person and not hurting others and believing in the two commandments of jesus and uh, love god love your neighbor and you know do right by people and don't steal and do all those things but i also think you don't want to just be complacent and say okay i'll just sit back and be good and wait for jesus to come i think that's a terrible <sighs> terrible way to look at life but i understand those who do so i mean you know that's all i can say is i totally get people who do um and yeah, it's I, it's complicated. How do you know when Jesus is actually Jesus, and and how do you because it, there's also the story of the isn't it like a fake Jesus also to come the the Nimrod and that he comes to right and a deceiver. Or it, something. It, I mean, one comes first and the other, right? So we but the beast could also 
or couldn't it already be here? Couldn't it be the financial system, all these wars we have and all that stuff? Or how do you know exactly the stage you're in, in, in the narrative of this kind of apocalyptic narrative, right? That transforms everything and then you get this resurrection of the dead. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's complicated. How do you get the proof for this resurrection? You know, it's in a way, it's, it's way, as you say, it, it boils down to what you believe uh, and, you know, how far you're willing to go and how open you might be for some changes and how, how even, you know, change might or might not be possible for certain things for every, and that's fine. You know, I think it, that everybody's got to go at their own at their own pace with what they what they want what they know and what they feel passionate for i think and you know difference is good i think right uh, and that's that's what free will is all about that people can learn to disagree especially because you know well that's what i think is the, the number one rule of this existence is free will uh, and that's, again, based only on my experiences and my life, and that's all we can go off of. And so to me, that's the greatest gift you could be given. So when there's anything that, invo that involves changing that, like I don't believe Satan can come and fool you. You, you have to be um, open to all that. You have to welcome demons, right? No demon can come overtake your life. Why? Because you are you're a free will being. Um, that's why, to me... When I say demons don't exist, devils don't exist, the reason I say that is because since I believe that, they don't. Now, it doesn't mean that they can't. Uh, if somebody believes in that and goes down that road and, and uh, messes with the occult, uh, is mm. there demons in their life? Sure. To me, they simply don't exist. The devil does not exist. He can't fool me or trick me in any way because I don't welcome it. Um, and to me, that's the gift of free will. I mean, and I can choose to go do anything I want. And you can, I don't think God reaches in. That's why, I, you know, a lot of prayer is a little bit iffy to me uh, because free will. And we live in these meat suits, these bodies, these vessels, and prayer won't really help a lot of things. I mean, yeah, can, can I pray for strength in a job interview? Absolutely. Because I'm not impacting anybody's free will there. So I go and I'm giving myself more strength and I'm going be focused in this job and whatever. So you can do that. But you can't pray for the healing of somebody who's sick. Because why? Because I, don't know. I don't know. I don't, know. I don't, I don't think you can. I, I don't think it helps. I, and if that were the yeah, case. Yeah, it couldn't, couldn't. It doesn't have to. We, there's some stories. You know, There's the story of Aben Alexander. There's a neurosurgeon who from Harvard and whatnot who had a catastrophic brain disease. Uh, and he was just about, he was going to die, like almost on the same day that, that they got the disease. And he was a specialist on this. His brain was basically melting. <laughs> and he uh, he had a, one of those... Near-death um, experiences? What do you call it? The, yeah, he, he, no, he did, yeah, he did have a near-death experience. He died, apparently. And he had a recovery, like a full recovery, like a miraculous recovery. And he talks about it, these lectures about it. And he says that at some point he gives all these experiences that happened when he was uh, supposedly dying. And he heard his son praying for him at some point. He heard a connection uh, that was being made through right. maybe this resonance. At, okay, so let's look at evidence, uh, though. So how many people laid in their deathbed? Not sure. He doesn't say that was the reason for the cure, though. No, but how many but people he says laid the in their deathbed? How many people have laid in their deathbed with people praying over them, praying oh, yeah. deeply and died? Definitely. 
Right. So, I mean, yeah, definitely. The, the, one of the explanations for, from from some of the Brazilian spiritualists, for instance, is that sometimes that that's what it is. That's what that's the the what, what's meant to happen is that you die at that time. And that's well, I've I've prayed <laughs> and had things happen where people will just have to do mental gymnastics and either say that I'm lying or say that it's just a crazy coincidence, even to so far an extent that like my subconscious was able to manifest that coincidence right after a prayer and that's happened to me that happened to me two times within one week and that's what really started the whole i need to re-examine this this is seems like something very real not something to just mess around with or mm -hmm. hand wave dismiss and that's the god's honest truth and i can go in detail it just takes a minute you know but i mean prayer is real man because I've had it physically manifest, right? Okay, so let me will. just ask you. You don't have so. to tell me the prayer, but just tell me this. Did your prayer impact anybody's free will? My guess would be absolutely no. Why? Because no. that's well, the kind of prayer. Well, what I did was I prayed. Okay. Um, Interesting. To skip, out the, to skip out the long one before it, but the next time in the same week, I was went to a park to pray, and I had not read the Bible since the other situation. And because um, I'd never read it before that. Anyway, in a long time, I'm praying. I say, dear Lord, please help me apply um, apply discipline to my convictions. Right. And that was like the entire prayer. And then uh, I said, amen. I opened up the Bible, dude, and I opened it up um, to a, a verse in Psalms. And the pages were kind of stuck together. And my thumb was under the top page. And so the last time I had done it, I went, went straight to the top left page, you know. That's the other story. And then, so anyway, I went to the top left and it was in the middle of a verse. And I was like, okay, well, my finger is technically on the other one. It's stuck together to understand the context of the verse. I'll open it up and go back to the bottom. I read bottom and in the entirety of that, that verse, which is just like two, two lines or whatever, right? It says, um, those, um, you know, who don't adhere discipline despise themselves or something to that effect. Um, specifically saying, discussing discipline and so if you are to look at the po the statistical possibility of that it's very 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 unlikely and, and i do think and, those are signs those are signs well, and i think I rob, rob skiba's had i'm thinking of a, something and i open the page and and i find something exactly related to it's kind of like hearing a note and then looking at a piano and hitting it uh, without thinking, and that right. that that can happen. It's a kind There's of a seventeen hundred page book, right? And I opened yeah. it up, right to where if you go to the top left, which is you begin to read a page when you look at it, it was in the middle of a verse. But coincidentally, the pages were stuck together, and my thumb was under that one anyway. So I pulled it open and went to the bottom right, as opposed to back to the top left of the page I normally just open up to. Went to read the middle of the verse, and it, uh, my prayer was literally that short. Dear Lord, please help me apply dis or, uh, discipline to my convictions. And then it literally says how important discipline is right in that verse. Out of a 1,700-page Bible, you could say it's just coincidence, but I don't. that seems much, much more. I'm not saying you I, are. I'm saying for me, I'm saying the perspective is that's not even a viable option, right? So then someone said to me, well, it's like your subconscious knew or something. And this is in the same week of when... I'll just say it. I felt like I felt like a guy was telling me that we're we're approaching the end, and he wants to use me to tell people or something. I thought it sounded crazy. I was like, I'm a crazy person. Wouldn't go away. I said a prayer about it. The next day, I opened up the Bible straight to Ezekiel 38, and uh, literally where it started at the top left page, same 1700 page Bible. Then fast forward the week later, it's the story I just told you. If I'm gonna honestly, as just an honest person, if I'm gonna compile compile both of those statistical odds 
from the prayers, which were both short and very specific and direct, to physically manifest the two single times I opened up the Bible, both specific to the prayers, to, to say that it's just a coincidence, I feel like I'm just being super dishonest, you know? And, and, it, and it got, it was so real to me that it's like, I have to, uh, like, out of necessity, examine this sincerely with, you know? So. Yeah, I don't think it's a basis, People get royal I, flushes I, I, and stuff. Yeah, I would compare, I would compare this, for instance, with uh, something I've done more than once, which is playing the Yijing, playing the Yijing uh, and getting the same hexagram for for the, the, the same symbol, which is like uh, is nature symbols that form 64 hexagrams that have uh, meaning in ancient Chinese. But uh, I got the exact same combination, which is the, the astronomical uh, <laughs> as well, uh, possibilities for being by chance. And uh, I had a friend, a Chinese friend, who didn't believe it. He was more, much more skeptical. He didn't think that your intuition could pull things for you when you ask for it. If if that's you know your motto. I, he was so is my subconscious so strong it made me just happen to open up the uh, seventeen hundred page book right to where it said that twice in one week. No, I think those are signs. Yeah. Sometimes those be, are signs. It could be your your mind. It could be it's way more more powerful than we, we even know like what what it, i don't know exactly what it is what what i can tell you is that my friend who's chinese and this is kind of a chinese thing i'm telling him this is not random you know he's like no 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 this, this doesn't work la, 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 la. And, I, and i said okay it, when you throw the the coins or however is it you play it you know it's not random because it, it has to it's gonna land according to how you drop it it's your movement your free will to throw it asking whatever question it, it is that that makes it fall in a certain pattern. And then he started using it in some ways and he was blown away with some of the, the answers he got because it's so bang on sometimes that you're like, what the heck is going on here? Like so much so that when I was telling you that happened to me and I document this because I, I make, I have to draw it down, I can put a date on it. But when I draw it, when I did it once, it's like, I can't believe this is the answer. And I throw it again, and it isn't the same freaking things. It, and it, when you understand it, because the book of changes, there's also a line that mutates and gives you another thing to read. And these things are, they're evocative. They're kind of, you know, it's not a horoscope. It's a little bit more than that. But they, it's, they don't give you the answers unless you have a question, or you have something in yourself that you can, you can answer yourself something. It's a very odd way of <laughs> dealing with intuition and with nature in the form of its kind of binary code and it has a 64 numerology in it. It's quite, it's quite interesting. Some people dismiss it, but you know, from, from my experience, it, it re reminded me of what you're saying that that can happen when you seek a connection to whatever it is that you believe uh, and, and you will find the answers and you, uh, you know, it's, that's why I think, you know, prayer is something that, has been studied in so many different ways. I see it as a kind of resonance, and I see that people have similar ways of feeling and thinking, that they draw drawn to one another in a way, to somehow to teach each other, to do something together. I don't know why. I don't know why like, we need the people that we need. Purity of intention causes actual hey, results. Hey, I, I want to ask Rob a question. Hey, Rob, I, I've interviewed Bishop Larry Gators a couple of times. How did you get involved with him, and what do you think about the bishop, my guy? <laughs> Um, yeah, I've heard him on a few shows and he was on with Chris Bailey, uh, and Chris texted me after they did their interview and said that, Hey man, listen, I just did a sh show with Larry and, 
uh, he, he likes your stuff. He'd love to be in contact with you. Can I give him your number? I said, sure. So that's how we connected. Um, and I had him on my show. I, I think the problem with the bishop, uh, with all due respect, I think he's an, a genius. Uh, I think he's really smart and he doesn't necessarily know how to articulate what he's trying to say in a linear fashion so the rest of us who are not on his page can understand <laughs> like when i interviewed him on my show it was like the first half of it the first hour of the show i didn't really get much of what he said because it seemed like i'm much more linear i want to take you on a progression i want to take you on a story and it's felt to me like he was just jumping around all over the place but i think the guy just is a wealth of information in fact he's on he's on right now on take on the world well, I like him a lot, but uh, I, he wouldn't ever answer my questions about the moon landing. I think he might believe he went to the moon. Did you talk to him about it? Uh, as far as I understand, he's still in the old cosmological frame of mind, but he seems like a searcher. I just think you know he's been so busy researching other things that this hasn't been on his radar to take the time to look at it. He, you know, the, the, the last few shows that I was aware of him being on, including mine, he was with Flat Earthers. So, you know, he... Yeah, he's done my show twice. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely a flat earth adjacent for sure because he's so, you know, all of his occultic stuff, it, it kind of breeds that, you know, flat gets, earth mentality. He really does. It's. it's just, I, I wish that he could articulate in a way that everybody else can get on the same page with him easier because even the people in the chat room, they were like, I don't know what he's talking about. I'm like, yeah, I don't really either. <laughs> well, it's but, a little vague. Yeah, it's a little vague. And a lot of like the dots that he connects are confusing as heck. Yeah, you you got to know what he knows to get what he's talking about, you know? Oh, I know. He's a wild one to talk to. And it's been a pleasure talking to you today. I really enjoyed this stream. I learned a lot. So what, what's his stake? Like, if you can boil it down, like, what would you say? Because I, no, I have no familiarity with all we do. Bishop Larry Gators is like, a, he's like an expert into uh, the occultic and like the black boule. The, that's the uh, black Illuminati. And like the, to them, the boules. The 13 families from the 13 Ivy League schools, when they created um, the Illuminati from Adam Weishaupt in 1776, they created a black version, too, called the Boulets, and, like, Jay-Z's in it, and, you know, supposedly Beyonce's in it. So he's, like, an expert in that, and he's an expert in the Kobe Bryant. He talks about all the symbology with Kobe Bryant dying. So he's, dude, he's wild. He's out there in the left field, deep left field. So, you know, you got you to gotta really be dialed into what he's saying to even understand it. Yeah. Yeah, I was listening to you guys talking about uh, prayer, and I, I know for a fact that there's power in prayer, and, and especially like, the power of the praying mother. Uh, man, um, there, there is definitely something going on there beyond just human intent manifesting stuff. Uh, uh, but I'm with Jaron. Your prayers, whatever you're praying for, can't involve something that would in some way influence the free will of another. Right. And like I really had to learn that the hard way when I was going through my divorce. Uh, there was one night she was out and about doing whatever she was doing, and uh, I had found something in a, in a card and everything. And I had this Bible that I'd given to her when we first met, and I we were in separate rooms at this point, and there was a bathroom between my bedroom and where she was, and I I put all that in the kitchen. I mean, on the bathroom sink, I had it all set up in, in a certain way. So she, because I knew whenever she came home, she was going to have to wash, wash up before she went to bed and she would see all that. And my only prayer was, Father, please like have her come in and talk to me for five minutes. That's it. That's all I'm asking for. Five minutes. That's it. Just let, me, let her see all this stuff and feel convicted or whatever and come into the room and talk to me for five minutes. 
And I heard her come in, go in the bathroom, so I knew she was in there, saw it, and then I heard her shut the light off, shut the door, and go in the other room. And I was pissed. I'm like, well, that's just great. You can create the whole universe in six days. You can have my wife talk to me for five minutes. Thanks a lot, God. You know, I was pretty upset about it. Um, Then the next day, I was at work, and I was having a real hard time with everything that was going on. Anyway, my boss comes in and said, hey, uh, there's somebody on the phone asking for me, and he said my full name. And I'm like, well... No one would call me that except for government, <laughs> you know, something. What am I in trouble? You know, uh, as I pick up the phone, anyways, this guy that now this is 2002 and I met this guy 10 years prior in 1992. Um, and you know, he's pretending to, you know, like he's not giving me his name, you know, but some of the things he's saying, I'm like, wait a minute, Frank. He's like, yeah, man, how you doing? I'm like, oh my God, like, how did you find me? Like I'd moved around a few times. I've been at numerous jobs and here's this guy I hadn't seen in a decade lives in New Mexico, calling me in Massachusetts. And I'm like, what the heck, man? How in the world? And he said, there's the weirdest thing. He says, last night I was I was moving and I had some boxes and stuff. And anyway, I was putting some stuff away. And, and the invitation to your wedding, which was like seven and a half years prior, I mean, who keeps that, right? He, it was in a box and it fell out on the floor. And he looked at it and he said, yeah, I wonder what Rob's doing. And he made it his mission the next day to find me. And he looked me up. I'm like, dude, what time did that happen? And the time that he told me that that card fell out of the box that prompted him to call me was the exact same time that I was begging God that <laughs> that my soon-to-be ex-wife would talk to me. Um, and Frank became like my, like he was my support man. When I want to put a bullet on my head, this guy was there for me. Like he became the guy that surely was there 24-7 and helped me get through the most difficult time in my life. You know, so he God didn't answer my prayer like the way that I wanted it because it would affect would have required the affecting of her free will, which he wasn't going to do. Right. But regardless of whatever was coming, he put a support person in my life that was there for me. And it's not a coincidence that that happened at the exact time. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And I could tell millions of stories like that. Uh, you know, and as far as healing goes, it's been my experience that prayers for healing that's kind of a crapshoot, man. Like, you know, I don't, I don't see a whole lot of times where that really happens. You know, you're no, begging I don't for see it either. It's just because your your body is either going to continue working as it's designed, or you've done some damage to it, or it's got some sort of damage and it's on its way out. You know, praying for, uh, oh my grandpa's heart is bad, and I hope he lives a little bit longer. Yeah, like you said, it's a crapshoot. I really don't think God then reaches in and says, okay, I'm going to let this person live for an additional two years. It's just not because then you pray again and he lives two more. I just don't think that's how it works. Now, again, like Rob said, it is possible that by praying for um, maybe support or understanding or something in that, you know, that maybe somebody does come into your life that can help you through a tough time when you're. I I had that happen to me, man. I had that happen to me very similar. Yeah. Similar to to Rob saying when I was in a kind of not a good time in my life and and that uh, and something similar happened when i had this kind of similar conversations <laughs> rob was having with similar kind of frustrations but so uh and 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 something happened and something did happen in, in my life did change so <laughs> i mean something's going on yeah I, i've seen when it comes to healing that 
you know, John, I think it's 1412 says, Jesus says, anyone who believes in me will do the same works that I've done and even greater works. I'm going to be the father with the father. And it's well, we could debate the greater works. I don't know what that means. You know, what, what does that mean? Let's get the first part right. Do the same works. Well, uh, you know, for me, it's like, okay, if I'm going to accept that, then, you know, first John chapter two tells me that I need to walk even as he walked. How did he walk? He walked in perfect obedience to his father. And he served mankind. And you just look at the life of Jesus, see how he walks. I'm supposed to try to, as a follower, I'm supposed to what follow what he did, right? So for me, as I was in the foreign mission field, especially um, when it came to healing, it was you get prayed up in advance. Like you store up all the power, if you will, ahead of time. And then you go out and try to leak Jesus, you know, be Jesus with skin on, right? Um, and when I would pray, okay, Father, like speak to me. Where do you want me to go? What do you want me to do? And when I tried to yield my will to his and say, look, I, I'm yes, I have free will, but I can yield that and say, look, in my free will, I, I want you to lead, guide, and direct me. And if I'm open to that prompting and I can hear it and I do it, then I've seen incredible things happen. And when I've seen a situation in several occasions where I would feel the Holy Spirit telling me uh, point blank, heal that person. Well, I know that if I act immediately on that, then I'll, I'll probably see something happen because it's happened a few times. Um, but if I have a half a second to think about it, typically what happens is I go from faith to doubt. And I found that the doubt is the kryptonite of faith. It doesn't work if you're doubting. And what, what that is like, well, what, you know, you start thinking, well, what if it doesn't work? Or what are people going to think of if I say this or if I do that and it doesn't work? You know, that then it becomes about me. And the few times where I acted immediately without allowing myself to go that route, I've seen people get healed, you know, so something's there. There's something happening, happening there. And that's not Rob. I, you know, I don't believe that that's me. I believe that that's God working through me in those situations. If that makes sense. Yeah, no, I think so. I yep. um, and I think I totally agree with what you're saying as far as uh, praying for clarity or in your life, you know, I mean, maybe you're jumbled up and you're making bad decisions and then all of a sudden you, you know, sit down and really talk to God and say, hey, I need clarity in my decisions. And then all of a sudden you see things more clearly and you make better decisions. And, you know, that's uh, certainly possible because you're not affecting anybody's free will. Correct. So, I mean, well, I, that's... I think I think why it's so important, Jaren, is so when you're speaking to God, you're having positive interpersonal communication and society makes you have negative interpersonal communication. They make you, you know, really hate yourself. So I think when you speak to God, it's one of the times you can actually your anxiety goes down and you feel better. So that's why I think, you know, you guys talking about it. I encourage anybody to start praying. And I promise it will help your anxiety. At least it will while you're doing it. No, and you should be. I mean, another thing I think is very important is being thankful. Uh, if there's mm -hmm. one thing I do is you know, every night before I go to bed, I'm thanking God in my head for everything, you know, for my good health, for everything, because you have to be thankful. Um, I don't know. Maybe that's just a superstition, but I certainly think it's so important to do it, man. The, the gratitude effect, they call it. Right. Uh, there's there's in fact, even because I grew up in a very legalistic environment and I would go to bed begging God for forgiveness for everything I did today. So that I don't get whacked tomorrow. You know, it's kind of the mindset that I had growing up that I, I lived in that, you know, I'm going to get whacked cause I did whatever I did, you know? Um, and, and I, I lived in that paradigm for a long time. Uh, it wasn't until after the divorce and everything that 
happened after that, that my relationship with God took a radical change, big shift. And, and a big part of that came out of me being angry with God because he wasn't doing what I wanted him to do. You know, like it's all about me, right? He wasn't doing what I wanted him to do. And so I was getting mad at him. And, you know, I got to a point where, you know, scripture talks about Job, you know, why don't you just curse God and die? Well, I, I wanted to die, so I was cursing him. You know, right. it's like, get get me out of here, man. And I was I was cursing God, yelling at him, screaming at him, angry. And I, he, I, what I found is he, he drew closer to me in those times than perhaps many or most other times in my life because he was a loving father who had a son that was misunderstanding him. And he was, instead of whacking me or abusing me or punishing me, he was lovingly correcting me. And in that process, I started to understand grace like I under, never understood it before. And it, my prayers changed. Yes, I would acknowledge whatever sins that I was committing and recognizing that I shouldn't have done him. But instead of begging God for forgiveness, I recognized he already did and was thanking him for it. Like, just, right. you know, Father, yeah. yes, I recognize I did this. I shouldn't have done it. I'm sorry. Thank you for forgiving me. Like, that was a just that alone, changing my prayer from, oh, God, please forgive me, please forgive me, to, you know what, thank you for forgiving me. It was a radical change in my life and my relationship with him. And and then I just started, just like you, on the same way, thank you for my life, thank you for my wife, thank you for my house, thank you for, like, I go through this whole list of things every night, you know, just that I'm thankful for, you know, uh, it, that's it that changes everything for you when you have this attitude of gratitude absolutely in your yep well we've done uh yeah, that, that is six yeah, hours yeah, this thing just just to finish yeah this res i call it the resonance of gratitude is a cycle you know i i found it actually some aboriginal ways of dealing with nature the cycle of generosity and gratitude for everything and that's that's what i think you guys are talking about and that is a cycle of of goodness that changes your life if you if that's how you vibrate if that's how you live your life i think the understanding that everything you should be grateful for 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 everything even the things that don't go well that's the hardest lesson because sometimes we, we're here to learn something like it's kind of like what jaron was saying about this kind of test ground right um and th those lessons are, I think, they're essential. Yeah, that's that's something. It's sometimes hard to learn, but once you get the pattern, you can kind of fix yourself in a way from the things that were done to you by the system. Because you you shouldn't blame yourself for the things that we have we have to inherit from just being here and being exposed to all this crap that's that's around us. So. Last question. I know it's been six plus hours. Thank you, everybody, for hanging with us. Thank you, Rob, for <laughs> jumping on. It's been awesome. Uh, yeah. One other question I have for you is I've often had this question. But where do you stand on people eating meat? As far as, well, like, as far general? as, do you th do you th yeah, do you think it's a, a good thing? Do you think it's something that God wants uh, I don't think or allows? I, I personally don't think that that was the original plan. If you look at the, the model in the garden... Everything, including animals, mm -hmm. we're, we're eating plants. I think something changed after, um, and and it may have something to do with the corruption of all flesh. Maybe that was part of what caused animals to become carnivorous. Um, and after the flood, when you, if you consider the entire earth being completely wiped out, well, I mean, I'm trying to grow a garden this year. This is my first year trying to do that, and you know, uh, it's not that easy, and stuff takes a while. So. 
yeah. you know, if they had pleaded all their stores on the ark, on the ark during the flood, I could see why provision was made to eat meat, you know, mm-hmm. um, after the flood. Um, but then later we see that he says certain animals you shouldn't eat. That we have the whole clean and unclean, which even Noah recognized because he brought a different number of clean versus unclean animals onto the ark. And coincidentally, science has already proven numerous times that the same animals that God says don't eat, science that has no dog in the hunt and doesn't care about the Bible says the same thing. They said, yeah, you know, that stuff's not good for you. For me personally, I, I'm off meat. Like I just, when I was doing all the balloon chasing with Rick Hummer, when we were doing the high altitude weather balloon stuff, right? it was right near a, um, one of those chicken factory places. Oh God. And just the absolutely horrific conditions that were in those places. And as I started looking into some some of that stuff and what what happens with animals in in the meat industry and stuff like that, man, I just couldn't do it anymore. Like, I'm like, I'm not going to support that. I'm not going to support that industry. And when I started looking into the benefits of the vegetarian and fruit and vegetable diet, I mean, look at Daniel and uh, when he was, you know, captive in Babylon and he said, you know what, I'm not going to eat the king's meat because it's offered to idols and stuff like that. Just give us fruits and vegetables. Well, Daniel and his boys were healthier and stronger than the king's mightiest warriors, you know. Mm-hmm. So I'm going, you know, what? I'm, I'm, I don't I don't want to foster a culture of death for my for my own benefit. So as much as I'm able, I'm going to I'm going to eat plants. And um, did uh, you think Yeshua ate lamb? I believe that he ate lamb for Passover and I believe he ate fish. Um, but right. in, in either cases, uh, both cases, they had a protocol for how you prepared meat, how you killed the animal, and it's nothing like what happens in the meat industry today. Right, very true, very true, touche. Yeah. I mean, what, people, what people who look at how they kill cows barbaric, is ridiculous, is, yeah, so bad. It's so evil, so barbaric, what what they do to the animals today before it ends up in the supermarket. Be better, you know, if they put a, better if they put a gun to the cow's head. Uh, it's it's horrible. That's it's, what they do. You know, they, they do. I'm not no, I don't think that is how they do. I'm not gonna get all ballistic and go crazy on people who eat meat, but for me personally, I'm I'm trying to get. I still eat a little bit of fish every now and yeah, then. Mouse. Yeah, I'm, I'm also I go for wild salmon only, wild yeah. fish if I get a chance. And that's it. And and yogurt and dairy I still go for, but not meat and no pork and anything like that. Nothing. I ate a little dairy. I went vegetarian. It changed my life. My mental health is so much better. I believe that the adrenal glands um, excrete a lot of toxic hormones when they're brutally sure. murdered. And, and so, it, it, so it's, it's like adrenochrome. It's like literally like the adrenochrome that Hillary Clinton drinks. Uh, but, but Rob, I want to say, I know you can't answer this in like two seconds, but where was Jesus for 30 years? And, uh, and was he really a carpenter? What's that all about? And we need to have lunch because I'm in Dallas. Yeah, man. Uh, well, I mean, I think he was, he was learning a craft. He was learning to be a carpenter like his dad. Um, and he was doing what most young men did at that time, you know, growing up and learning the Torah and the prophets and stuff like that. And it was tradition that you had to be 30 years of age before you could take on disciples. And so, you know, I believe he was working on that path, you know, uh, I forgot if you asked what other questions you had, but no, that's it. Rock on, dude. No, you answered it. I'm excited. It was a pleasure to talk to you today. We streamed for a long time. This was badass. 
<laughs> well, I enjoyed yeah, it too, great. guys. And thanks, Jaron. Everything you expressed, you know, about me, I would feel the same way about you. And, you know, I've always encouraged you, man. Just keep, I know that you have a relationship with God that you pray and whether or not you believe the Bible, there's nothing that says we need to have a relationship with the Bible. There's nothing that says we need to have a relationship with religion. So, you know, if, if you're striving to have a closer relationship with God, then I'm, I'm going to be in your corner always and, you know, always enjoy the conversations that we have had. So I appreciate the, the invite. Awesome. Yeah. You have my Skype. Anytime you want to talk, let me know for sure. And we can do it again. But thanks for All coming right. on. All right, guys. Yeah, awesome gonna... talking to you, man. Big fan. You're like a you're a wealth of knowledge. You know? Oh, tell it's people. Very interesting picking tell, your brain. Thanks for letting us. Tell people where they can find you and everything in case they don't know. We're on D Live today because I don't know if you know, but I have a YouTube strike. I'm in trouble. I'm in jail, so I can't uh, I can't be on YouTube today. But go ahead and tell people where they can find you if they want more Rob Skiba. Yeah, do it. Thank you. Uh, I, I, this is kind of the first I've been on DLive, so this is kind of cool. I need to probably, I, I think the writing may be on the wall with me too, man. I uploaded a video the other day and they immediately, as soon as it went to processing, struck it and said violation of terms. Oh, and boy. I'm like, oh, the writing's on the wall, probably. Even you, huh? But, Gee, uh, that's great. Yeah, yeah my, my YouTube channel is just my name, Rob Skiba, but you can go to uh, robschannel.com is sort of the hub that will take you to pretty much everywhere else because I've got a lot of different websites and stuff up there. So you can go to robschannel.com to get to the other sites. Sweet. And I always see you on uh, Facebook. So you're always posting there tons of great content so people can find you there. What's your uh, Facebook? Just under Rob Skiba? It's just my name. Yeah. Yeah. It's got the, it's got a red pill for a profile picture. Yeah. Why did you use red liquid gels instead of red hard tablets? <laughs> it, I just did a Google for red pills and that's what came up. And I was like, oh, I'll use that. And there's no, no real thought going that went into it other than that. Yeah, a lot of people telling Rob to come to DLive. The thing about DLive is you have to do live streams. It's not really for uploading videos, but I do live streams, and then I download them and take them to my website. And oh. so far, they've it, never removed a video for any reason. Does, so, Does it archive your live streams, or is it just... Only for three days. That's the thing that's um, kind of weak about it. But I think that they do that. We were talking about it earlier. I think that they do that so that people who use copyrighted material or who say something that they might get in trouble for by the time that somebody reports it or whatever, it's gone. Now you can become like a uh, verified partner or something, and then you can upload videos and you can, your stream stay on for 30 days, I think. Um, But there's some steps you have, you have to have a thousand followers. There's a couple steps you have to do, but it's pretty nice for live streams. People seem to like it in the chat. Everyone really enjoyed the show. They're able to donate throughout the show. So thank everybody who threw lemons at me. I really appreciate it. Um, (laughs) Somebody says, Rob, you should live stream your virtual church. Oh, so that's what they say. Well, I'm doing that on YouTube. But, and, okay, well, I mean, at least they're allowing you to do that. So, uh, yeah. But yeah, some of us are getting. For me, they, they struck me for impersonation, which doesn't even make sense. We talked about it earlier. It's like, well, who am I impersonating? I don't know what they're even talking about. Um, all right, so that's about it. And you know where to find everybody else. Uh, obviously, you can support everyone here through Patreon, which would be great. Mine is Patreon.com/slash Jaronism. Uh, do you have a Patreon, Rob? I actually don't. Um, I, I have uh, robschannel.com forward slash support. Sweet. So you can go there. So definitely support those that you like. Uh, you know, Rodrigo's here. You can do patreon.com slash anthropology. For Austin, patreon.com slash wits it gets it. Iru is here. He's slash Todos. I think we lost Karen B. She's got one slash Karen B. So anyway. Oh, yes. I won't forget. Everyone's telling me to open the chest. I will not forget. I'm going to do it right now. And then we will head out. So here we go. Opening the chest. 
there's some little chest that distributes lemons to people here, so we're going to do that. But really appreciate huh. everybody here. We had uh, over five and 600 for the whole show, which is awesome. Uh, so thank you guys for coming over. I know we usually do the show on YouTube. It should be back on YouTube next week if my strike goes away as it's supposed to. Um, I believe the strike ends tomorrow, so everything should be back doing both YouTube and DLive. But thank you, everybody, for following us over here. And, Rob, thanks for coming. Oh, and I forgot Alex. You can support Alex, too. Alex, what's your uh, DLive? Don't even your, your worry about that. I oh, just, you, you guys just pray for me out there because it looks like I might be uh, going to hell after the way I talked to Rob today. So you guys just, <laughs> just put me in your prayers. That's all I need. No, the size of giant so penis is right, very important. Man. You're going to come around, big dog. Very important stuff. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys, it's been fun. We'll see you uh, Sunday, right? Yeah, Sunday for Globusters, 12 noon. It'll be on this D-Live and Globusters D-Live. So check it out, and we will talk to you soon. Uh, I remind you, do your own research, because when you do, you'll never again believe what you've been taught. Till next time, see you later, everybody. Peace. <laughs>